Well, good evening and welcome along to what is a world first in politics, I would have to say. Well, I haven't done this before, so anyway, let's see how we go. But it is Lonely Hearts, so if you're out there and tonight, and Jones, I can't believe it, 25% of people out there say they're lonely. Well, we thought we're here with our staff. They've uh, offered to come and join us and help out with the telephone calls. So we're going to speak to you, the people of Australia, and um, we want to hear from you what you think the year has been like for you, what's your problems, what's your issues, or talk about politics, what I've been up to, what the party's been up to. But, um, you know, it's going to be an interesting night, James. Well, it's been a big year and there's been positives and negatives along the whole way. And, um, you know, you've had a tough year, I'd have to say. But um, at the same time, too, you've also rolled out some real positives, too, that a lot of people in this country have either missed, the media have missed, or... You know, you don't go around patting yourself on the back, so it's... We've, had a, we've all had our highs and lows. It doesn't matter who you are, what your station in life, whether you're male or female or maybe, a, you know, young kid out there trying to find their way in life. Um, we've all done it tough, and a lot of people do it tough, but that's what life is all about. James, I've got to say, that intro that you had um, about Australia... You know, absolutely beautiful. So from the bushfires, people have been affected by that. And then you go to the beautiful waters. That where was that up around? That was Great Keppel Island, oh, a place that fantastic. has just been forgotten in so many ways. And it's um, it's dying for some redevelopment and tourism. You know, why Scott Morrison went to over to Hawaii when we've got those beaches that you saw in that drone footage is beyond me. And it's uh, quiet. No one's over there, really. Uh, the it's a beautiful place. I have been there. And, yes, it should have been developed and they should have allowed the casino to go ahead there. But it was Labor. They didn't want it to go ahead. No one's really pushed it. And it's a shame because we need something in central Queensland around that Rockhampton, Yapoon area, and to get the, the central Queensland moving. So tonight we've got some unseen photographs and footage that has been taken from Pauline's travels across the country. And you might be a Queensland senator, but at the end of the day, you're required right across the country as party leader. I know it's been a difficult job for me, but, you know, the highlight of this year, James, I think, is is um, getting Malcolm re-elected to the Parliament. Yeah. It's fantastic to have him in the Parliament with me, but also to see Mark Latham and Rod Roberts elected to the New South Wales Parliament. Um, they've been doing a fantastic job, and I'm so proud of um, all the members of Parliament. Yeah. Stephen Andrews here in Queensland for the seat of Morani. We've got two members over in WA. So thank you to the people out there who've I've got to tell you something. Stephen Andrew tonight is also working in his seat of Morani. He's helping some cane farmers eradicate because he's a, a pest eradication officer as well in his spare time. So he's eradicating a whole bunch of feral pigs tonight. So g'day, Stephen. You're in a paddock there somewhere. I know that. And he's camped out in his camouflage and he's got a, a gate there ready just waiting for seven pigs, he told me about earlier today. So he'll be busy. He's helping um, Alan Parker up there around the air region. Oh, Alan the cane grower. Hi, Alan. And if you're watching this, James, let's um, just tell people a few things here. There's a delay in the in the system, so turn off your what your phones or yeah, look, if, about this. If you're in the queue, ready to have a chat to Pauline tonight, it's very simple. Just make sure your volume's right down to nothing, and uh, we can put you through. Otherwise, you get a 16 second delay. One three hundred. 857-466 is the number that comes straight through. We've got uh, 16 lines waiting, 16 seconds delay. And uh, I tell you what, we've got a crew of excited staffers who gave up their night tonight. You're not drinking. 
I have my water, James. Well done. I'm not on the sauce either. <laughs> uh, let me just um, – oh, that word, sauce. You had, to, you had to use that word again, didn't you? Thanks, James. Um, but I was going to say um, – I've lost it, James. Don't worry. Let's go to the first caller, Alex. Have we got calls lined up? Righto. First caller is Emily. She's from Rudy Hill. Hello, Emily. Hello. Hi. Hello. 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 Yes, we can hear you, Emily. How are you? Hello. How are you? Go ahead. What's going on? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, we can. We've got every <laughs> delay, so hopefully it all works now. Go for it. That's okay. Um, I just thought I'd take a wind and call. I'm not really sure. I don't really know a lot about politics. Not going to lie. Um, but I'm 23. I'm from Sydney. Um, and it's... I've had to leave my home due to family domestic violence. I'm, and it's my first year without my young daughter. Um, and I've just been a, a little bit lonely. So I thought I'd call just to kind of uh, <laughs> get that happiness face. Um, I'm so you know? sorry to hear that. How old is your daughter? And, and yeah, how, old, how old is she? Uh, my, <laughs> my daughter's name is Marley and she is almost... Oh, dear, dear. I, I know what you might be going through. I've got four of my own children, and I've had my grandchildren around me um, for Christmas, and I put them on a plane and waved them hooray, and they've gone back to Tasmania. But, you know, it's it's tough on you, and it's tough on a lot of people out there who are not spending that time with their kids. And uh, I know I've got my own children that are going through it, so I know exactly what you're talking about. I've gone through it as a mother myself. And I've gone through it as a grandmother. You've got to always have hope that next year may be different. Today wasn't. Um, you, you know, your daughter's not with you. But always have hope, Emily, and always think positive in the future. It won't always be like this. I can tell you from experience, I've had my down times in my life, and I think there wouldn't be a person that has not gone through their down times and, and you know, a little bit depress depressed. But, you know, it does get better. And it's up to you now. We don't look forward to, to a better day ahead. Remember your daughter, she is the love of your life and she's always there for you. Yep. And yeah. just, just hope and try and work towards um, trying to get a bit more time with her and spend that time with her. You will in the future. You will. Give hope. Yeah, definitely. Um, Do you know what well, Night to spend time or talk to people that are lonely because there are so many people that are. So I wanted to say thank you so much. It's my pleasure. No worries. Take care. You have a really good night. Thank you so much. Good night, Emily. Righto. We've got another call. I think we're going to the yellow ones, Alex, are we? Yeah. Righto. Let's go to Noel. He's in Mildura. Now, Noel, have you got an issue with the council there, mate? Oh, we've got him now. Hi, Noel. Hey, Noel, that heavy breathing's lovely, mate, but uh, if you want to scare people, another line, mate. Are you there, Noel? Oh, we got you. Hello. Hi. Hello, Noel. Got some issues with dogs, mate, in your council area. Yeah, um, if there's anything the government can do about getting rid of councils, because I've really had enough. Um, that council guy comes in here and says my dogs are barking, and they're not, then it's a neighbour's dog, and I've got video evidence to prove it. 
you know, one, two, three, four o'clock in the morning, and my neighbours dog barking quite often, not mine, mine all the sleep. And then go out that dog and call anything, wouldn't stand up in court, because the only means my dogs aren't barking. Um, when, when that one is. And it's not true, and you definitely can come around and take your dog and destroy it. Right. Now, are you saying that they're accusing it of being your dog that's barking, but it's actually the neighbour's dog? That's right. Right. Can I offer a suggestion? Go and leave your dog with a, with a friend for a couple of weeks or whatever. Then, or in a pound, um, you know, in a doggy home where it's going to be happy. And what I'd suggest is that when you're accused of your dog barking, you can prove that your dog has not been there because that might be better than them accusing you and coming and taking your dog away. What do you think? Yeah, it, 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 look, it's tough, but you've got to prove your case as well. Otherwise, I don't know why they're targeting you if it's not your dog that's doing the barking, and you said you've got proof of it. So, yeah. try and think well, of something. Yeah. I live in a caravan, and the dog stays up or down on the land all night. Yeah. Well, he can't be up by barking. <laughs> well, well, that's right. But anyway... Give that some thought, Noel. Sort that out. Definitely take Pauline's advice and uh, and check in with some friends and see if they'll take him for a week and see if he can solve that problem. Hopefully that works. It's a good idea. I like it. Tell me, Christmas, how was it? Well, actually, it's it was great. I stayed home. Did you put on weight? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, I haven't put on weight. I've I'm, I'm been trying to exercise in the pool, actually. I've got a pool at home, so I love my swimming. I love being home. But I have sort of watched what, I, what I've been eating mm -hmm. and drinking. So I know it's the time of the year that you can put it on. And, and James, when you, get, when you get at a certain age, right, it doesn't burn off the calories as much as what it used to be. I know all about it. Yeah. I've got a medium shirt tonight and I feel like uh, it's all gone to the middle. Well, I don't know people out there. I, I had friends over and they said we have not stopped eating over the period of time. And it's been absolutely fantastic. The ham, the turkey, everything... The food's been laid on. How do the kids so, go? Because you had, no, you had great. two grandkids, first time they've done Christmas at the farm. How do they go? Well, two. Oh, you, and, well, Adam's and, yeah. boy was there too, yeah. And, yeah, and the rest. And then my, um, the other adopted two, so that's my son's partner's couple of kids. So it was, uh, I've got the pictures and I've got the memories. And guess what? It's, the house is quiet now. No broken legs, no broken arms with that new motorbike? No, no. Good. Actually, the motorbike um, wasn't working, so that's got to get fixed. So it didn't happen. So yeah, one motorbike amongst five grandkids. Yeah, I know, but that's that's where it is. Yeah. But um, it was good. I tell you what, they love the pool from Tassie. They don't have a pool, so they don't swim. And listen, the grandson who was five, he he was taking swimming lessons in Tasmania, and he came up and thought he'd go in the pool, jump in the pool, but he sunk to the bottom, didn't he? Oh. So actually, taught him how to swim. And uh, in 10 days, he can actually swim to the side. Taught him how to dive. He loved it. Guess what? Didn't want to go home. Didn't want to leave Grampy. <laughs> That's good weather up here versus Tassie. All right, another call. We've got Matt from Victoria. Matt, family law is your issue. You want him to uh, have a chat to Pauline? Hi, Matt. How are you? Hello. Matt from Victoria. Hi. How are you going? Hi, how are you, Pauline? Very well, thank you, Matt. First, I thank you for um, taking my call. I do appreciate it. My pleasure. 
Um, I just wanted to thank you for all the work you've been doing in the um, family law reform. Matt, it is um, such a big issue and I understand this has been going on for years and years. When I first was first in Parliament in 1996 to 1998, it was one of the biggest issues. Politicians know that. And I get so frustrated to think that they have not done anything about it. They know the system is broken. They know it needs to be fixed. And it's something that I was um, determined to have an inquiry into it. I personally think it needs a Royal Commission. And uh, I will be pushing for this inquiry. I've got some great colleagues um, right across the board from both Labor and the National and the and Liberal Party that are on the committee with me. And I think that we will work extremely well together and uh, to take this across the country so it can be the people's voice. Well, see, the problem is, Pauline, what's been happening, and I'm a, I'm a member of a few Facebook groups about um, single dads and you know, dads who have been alienated from their kids and myself being one of them. I mean, I haven't had physical contact with my two girls for um, nearly coming up three years now. Um, I mean, I had an IVO called in on me or put on me yeah. after a welfare check. So after I got a welfare check done by the police, um, she got an IVO out on me for her. Um, you know, but it's a lot bigger than myself, and um, I've spoken to many, many dads um, who are in similar, if not worse, conditions. I mean, um, I spoke to uh, a dad a couple weeks ago, and um, he'd been getting dragged over hot coals by child services. Yeah. Um, now, I know him quite personally, personally um, hard-working guy, broke up with his ex-partner, yeah. And it just turned really, really nasty. Man, it's 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 um, from both sides, okay? Both um, whether you're the mum or whether you're dad. And I've heard it from both sides. I had Emily on who was on earlier. She doesn't get to see her daughter, okay? She's two years of age. So it's right across the board. I feel for those parents that are not spending the special time with their family, for the kids, any time, that they can't see their kids and, and spend that special time with them. And this needs to change. And even people out there who use, you know, false ABOs or DVOs or, you know, these um, get these orders against their partners and, and using that against them, I think it's wrong. And these people need to actually really have a hard, good look at themselves and what they are doing. It's not about them, the individual. It's not about the mother or father. It's about the child. The child has a right to both see the, the both parents, mum and the dad, and the child has a right to see the grandparents as well and the extended families. And I'm very strong on that. And uh, I know from experience, my own children have gone through it. I'm not going to deny that. It's not about a personal interest. I'm taking up this fight as a member of parliament elected by the people of this nation to bring up the issues that concerns them. And I am going to do that and I will do it and fight for justice for everyone. Hey, Matt, hopefully no, that works out for you, mate. And uh, we appreciate yeah, the fact no, that's that... Perfect. Yeah, no, we, we really appreciate your phone call tonight. And um, by all means, I hope you've got a submission in. So I do, I you do. do. Good. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, the most important do. thing, yeah. And we heard today, again, that this is one of the most... Uh, this is the, the biggest 
amount of submissions that the government have received. Apparently, that's what the Secretariat actually told us, the committee, that um, they can't believe the number of submissions coming in. It is a huge issue, James. I knew oh. that. Um, just travelling around the country, people pull me up in the shopping centres, they pull me up. You know. Yeah, You've no. been with me. Yeah. You work with me. Yeah. You know how big this is. And even the other politicians, they know how big it is. And that's why. We've really got to come up with the answers from this. Listen to the people, listen to what they've, they're going to tell us, those ones that get before us and talk to the committee, and try and find the right answers to give everyone some sense of justice, you know, that whether you're a mum or whether you're a dad, you have a right to spend that time with your child. But more importantly, it's about the child. The child has a right to spend that time with the mum and dad. And I think we have a lot of problems in, in the country now with people around the world because they've been denied that contact with their parents, with their extended families. And it's like that, that woman that pulled me up in Rockhampton. She said, I was denied the right to see my father. She's now 35 and she's gone through issues with that. Yeah. It's a real shame. She said, I was denied the right. One thing that will never, ever leave my mind was that first meeting you had with Malcolm Turnbull when he was Prime Minister. Mm. And we went to Sydney to his office. He had his pot of green tea and he spoke to you about the things that were most important to you at that time. And family law was there in the top two. And I never forget the response in which he gave was, it's a tough, it's a one, tough one, one, tough one. And so did George Brandis when I, I took it to the Attorney General at that time. Mm. And they didn't want to know. And I kept pushing and pushing and I said I wouldn't let go of it. And that's when I had um, Diana Bryant. She was the uh, Chief Justice at the time. She's now the former Chief Justice of uh, New South Wales. And I had another um, bar uh, judge. I'm a judge there. And, and I had solicitors. I had um, Brandis' office. And I thought, no, I'm not giving up on this. No. And finally, they saw the light at the end of the tunnel. And they thought, yeah, we better start doing something about it. Mm. No, I could see from that first meeting that unless you had the balance of power in that first parliament, it was never going to happen. Because there was no interest, was it? No, it wasn't. But um, that's part and parcel of actually being with a minor party and having the balance of power in the Senate. And this is what people have to understand. The major political parties will say, you know, this is why we can't get anything done because we don't have t control of both houses. The upper house is where the legislation from the lower house goes. The upper house gets passed there, then it becomes law. The thing is that if it's challenged in the upper house by us, the minor parties, or those independents, they can't just push the legislation through. And that many times I've picked up issues with the legislation, I don't think it's right for the country and right for the people. Or we've improved the legislation to make it better, like the ABCC bill, or like we stopped the corporate tax cuts over 50 million turnover, or just recently the um, Ensuring Integrity Bill. Yeah. So these are reasons why it's important to have the minor parties or have people there who you, you know, believe are there for your best interests or for the country's best interests. And uh, it's not about my personal gain, whatever. It's about listening to the people and coming up with other suggestions and to the government and saying what, what I think they're doing wrong. I don't always get it right. You don't always agree with me, but you can't please everyone. It's about taking the, the time to really listen and try and find the right answers. And I think one of the most frustrating parts for me from an from a outsider's point of view as well, just hearing, it doesn't matter which way you vote on legislation, 
one side will always say you're either in the pockets of somebody or you've done a deal. And it's very frustrating because I know you look at legislation on its merit. I see that all the time and, yep. I, and I know that's why we got additional staff in our office was to be across all the legislation. But I tell you what, it doesn't matter which way you jump, someone will always say you've done it for X, Y, Z reasons, not the real reason that has been expressed um, many times. I, I base my argument based on my principles, what I believe in and my morals and uh, I will stick by that. I've been able to get a, a couple of things because I've fought for issues. Um, case in point. What we get for um, up in Townsville? Yeah, um, five million dollars. That was from the very get-go. Five million bucks for the motorsport precincts. They had been trying for 13 years to get this off the ground. I'd lived in Townsville for six years, so I knew the area really well. Six thousand people up there wanted this motorsport precinct, and I remember the coalition missed out on that seat. In 2016, by about by 37, 37 a votes. Dozen votes. That's right, and mm. they lost that seat. So they actually approached me about this five. Uh, well, they wanted some money for the motorsport precinct. Precinct cost around about twenty million dollars, and. What it does is what they've fought for for 13 years to get some money from it. The council donated the land, good on the council um, in Townsville donating the land, but they couldn't get any funding from the federal or the state government. So anyway, they, they then approached me. So I then approached the government about it. Well, the government gave me the $5 million for them. I'm happy to say that another election promise was another $7 million on top of that, and uh, which they've got. Yeah. So they've turned the first dot side. Yeah, only a couple of weeks start. before Christmas. But mm. you know what it's going to bring? $25 million to the town and it's actually going to create about 120 or 130 jobs yeah. and it's going to stop the, those services like your fires, your yeah. police, those emergency services going down to Brisbane to do their training so they driver can stay train. in driver training yeah, and they can stay in town. It made common sense. Yeah. So anyway, we got that happening. All right, let's go back to calls. one three hundred eight five seven four double six 857 466 is our line. Uh, you can call about anything. You can say how good the year's been. You can say how bad it's been. Um, I know we're on the countdown to New Year's Eve. It's 6.22. We've put a counter up in the, in the corner of the screen, by the way. And um, I think we've got a Queenslander online. Peter is ready to go. Hi, Peter. Hi, how are you? You're talking Hi. to Pauline, Peter. Go Hi, ahead, Peter. mate. Hi, Peter. Hello. Hi, Pauline. Hello. Yeah, this is Peter. Um, I I found your line, and I um, I think I have some thing. I probably you are the person, you are the right person to talk to. I feel very lonely for seven, for six years because I'm the only person in Brisbane. I don't have. I do not have any relatives here. You don't. Sorry, Peter. What's uh, that? You don't have any what? Relatives. I do not have any relatives. Our oh, relatives. Yes. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and uh, um, I met. Um, I had. A, uh, I had a wife, but she left me with the child for sixty. Uh, for six years. And uh, she took uh, she took our only child away when the child was only one and a half years old. 
that was in 2013, December, before Christmas. And, and you, you haven't seen the child and you don't know where the child is and where, where your wife is? I, I know the child, the child is in Brisbane. Yep. But I could not see her. I could not get, I could not have the Christmas with her since that, since 2013. And uh, the only reason is because she made a false allegation against me. Yeah. And uh, when I saw the news, you said some mother, they made a false allegation against the father in order to uh, in order to uh, get the custody in favor of, of them. This is exactly the case happened to me. This seems to be very common, the, doesn't it? It is We're coming. hearing this all the time, and this is why this family law review is so important. People who are listening out there, it is unfair to make false allegations against someone else to further your own interests. Um, you know, I have always believed, be upfront, be honest, tell the truth. You know, Peter's been denied the right to see his daughter um, because of false allegations. He's a father that's feeling lonely, he's missing his daughter, wants to see his daughter. And there's been Matt and there's been Emily, been different ones. But it breaks my heart, James. I just the stories, I, I can't understand it. It doesn't matter where you go. And look, enough people talk to me as well about the same issue. In fact, they talk to all of our candidates and members of parliament about the family law issue. A lot of the time when people separate, it seems as though uh, they're being advised to go and tell these lies. And they're being advised by friends that have been through the system, they're being advised by, uh, well, what appears to be poor advice from lawyers. I think it's the wrong advice when lawyers are actively saying advice. to people, go if and you, do If this. you really love your kids, yeah. you wouldn't do that to your children because they pine as well. If, you, if your marriage is broken up or your relationship's broken up, fair enough. Well, just get on and talk to each other and talk about the kids. Yeah. And um, I've got, look, I've got to say, I have the same issue. When I broke up with my husband, I said, look, I'm not happy. So we split up. And he, after that, he knew it was his, his fault why I left. And, uh, but he still came over and he had a, you know, coffee with me and he, and he did some plumbing work at the house and we got on well until he met his new partner. Well, wasn't it downhill then? Mm -hmm. Because nasty, don't, you can't talk to me anymore. You have to deal, deal through her. And I thought, you know, this is not what it's about. You are the father of children. Then he didn't turn up to see them at all. And then one day, he turned up and, and the, um, it was a couple of months later, with the, all these presents from Freestar. And I came home and the kids were there, Mum, look what Dad dropped off. Oh, did he? And I thought, well, he hasn't got time to actually come and see you, spend time with you, but he can actually drop off all these gifts and presents. And I thought, that's not what my kids want. They want a father in their life. Mm. So I put the kids and the presents in the car. I drove over to the house. We had a six-foot-high, seven-foot-high brick fence, and I took the presents out and I hoiked them over the fence. Guess what? I got a phone call from him that night. Guess what? He started seeing the kids again. I said, don't ever try and buy the kids. Yeah. They're your children. Spend time with them. And that's why I think they should.
All right, your calls, 1300 857 That's the easiest one. Uh, 1300 857 466. Actually, we'll try and get this number up on the screen here. There you go. That's the easiest way. If uh, you follow that, type it into the phone. You'll speak to either Cheryl, Alex or Rod. I know they're all taking phone calls at the moment. And we'll try and get you on air as soon as possible. Now, I believe we're back in Queensland and tea is ready to go. Go for it, Tia. G'day. How are you? G'day. Have you got rain around your place, Tia, or is it dry? Uh, it's dry. Well, I'm inside, so it's dry, I think. <laughs> well, I'd hope so. <laughs> Whereabouts are you in Queensland? Um, Brisbane. Brisbane? Yeah. Yep. Is it Pauline? Yes. How are you? Oh, Hi. I'm good, how are you? I'm good. What would you like to talk about? Um, so I'm currently impatient. Um, I have an eating disorder. So I was kind of just wondering what um like what do you think it's important to educate like younger children about like healthy relationships with food and everything and like I just wanted to see like what you thought about mental health and all that sort of stuff. What do I think about now? I got the second one, mental health, and what you should teach young children. Was that it? I just didn't yeah, know. sort of. I yeah, must it all into one. Sorry. Domestic. Just help me, James. Did you? I'm, I wasn't really picking up what Tia's saying. What's eating saying? disorder first? Let's go to the eating disorder. What's what's driving yeah. it, Tia? Sorry. What's driving it? You've obviously spoken to some specialists already, have you? Um, yeah, currently I'm impatient, but I was just wondering, like, what do you think a healthy relationship with, like, food looks like and everything? I kind of just wanted to get, like, someone else's, like, okay. perspective. You've got an, e like, you've yeah. got an eating disorder with your child. Uh, look, I, let me make it quite clear. I'm no professional. I have no medical experience in this area. All I can talk to you about it is is probably from my experiences as being a mother. And uh, yeah. so you've asked my opinion. How old was the daughter or the child? Oh, no, I have one. Oh, you have an eating disorder? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry, honey. That's, why, that's why I can't, you know, I wasn't really hearing clearly no, what you were no, saying. No, no, you're okay. Yeah. I just, yeah, so I was just sort of wondering, like, do you think it's important to educate younger children and everything, like, in school about, like, mental health and all that sort of stuff and, like, what sort of your, like, uh, opinion as, like, uh, a political person. I have to tell you, I think our society's changed so much since I was a child growing up, and the imaging that people have, um, you know, and I, and I think your your eating habits possibly may even come from from your childhood in your own household. Um, it could be stress, it could be worries that you have, it could be financial circumstances of buying the right food. I I don't know. Why do you think you might have an eating disorder? Is it because of depression? Is it because of? Um, um, I'm, I'm honestly still working through that with some um, psychologists and yeah. specialists trying to figure out where it came from. So, yeah, I don't know. Early helping earlier could have been changing my outcomes or anything. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I said, I'm not a health professional in this area by no means, and I wouldn't purport to be one. But I, I think. You know, do you like to go out to, to lunch or dinners or spend time with, with someone and have, have something to eat and relax with them? Is there someone special in your life that you just like to hang out with? And tell me, do you relax when you're with them? 
we'll have something to eat with them. Yeah. Um, I also just wanted to know, like, what would you like to see change in the mental health department and all that sort of stuff? If it was in mental health with eating disorders? Yeah. I think it should be dealt with, yes, because it does have a real impact on a lot of people's lives um, with eating disorders. Um, I have no uh, idea of what caused it. And you're going to see a, a psychologist, um, which I think it's, it's great that you're doing that. Yeah. So I'd just suggest go and get that, that help. Um, try and spend some, like I asked, do you have um, spend time with your friends or family that you feel comfortable to eat with with them, mm-hmm. and um, try and sort of do that slowly. Spend a little bit more time, and and especially food that you really enjoy eating. So yeah, it sounds like you're in yeah. the best place possible because uh, at the end of the day, if you've if you've got a problem you've acknowledged, obviously yeah. um, you've got some help on hand, which yeah. is just fantastic. So well done to you for taking the first step to getting yourself healthy again, hey? You have a great yeah. night and thank you for the phone call. All the best here. Take thank care. Thank you, Oh, yeah, quick question. Um, so what are your views on anti-Semitism in Australia today as a Jewish person? I don't believe there should be any anti-Semitism. No. There shouldn't be. Well, we've yeah. actually got a Jewish lady that works in our office. Yeah. Yep. So um, I think there shouldn't be any of that. No, there shouldn't. And it's, and it's happening. People are trying to bring it in, and, and I'm totally opposed to it. Yeah. Hey, Tia, thanks right, for the call. Thanks. Bye. 1-300-857-466. We'll get you in touch with Pauline tonight. Now, you've had a pretty big year. If you remember correctly, early this year in February, we flew to Townsville because there was obviously the, the floods that took place up there. Yep. Um, and I just want to show some photos that some people probably haven't seen. These, where were these taken, by the way? This was in, um, oh golly, well, that was Border Force. And if uh, we're looking at this up at Darwin, so I went up there to the parliamentary program with Border Force, and we went on that. What are these photos that you're showing? There's... That's that, that's Border Force, yeah. <laughs> that was hey, Border Force. Riding, so, uh, key. <laughs> so I did the program with Border Force, yeah, and. Um, Oh, this was the floods in Townsville. That couple that we met at Townsville, we went to yep. their home. So they we were, were surprised. Able, we, they were. I went knocking on their door. So they sent a, an email that morning, didn't they, to my office and then found me knocking on their door in Townsville. <laughs> Within a matter of a couple of hours, they were terribly surprised. It was. But we were able to help them. Yeah, we, we were. Um, they couldn't get funding because even though all underneath their house had been flooded, the issue was that um, they claimed, the insurance claimed that it didn't come up past the floorboards. And yet everything, if you know what Townsville's like, people leave everything under the house. They've got their third bedroom or fourth right. bedroom yeah. under there. They've got a uh, washing machine and, and clothes and everything. So those poor buggers really copped the raw end of the stick. And you were, you were able to help them, which was fantastic. It was horrific. And the, they got a real Everything shock. that we saw in the, in the streets or everyone's belongings and furniture and everything that was there. Oh, now, James, now, don't tell me you've got this photo up here. I wanted to show people this. No one's ever seen this. You were in bed, in well, not just any bed. This was Canberra Hospital. You'd left the parliament uh, because, was that the parliament you left? I can't remember. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we you left parliament because... No, no, I didn't leave parliament. I got dressed that morning. It was Monday morning and I got dressed to go to parliament 
And anyway, I thought, geez, I'm not feeling real well after after Saturday. And I've got to tell you, I actually went to a function at the park and they put on a, a spread and there was Indian food and I had this curry and this was the Saturday. So anyway, Saturday night I started feeling crook. And then Sunday I went out to do some garden yard work and I'm feeling... I am not well at all. And I ended up Saturday night, Sunday night with pains in my stomach. And I thought, geez, I'm not eating curry again anymore. <laughs> so, and then flew down to Canberra on the Sunday afternoon. Yep. Sunday night I was crook. And then on Monday morning, I finally rang my doctor in Canberra. And I said, I really don't feel well. I've had this for nearly three days now. Anyway, she said, I think you better get in here because you don't normally complain unless it's quite serious. So I went in there as soon as she, she put me up in the bed and pressed on my stomach, my side of my stomach, I said appendicitis and she said, I think so. So straight into hospital, whacked out that day. Mm, it was. And you had, you had it, it had perforated though. It had perforated. So the operation normally takes about 45 minutes. Mine took about an hour and a half because they had to scrape the wall of the, of the, um, a stomach, the yeah. side wall, because it had perforated. And, of course, they had trouble finding it because it was um, under my larger intestines or whatever. So, yeah, so I was a bit sore, sore and sorry, and that's what I couldn't get over. You couldn't believe that uh, I'd stayed in hospital as long. You said, as a kid, you had it I done, you whacked out. And I said, James, the hell of a difference between you being a kid and my being 65 and having this done. Well, on uh, Boxing Day, I ran into a bloke I know pretty well up in Yapoon, he had actually had his removed, but his had perforated. And even though it had perforated, they, they, they'd got it out. He had to be flown down to Brisbane for the uh, Royal Flying Doctors. They then had to cut him open. The scars are right across him. And uh, he's going to live with that for the rest of his life. I know a lot of people that have had the early day surgery before they had keyhole have got those scars right down their chest. And it's, and it's vicious. It's a vicious looking cut. I had fantastic doctors. Anyone listening from Canberra, thank you so much for looking after me. You're fantastic. And hospitals, I hear it all the time. The Australian people think that the nursing profession and the doctors are absolutely fantastic and do a wonderful job. And uh, I think so too. So thank you. Did you know you got people watching you from um, Fiji and says, Bulla? I'm guessing that's a lie. Is that uh, right? Yeah, yes. Thank you. Oh, that's yes. nice. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So, hi to everyone in Fiji. I actually, they've just had the cyclones over there, which have stopped the number of holiday makers either coming home or going over. So, um, g'day to everyone in Fiji. How about we go to Caroline? Let's go to Caroline. Uh, Alex, let's pull her up, mate. Hello, Caroline. <laughs> oh, oh she's on, mate. Jeez, throw that through my ear again. <laughs> With deaf, no time. All right, next call. Let's go, Sharu. Hello, Sharu from Newcastle. How are you, mate? Hello. Hello, Sharu. Hello, Mr. Henson. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. What about yourself? Uh, I really want to say you thank you for your initiative for current uh, family law inquiry. Because Ooh. of the false allegations, fake evidences, and then false epidemics from my ex-husband. I'm struggling in family court from last four and a half years. I even didn't see my children from almost last three years. And I hope that after this inquiry, my children and I will get justice from family court. I really, I'm very, very thankful to you for your hard work. 
Look, I, I hope that is the case. What we're trying to achieve here is, is to streamline the whole system for people so it's not a huge expense. People lost their homes, paying for these outrageous costs going through the family law system. They're not seeing their kids. Um, there's so many issues there that needs to be addressed. And, um, and I'm hoping that we can actually come to some recommendations that the government takes up to make the system better and fairer for all Australians, but mainly for the children. I think it's important for the children as well. And as I've said, and I'll keep repeating it, if you were one of those parents out there and you have the children and you know they haven't seen the other parents for, for quite some time, please pick up the phone, give them the phone call and just, just let the kids say, um, wish them a happy new year. Or just say, let the kids make contact with them. Doesn't and take much, does it? It doesn't. That's no. all. It's just a phone call. Yeah. Totally agree. I know that they thought of. Well, good luck, Sharu, because uh, it's important, and we're hearing this all the time, men and women that are going through the same thing. And it's uh, this this family law matter doesn't discriminate. Well, in some cases it does. In in fact, you know, we know it's it's weighted in some respects, but uh, and that's what the inquiry will hopefully um, bring out over the next couple of months anyway. So you've got a lot of travel over the next few months. It has. We're, we're hoping to take it, well, we are taking it to every state and territory in the country. We're taking it to every capital city plus outside rural and regional areas. So we're going to hit hit it in March. Uh, there will be a, um, that's when we're opening up for um, a couple of weeks of March for about four four days each week. And uh, again, in April, April, so we're looking at the dates and where we're actually taking the inquiry. I know one of the complaints you've said behind closed doors is this is not moving fast enough, is it? Look, over Christmas, it's taken a while to get started. I would have liked to have the first inquiry, if we could, um, meeting, hearing in the end of January, I wish it could have been. It's going to be full on this year. Yeah. Apart from the family law inquiry I have this year, I've also got an inquiry in the daring. Yeah. That's that's happening as well. And also now I'm on the committee with the Aboriginal Affairs. So that's that special committee about um, constitutional recognition. So I'm involved in that as well. And Funny, they want to kick you off all those. <laughs> well, I certainly didn't want the Darren inquiry to go ahead. They feel they've done enough now with the mandatory code of conduct that's coming in that I think is not the answer to it. They've knocked back my dairy bill by one vote. I missed out on that. So you can thank the National Party for that. They should have been standing up for the people in the bush. And um, so anyway, we'll keep going. I'm going to keep raising that until we get a fair farm gate price for the, for the farmers. Did you get Christmas cards from the Nationals this year? Let me think about it. Did Bridget send you a Christmas card? No, she didn't. No? No. Did David send you one? Um, I think he did, James. Did he? Yes, I did. Okay. No, I've got to say that. I think David did. Does he want and, your preferences? Um, <laughs> there's no preference. Hi, David. All right. <laughs> um, no, definitely Bridget didn't. I'm not on her mailing list, James. I can pretty much say did that. Did you send her one? No. Okay. They are reciprocal often. Yes. Oh, okay. No, you've got to be fair about this. All right, I've got some more photos from behind the scenes. Uh, we have this one here. This was taking Cloncurry. Do you remember? This was the floods. This was oh, the floods in Cloncurry. We did too. I, I see all these guys in army gear and I'm thinking, geez, I've been around the other side of the world to do with the army. Mm. And um, yes. Do you remember Cloncurry. these guys here? Now, where was that? Julia Cloncurry. Creek. Julia Craig. Julia Craig, they oh, were the helicopter pilots. That's right. These, yes. these blokes were doing the work that the military couldn't do 
because at that time the hay was not sealed, so it wasn't wrapped. And uh, there was a fear that uh, unless it was wrapped, it could ignite in the air and then um, bring helicopters down. So these guys, these guys were slinging hay to uh, to stranded cattle during those floods. Yep. And remember the fellow on the uh, the left hand side there? He had cuts and he'd been in the water and he had just his uh, I don't know what it was. What was going on with his skin? But he was he was severely in pain, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. A lot of these guys too, um, the others come and spoke to us and they were really concerned about them because the images they were seeing of these yeah. cattle and they were flying all, constantly all the time trying to save as many cattle as they could and drive them to higher ground or drop or yeah. feed for them. And cutting and they, fences. They were, they were doing it really tough. Yeah. They were, mentally they yeah. were doing it very, very tough yeah. and yet we don't look at um, that and they, they go through. They were in the pub at uh, Julia Creek for a, a, a palmy for the evening and then I know they were camping out in a shed ready to get back in the choppers at first light the next day. So they did a, a remarkable job. And then uh, the Mayor of Cloncurry as well was very helpful. He uh, he ran you through uh, the, the, the systems that were being put in place. And that was one emergency, unlike the fires, that the military were actually brought into, weren't they? Yeah. So... No, it's very good. All right, uh, your calls, one three hundred eight five seven four double six. Apparently, if you have a look at some of the comments on online, there are some issues with the phone quality, so we're just trying to fix that up, so just bear with us. In the meantime, you can dial us, one three hundred eight five seven four double six. Alex, I think you're handling the phone calls. We've got someone ready to go, mate. I can't see anyone on the screen. Michael, righto, let's go with Michael. Hi, Michael, how are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Good. Where are you from? Where are you from? Uh, I'm calling from Gladstone, Queensland. Love Gladstone. Oh, Gladstone. Yeah, it's a good area. Yeah. Yeah. It is yeah. good. It's been through some tough times up there just recently, especially since yeah. the, the work's dropped off. I know housing prices have dropped off dramatically, but uh, still a good area, right on the beach, good fishing. Yeah, it is. Yep, love it. Yeah. What do you do up there? Well... Um, well, I, I work for my partner who owns our coffee machine business. Uh, we do servicing and repairs. Good. On coffee machines for the hospitality industry. Good. Excellent. What question have you got for Pauline? I just want to know, you know how long is Pauline going to go with this suggested submissions to treating the violence with the um, spouses to pay damages? Um... With spouses paying damages for, for what? Yeah. No, just repeat your question again. I didn't hear that. The spouse. No, yeah. You put, you put up a post um, a few days before Christmas about family law with a submission suggesting to cheating or violence, spouses should pay damages. No, I know what that was. Um, it was, a, it was a video or a post that you put up uh, regarding um, suggestions from uh, a person that had actually put up a submission about damages being paid by false allegations. That was a submission yep. by That's someone right. else. And, and getting public opinion about that, how did the public feel about um, paying uh, for damages for that? I wish we didn't... Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that, that has hit home to me very dearly. Yeah, I met you and James at Nura Sports Club in 2017. I took two months off my family business um, to help James Hansen out. Um, 
with his campaign, which yep. unfortunately he didn't get in. Yeah, just missed out. Um, mm. um, but uh, I separated from my wife in April this year um, because she had been cheating with another married person. Yep. Uh, and I've been put through the ringer for this. Yeah, I can hear it in your yeah. voice, Michael. It's not easy, mate, is it? No. Especially when someone betrays you no, of that nature. Not. Yeah, it is tough. And uh, and I think that's probably what you're referring to, that submission, uh, which was uh, a former ALRC officer from memory, um, said that damages should be considered. So it will certainly be looked at. It has to be looked at. And um, and I think you, you raise a good point, Michael. And don't let them get that's you down, mate, because Gladstone... I tell you what, Gladstone's a good area, though. Plenty. Of, what's what's the nightclub area up there? Although you're probably too old, Michael. I'm too old. Oh, so well, if, I'm, only, I'm only 45. Yeah, mate, so I'm too I'm old. I'm 40. No. <laughs> Michael, you know what? If your ex-wife has gone out there and she's found someone else, you know, you, you're probably better off without, without her. I'm sorry to say that. There'll be someone out there special for you. You've got your memories, think of memories, go and find someone special for you. Get on with your life and uh, stop living, you know, don't keep living in the past because it's upset you too much. And I just say, you know, you, you sound like a nice guy. I'm sure there's someone special out there for you. Well, Pauline, I've got some great photos of you and my four kids with me at Melbourne Sports Club. Yeah, yep. I would, and you've got, four, on to you got four children, so there you go. Something did beautiful did come yep. out of the marriage. You've got four beautiful children. You hold on to that, all right, and you find someone else. If not, you know, enjoy the time with your children. But you sound like a special guy, Michael, and don't, don't yes. ever forget that, all right? The biggest problem with this family law, you know, the husband or the male gets treated like that, basically. Look, uh, that is perception. That is what I'm hearing a lot from. But I've had a couple of calls from tonight from women, more than a couple of calls. So there is both sides, and there are women that don't see their kids either. So let's try and make it better for everyone. Okay. Michael, keep your chin up, mate, and um, keep in touch with us. Huh? And have a happy new year, Michael. Okay. Thanks, mate. All right, let's go to Sydney now. Uh, we've got Sean online. Go ahead, Sean. I think we've got Sean there, Alex. Go for it, mate. How are you, Sean? Hi. You there, Sean? Yeah, I am. Hi, Senator Hanson. How are you? Very well, thank you. What would you like to talk um, about? Yeah, Senator, I just wanted to call to, to say, you know, thank you very much for taking the time for all of us. Um, that's not unappreciated. That's nice. Um, you know? I'm going, currently going through, you know, separation, all the rest of it. There's, there's lots of us are here. Um, you know, I wanted to get on and encourage people to get their submissions in and, you know, apply for an extension if they need to do that and get off their backsides and get that done to actually speak up and make some change. You were so right, Sean, because it's about people power, and that's what I say all the time. Too many Australians will sit back and whinge about an issue, but they won't take the time and effort to actually do something about it. We've had a lot of submissions come in, and um, and by the committee and different people reading through this, it does highlight how big an issue it is. Hopefully, if we can find some answers at the end of all this to improve the system, that's what I want. 
but it might open up a can of worms. Um, and if that be the case, it's like the bank inquiry. One Nation had a Senate inquiry into the banking sector. There had been about 18 before that. We held one and Malcolm Roberts chaired it. He's the One Nation Senator. We got that through Malcolm Turnbull. He allowed us to have that Senate inquiry into the banking sector. It was the, the night before we brought down a recommendation for Royal Commission that the government then approved a Royal Commission into the banking sector. I'm hoping that through this whole family law business and uh, um, law inquiry, I think it will open up a can of worms that it needs to go further than just a Senate inquiry. I believe it needs a Royal Commission into it. Absolutely, Pauline. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, but they wouldn't give me the Royal Commission into it. So it's only through the public public power, the public getting involved in it. Don't sit back there and whinge and complain about it. Um, we've got this opportunity now. Have your say and let's see if we can find um, a, a Royal Commission into it at the end of the day and open this wide up. Good on you, Sean. Yeah, well, without you, Pauline, we wouldn't even be where we are this second. So... You know, there's a, there's a lot of mums and dads out there, you know, that appreciate that. Just trying to do my job, Sean. That's all. Doing my job. Yeah. You, you know, we're, we're left in a really hard position as a father, Pauline, you know. I mean, I don't want to carry on about my situation. There's so many and similar and worse. But, um, sure, you know, I mean, I over Christmas, I'll give you a... Sean, I see my Sorry, own children go, go through it. All right? I see my own children go through it. I know exactly what you're experiencing. Right, so I'm not going to harp on about my own children. I know I've been there, and uh, I I can relate to what you're saying. So my heart goes out to all those parents out there who doesn't don't have the contact with their with their children and the heartaches that have happened over the years, the suicides, the deaths that have happened, the domestic violence. It's not good enough. We are better than that as a society. It's about time we started realising that and pull together and get over your selfishness and start realising it's about the children and their futures. one three hundred eight five seven four double six. Thanks for the call, Sean. And uh, let's go to Brisbane now. We've got Lorraine there. G'day, Lorraine. I think she's there. Hi, Lorraine. Hello, how are you? Good. Pauline's hello, listening. Hello, Lorraine. Hi. Hi, Pauline. How are you? I'm a great fan of your work. Keep it up. Oh, thank you. What did you want to talk um, about? Yeah, I'm having issues at uh, the moment, Pauline. All the government is talking about is NDIS, NDIS, let's help them, which is fantastic. They have totally forgotten about people like my 69-year-old sister. She was born with cerebral palsy, never walked in her life. She's too old for NDIS, where they're offering really fantastic packages. She's in a very old package that's funded to the Queensland State Government. And I've been trying to get three different occupational therapy assessments done. And because of NDIS now, it's totally screwed up the elderly who are, who are trying to get onto my care packages. So I've rung up different, um, like the Cerebral Palsy League, uh, Blue Care. In the past, they would pay for Emily's OT assessments. Now they're saying, sorry, unless you actually are on NDIS or you're on my aged care, you have to pay for that yourself. In the past, that was all paid by the government, and this is going to cost her like fifteen hundred dollars. She's, uh, you know, she wasn't a disability pension. Now she's on, uh, she does, you know, seniors pension. Mm -hmm. But they've totally forgotten about people like her. She, when NDIS came in, she was too old to go onto it, 
And they're now saying, well, look, you have to go on to MyHK, which is done through the federal government. The best hourly, the best package, you know, for in-home care they can offer is $50,000, which is a drop in the ocean to the actual hours that are provided by the Queensland State Government. And I'm like, in, you know, I look after her parents have long passed away. Yeah. And I'm now worried as well. In, when she needs, you know, like electric wheelchairs, Emily cannot do anything for herself, Pauline. She's looked after by the carers, showering, getting in and out of bed, bathing, feeding, yeah. uh, all of that stuff. And her skin is now starting to break down because she's lying in bed on the same position. Uh, and, you know, I need to get an OT assessment to look at changing sleeping positions and all this stuff. And they're expecting disabled pensioners to fund that out of their own pocket. So, and I'm like, you know. Yeah, look, I wasn't aware don't of this. Know where so the it hell was, it was, yeah, yeah it, no I, one I wasn't, wants to I wasn't, look into it. No, I wasn't aware of this. So, it was funded previously, but since the NDIS has come in, so it's not funded at all. And it was a federal That's government. Right, it was yeah. federal government funding, not a state. Uh, well, I don't know who would have paid for it in the past. In the past, mm. I mentioned new electric wheelchairs. She would go to Cerebral Palsy League at Geebung in Brisbane, who have their own, you know, physios and OTs. They do the assessment. They then, through MAS, the Medical Aid Subsidy Scheme, they, majority they fund it, Emily makes a co-payment of about, say, five or $600 for a wheelchair that's worth, like, $13,000. Yep. Um, and I'm worried now, well, if you're not going to be paying for the OT assessment, when she needs a new electric wheelchair and her shower chair, that's worth $1,500. It's one that has a tilting back. All these medical aids that a disabled need. I'm worried now, well, if you're not paying for OT assessment, who's going to be paying for her medical aid? Yeah. They just basically look, don't want to know about us. Yeah, Lorraine, I haven't got the answers for you because I'm not aware of this. Yeah. Brought to my attention. Can I suggest that you contact my office and, um, and speak, speak yeah. to one of my staff in the office next next week with regards to okay. this? Okay. And, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll get the details and we'll try and follow it up and see what assistance, you can, and see what assistance you can actually, we can actually find out for you. All right, so yeah, yeah just talk, ask for Cheryl. Yeah, Lorraine, I've got right. your number, so okay. I'll make Cheryl. sure that Cheryl gets a hold of that and right. she can um, give that you a call. That would be wonderful. Yeah. Right. I never actually fully understood what they're doing. She said, yeah, it's all NDIS, and yep. if you're over 65, you're basically screwed. Yet yep. they want the elderly yep. to stay in their homes and not go into care. Yep. But they won't give the packages out. That's right. And look, I've got a bit of an idea what you're talking about, carers. My son is a carer. Uh, for quadriplegic, yeah, for quadriplegics for the last fourteen years. So he's, um, mm. yeah. So what you're saying, they can't do anything for themselves, and and he takes um, loving exactly, care of yeah. people, and uh, he really is um, very concerned for them. It's just not a job to him. He really puts the time and effort exactly, into yeah, and trying to take them out, has, yeah, out and into environment and doing things with them, and yeah. So he, he's, you know. He's very passionate about it, loves his job. But I only talks about it all the time. I just ask him how he's going with his job. But anyway, I understand. Mm. But give my office a call next week and see what we can try okay, and find wonderful. out for you. All Good right. on you, Lorraine. Okay. All right, thanks, Lorraine. Thanks, thanks for the Happy New Year. Bye-bye. 1300 857 466. Very easy.
You're right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, voice hope, right. the voice, I hope it doesn't break down. How, I'm just looking. It's an hour. I, I, You're an hour in. You've got four. What is it? Uh, three, five, well, five. Me, hey, listen, I wanna, I'd like to hear some people from some people out there. What are you actually doing tonight? What are you doing for New Year's? Are you going to go to bed early? Are you going to see the New Year in? Are you having it with friends, family? Um, what are you getting up to? Has it been a great Christmas for you? There's, I want to hear from. I want to hear for the people. No? Yeah, the, what are look, you doing? We know that it's lonely, but um, not everything's negative out there in the world, even though you might be lonely tonight. So one three hundred eight five seven four double six. I note um, your mate's back on telly. <laughs> he will be. Um, my mate, I've got a lot of mates, haven't I? Yeah, right. You do have a lot of mates. But yeah. uh, this one, of course, was, uh, well, sacked a year ago, and uh, a year later he's back. Bring back Carl. Yeah, I remember it. Clearly. A lot of people remember it. Went down like a lead balloon, <laughs> let me tell you. The phone call immediately after that show was one I wish I had record on. <laughs> so anyway, oh, well, um, so he's, he's, he's coming back. Mm. Uh, Mark's probably having a few wines tonight for New Year's Eve, hopefully somewhere with his family. He's got the kids as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, isn't Mark doing a fantastic job? And I hear compliments about Mark all the time. They can't believe it, hey, ex-Labor. So yeah. there, there is room for the Labor, ex-Labor to change, isn't there? The common yeah. sense, so they get some common sense about them, know exactly what's happening. It's not all about socialism, communism, about dragging the country down. It's about, you know, um, finding out what the public really want, and that's what Mark is doing. So people are thrilled with Mark Latham. He's doing a fantastic job, the same as Rod Roberts, down-to-earth people, and Mark, you know what I heard about Mark the other day? They said he's fantastic. He said he really does his research. He looks yep. into an issue. He knows his background and he explains it fantastic. Right? Yep. He's got a great, great, We're getting great some whatever. good people. Yeah, we've got um, Rod Roberts, of course. He's a former detective out of New South Wales. Again, very thorough. Yep. So uh, he's been doing a great job alongside with Mark. And then over in WA, Robin Scott and uh, Colin Ticknell, so, um, who are up for election again in 18 months. So I just feel like we never come out of election cycles. Oh, we've got Queensland this year too, October. Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe Deb Frecklington might want to ring in and give us some feedback on Pauline's dress tonight. What for? Oh, you didn't see that article the other day. I think the best that the LNP could come up with in Queensland was a, a criticism of how uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk dresses. Nothing to do with policy, all to do with the way she dressed. Really? Uh, Deb, the number is one three hundred eight five seven four double six. What brand is that? I don't know. A thousand dollar job or not? Oh come on! I wouldn't spend a thousand dollars on a on a. Well, I'm just checking because apparently that's the argument that uh, was used in the paper the other day. She's not impressed that the premier is wearing thousand dollar outfits. So. No, I used to make my own. I made my own wedding dress. My bridesmaid dresses. Um, I made my my fruit cake for my wedding cake, and I did that. <laughs> flower girls' dresses. I tell you what, if there's a bargain or saver, I do. Because James, you know, years ago when I was a single mum with a couple of kids, I did it. I did it tough. Can I tell you, there's not a single rural town we don't go into that she's not in an op shop. That's the truth. You know why I go there? Because I look for those beautiful brooches. Yes. <laughs> no one's got them. Have I know. Look. Everyone's Excellent. going out there now buying. I like a brooch on my, on my dress, my outfit. And uh, I've noticed a few of the other women in Parliament now are starting to wear brooches. And they say, I like this brooch that I've got on. I said, it looks lovely. But um, 
and it's nice to see. So anyway, I go into these shops and I look for special brooches, something. So I, I like my brooches. One three hundred eight five seven four double six. Let's go to a rural firefighter. He's been in Victoria. I think we've got Ben on the line. G'day, Ben. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thank you. Hi, Ben. Thanks for waiting. Uh, good long time no see. Uh, we we uh, our family met you when you originally started uh, One Nation. Um, Dad lost his fight with cancer at the start of the year. Was that um, back in 1997? Was it back then, yeah. then? 97, 98? Yeah. I met you then. Yes. Yeah. Long time. Are you still in the rural firefighter? Yes, I am. I'm um, still going on now what I'm on about 17 years now. Wow. Um, yeah. I I've remember. Been, I've been on, been on the go in New South Wales since. The 15th of November, our crews have been called up as a strike team, and we're basically here. Um, it's yeah, you know, I haven't seen the, my my kids and um, my partner since the 15th of November. Celebrated my 30th, um, fighting the fire. So, it's bloody uh, tough. Ben, on behalf of the the people of Australia, I'd like to thank you and all the other firefighters out there, you've put your lives on the line, you've put them at risk, you've actually your own safety to save people's lives and properties and their, their pets and their animals. Um, you do a fantastic job and sometimes, you know, it's not um, acknowledged enough. But I know in talking to people, listening to them, they really, really do appreciate the job that you do. It's a tough one. Um, I don't know if I could do it. And I met a lot of the uh, firefighters when I went down to Victoria over the CFA uh, initially. That was yeah. in 2016. And I got a lot. Yeah, we met you. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I went around to the fire stations and met a lot of the people and listened to what their, what their issues and concerns were. And I'm glad to see that CFA's remained in Victoria. I think it's a, a very important community service and I think that the communities are involved in it and so they should be. Yeah, I just think, you know, like, I've lost uh, those uh, firefighters that passed away from the RSS guys. Yeah. Um, uh, they were two of my closest colleagues that I've known for a while and to, uh, to how they've gone, you know, you just wish you could, you wish you could do more than what we're doing. I mean, our crews are straining. We've left three of our trucks down in Victoria to fight fires down there in our area while we've taken six of our trucks, you know, um, it, it comes to a point where you're just like, it's, you know, it's frustrating. Um, you hear a nine-year-old with a blowtorch starting fire. You hear three, three 13-year-olds in Sydney being charged. They're not charged, but they're lighting fires. It, it, and I thank the people of Australia, and I thank you, because without the support that you've given us, like, we're, we're, we've got a farm, I run a farm, we have our family farm, we've taken over, we're struggling, but we're making ends meet. Yep. We're really, we're pushing, and you know, like, I've got two twins that are six. Um, the hardest thing for me is, when are you coming home, or, you know, they're both, they, I keep fighting because I believe it's a duty to help, you know, you help your brothers and sisters and first responders and that. We got here, we drove to Coffs Harbour and then straight away we got there. Strike team, off we went. We did not stop after driving, we, we moved. And we were on the fire front for probably 24 hours and the ferocity, the damage, people are losing their homes and the question is why do these kids keep doing it? They keep getting away. If they, nine-year-olds 
hoping for a fire station, chosen, listening to the people that have lost everything. I, our crews were tired. We've just come off 24 hours again fighting. Um, then we get told that two more people have died. We, we think that we're struggling. We, there are guys, you know, we're getting more crews and I don't want to sound bad in that, but I believe like some of the rural areas of Victoria have cancelled New Year's fireworks. Yeah. I mean, I know if I, I'll get in trouble for saying stuff like that, but I think the money should have gone towards, you know, like you said, towards the rural crews, people that are volunteering who have left their homes yeah. with the, the help from the I inter- have no problem with that. I have no problem with that, um, Ben, at all. And the whole fact is you have a right to have an opinion and have a say. You know, yeah. don't, don't be uh, criticised for it. You know, yeah. have, a, have an opinion. And have you say what you think? And what you're saying about these kids that are actually lighting these fires, yes, something should be done about them. I, I don't believe I mean, they should just get a slap over the wrist and keep going on nothing's well, done. Yeah, or just, yeah. No, they, they go in, I, don't, I don't know what the law system is. Um, we met you, you. You remembered my father closely. Um, and he's left army, 40-odd uh, years in the service and loved his country. Um, he was fighting the fires last last year and uh, the cancer got bad and we had to our crews quickly set off to go and help because he was coordinating and um, so and I had to watch my father get heli and he basically collapsed and it was basically the downfall in January the 19th of this year he lost his fight after 20 years um you know um, uh, yeah, Ben, it's, it's, you've expressed a lot tonight what you've gone through as a firefighter and you're away from your family, and I think people will, you know, no doubt appreciate everything that you're doing and all the other firefighters. Hopefully there's going to be a clear message from these bushfires, these horrendous bushfires that affected out right across our nation, that um, people now, these councils, will actually go in clean up the rubbish on the floor of the fo- of exactly. allow them to do back burning to go in and clean it up exactly. and stop the greenies mm-hmm. taking over these rat bags and idiots out there saying that you can't clean it up it has to be cleaned up we cannot allow this to happen again i hope it's a lesson this this country learns that we've got to you know, a responsibility uh, of keeping our country clean they they say don't litter well it's also a responsibility of making sure that people's properties and their um and the environment is looked after and protected and we don't have these raging bushfires because a bushfire is good for the environment but yeah. when it is it reaches the temperatures that it does because they're the on the floor that's of, a, of mm-hmm. it it actually causes more damage where it actually really kills the the, the trees in the forest and the wildlife that's right yeah. and the wildlife causes more damage Last night we rescued 14 koalas and two kangaroos as we were trying to get out because the fire turned on us. Wow. And we are trying to scream out and you can see them so we just grabbed them. Hey, Ben, tell and me, do yep. they, what are those koalas like? Because I've, I've held koalas and those claws are vicious. What are they like when they're in the wild? Are they, are they so stressed that they just don't care? They're stressed. They don't care. You're there to help them. We were giving them water bottles. They were taking the water. Mm. You know, you're trying to calm them. We're giving them. I gave them my fire jacket. Um, wow. You know, all the gear that we use in the RSF, all the PSA and everything is, you've only got so much that I've had to spend my own money to get helmets. I've gone through six helmets already. Like, they, they need to be rested. I've got another three uniform boots, 
the boots are melting. They've got a thousand degree burn on them, wow. and you can feel the heat coming out from underneath. And um, Ben, take this opportunity. If you've had with the councils or state governments or even federal or anyone that's sort of listening out there, how how what way could we actually do more for the firefighters, the RFA? What what could sort of make life so much um, better? Funding and more more funding, more equipment and recognition for the guys that are out there who have been there since day dot. We've been here for fifty for 14 weeks now fighting to help out everyone. We we bless our families. Yep. You know, we're getting we're having to buy our own masks, like PPE masks, because we're just running out of everything. All right. Um, well, that's not good enough. So I'll, I'll say to those state to the state government because it's state government and also federal government. Yeah. If the ministers are listening and the prime minister is listening to this, um, I implore you, please. Um, back these these people up. Back up the firefighters. If, they, yeah. need, they need the equipment and, to do and, the job to save people's lives. So I think it's disgusting. And if you see the, if you see firefighters or any first responders, anyone out there, side, we, we're, we're a Victorian crew. We're getting thank you from the RSF guys. We've got their back. But yep. If people can take time or if a donation can be set up, well, I know there is, but it's not enough. We need supplies. If there's big companies out there that can help, it just frustrates me, guys, because, look, that's that's great. It has been really good talking to you, Ben. We'll move on because we've got other people. Thank you, Ben. Very informative, like I said again. Thank you very, very much. Not only for myself, but I know the people of Australia would be, through me, would want to say thank you and to all your other mates out there. And, you know, uh, just before Christmas, uh, me living in Yipun now, uh, we were evacuated, and I know it was only for about a 48-hour period, but... To be able to go and help those people, like we helped uh, the local wildlife sanctuary up there evacuate, there were people with houses burning that were down the road on Stones Road in Yapoon, and they were up at the wildlife sanctuary helping load all the animals onto a bus with not mm. a... Well, of course they cared, but they knew that their property couldn't be saved, so the first thing they tried to do was save everybody else's. And it was just, just amazing. And, you know, there's companies in these small towns that if they weren't there, houses would have burned even more so because you've got companies like JRT and Yapoon who use their water tankers and made sure all their staff worked 24 hours a day. And if we didn't have local civil contracting companies in those towns, a lot of them wouldn't have survived. But, James, how... OK, from the firefighters now, they're buying their own masks and yep. their own equipment. He's bought hats, oh, the, the boots, and they can't get, they can't get this... How often have we been told even the police are the same? They've got to buy their own equipment. Well, uh, what frustrates me is the federal government are about to spend $14 million on brand new BMWs to carry your asses from the airport to Parliament House. $14 million on new cars. There's nothing wrong with the Holden Commodores that you drive in. Yep. Now, I've got why, why yep. can't we buy, let's forget the car order, let's just worry about getting fire officers, protection masks and breathing apparatus so that they go home safely. You won't get an argument out of me. No, um, no. That, but, James, haven't we been on about this for a long time? Um, the waste of money that goes on, the bureaucrats, what a lot of them get paid, six to $800,000 a year, these bureaucrats. Some yeah. of the staff 
that works for these ministers, they get paid a lot more than what even politicians do. I know. So the wages that they are on is over the top. It's ridiculous. What about with the um, the CEO of Australia Post? $5.6 million. The year before, $4.8 million. And it was until I actually complained and complained about that that finally he actually resigned from his position, got paid out over $2 million. Yep. And then they, they go and sign up another one. They could have... They could have controlled that wages, and I think the one at the moment is $1.3 million, plus with bonuses, yep. another $1.3 million, so $2.7 million. I'm sorry, that's over the top. And in America, they get paid nowhere near that, about three hundred to $500,000, and we're paying out these exorbitant wages, and we cannot supply our emergency services with the equipment that they need. Something's screwed up somewhere. Yeah, 25 million people in this country. We're paying our Australian CEO of Australia post that money, and yet in America they've got 350 million people and they get far, far less. All right, let's take my calls, one 800 I've got a Peter Veal from Yapoon, which I suspect is at Chops. Is that you, Chops? Yes, mate. <laughs> Good day, how are you going? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, it has been a long time. How have you been? Yeah, good. No fires burning up there tonight, I'm assuming. No, there's no fires burning up there tonight, mate, at all. But I must say that I went out to Kibri Park a couple of days ago with the grandchildren, and I was quite surprised at the extent of the fires that actually engulfed Yapoon about 10, 10 days, two weeks ago. Yeah. And and if it wasn't for council and the local fire well, and that's that's the that's the uh, the paid ones and more so the volunteers, that place would have burnt because they actually put mate, a containment line around I, it and did a fantastic job. I can't believe the extent of it. And uh, I heard you mentioned uh, one of our civil contractors, KRT local guys. Yeah. I mean, gee, wow, they got out there with their water tankers and their graders and their dozers and everything, cut fire breaks. I mean, I couldn't believe it. We just kept driving and driving and driving, and 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 we saw houses that were just totally burnt. You know, I mean, wow, it was really really expensive. And, and you know, sitting back here in Yapoon, we could see it. But, you know, we got engulfed in smoke and everything. It was just amazing. God. Now, yeah. you've I called out... I these guys that went out there I, I totally agree, mate. You won't get an argument out of me, and I think the uh, the material they need is ever important. And, um, oh, yeah, absolutely. You've, you've called about the dairy industry. Yeah, mate, I know Pauline's been on the bandwagon about the, the dairy industry, and we, we are surrounded by the dairy industry here in Yapoon. And, I mean, it, it, it's a tragedy, eh? I mean, I was watching the news the other day where we actually saw a dairy farmer sending his cows to slaughter, and I thought, gee, that's, that's just the end of it. It's total heartbreak, eh? Terrible. Absolutely terrible. And, I mean, she's on the right track, but she's not getting any support, eh? Well, I need one more vote, and uh, don't worry, oh, I'm no, working on it. That's me. Yeah, that's hi. That's me. You got it. <laughs> On the floor of Parliament would help. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but look at the Nationals. What did they do? They didn't do anything. And they're arguing Nothing. this uh, about, you know, I got the mandatory code of conduct, scre screaming and kicking to get that done, to get that in. And then yeah. they accuse me of taking their policies. No, it was their wish list. They weren't prepared to do anything about it. And I think Bridget McKenzie, the minister, is absolutely hopeless. She should actually be thrown out on her ear. I don't think she's doing enough for the industry. And um, I'll be keep pushing for this 
farm gate prize. Now, what I'm saying to people is that the ACCC would do investigations a couple of times a year, look at the regions where the dairy industry is situated, because it, it is dearer to produce milk in Queensland than what it would be in Victoria because of the... the um, what the grasses that grow there and and uh, the water yep, and yep. and Queensland is a dry state, but we've gone from fifteen hundred dairy farms in Queensland down to about three hundred and twenty. We're losing one dairy farm a week. So in the year two thousand, we produced twelve billion litres of milk. At the moment, we're down to eight billion litres of milk. Yet we've Terrible. increased population from nineteen million up to up to twenty five million. So we are going to be importing milk at this rate. Yet they are not. Well, we're probably going to import it from New Zealand. I was in New Zealand about a month ago. And Fonterra over there, I've never seen such green paddocks and green pastures and so many dairy cows. Yep. So obviously their dairy industry is fine, but over here it isn't. That's right. They've increased it. So you see, they they regulated their industry. We're the only country in the world that has deregulated our dairy industry, and we've gone downhill. And in New Zealand, they produce 22 billion litres of milk a year for a small country like that. So they're exporting. And uh, I think it's on the cards for us to import milk from um, New Zealand. And, of course, a lot of dairy farms are being bought up. The biggest one in Van Diemen's land in Tasmania is Chinese-owned, and they're flying out to two plane loads of milk, which they have about 18,000, 19,000 head of cattle out to China every week and getting $9 a litre for their milk there. So they're not doing enough for it. I'm sorry, Chops. They're they're just not addressing the whole issue. And all I want is not – it's not government subsidised. It is actually paid for the milk from the processors to the dairy farmers, that cost then passed on to the to the retailers and, and on to the consumer. The and on to the yeah, consumer. That's so, the link. Yes, it Before is. Before dairy farmer gets X and then the, then the producers add X, Y, Z on yeah, top of it. Processors it, are screwing you know? them yeah. and paying them less than what it, uh, production costs Terrible. for that milk. And I will not yeah. let up on this. And I was a, fortunate yeah. enough to get a, an inquiry into the dairy industry and I will pursue it. Yes, we will. And hey. I want the public support on this. Jobs, we're going to have to catch Thank up you for you down the strand. And uh, if you want to support the local dairy industry in central Queensland, it's Central Queensland Dairy Fresh. And I know Woolworths sell it. It's uh, oh, There's dairy farmers from Gladstone out to near Samwell and yeah, a few some, others. some great milk yeah. out there. Mulaney Dairy, Mulaney Milk, everyone speaks about that. You've yep. got Retreat. You've got these other um, companies out there. Support the, support the locals. If you're a dairy farmer, love to hear from you. one 800 Tell us who the better of the milk companies are who will actually pay you more for your farm gate milk, all right? So 1300 857 466. And even if you're not a dairy farmer, maybe you know one that uh, gets better milk. So give us a call, let us know. All right, more of your calls. If you want to have a chat, call in about anything, anything. Give that number a call, 1-300-857-466. We're doing the Lonely Hearts Night because there are, they say one in four people admit to being lonely. I know, I know, I can't believe it. We're, we've had a couple of people phone up tonight, haven't we? Yeah. Tell us that they are lonely. Yeah. And um, it's a shame, you know. I, I, I sort of wonder why people feel that way. I, I don't people. I don't think people socialise as much these days as what they used to. I think the. Uh, you may know no. you're younger, no. a lot younger than I am. I was talking to Richard today in our office, and he said, you know, one of the greatest pressures are we commit ourselves so much to work these days. And when events like Christmas come around and everyone's forced on holidays, 
um, because you don't allow time for yourself anymore, you find yourself a bit lonely out there. So it's not just older people, it's working age, it's all types. And, and, you, know, yeah, and you know what I hear all the time is that people say it's very hard to meet anyone. They they don't have the circles anymore that you can actually go. So you have meetings. Say after work, you might go out with a few people on a you know and and um, meet. People are frightened meeting meeting other ones that um, unless it's through a friend or yep. they know who they are. Yep. So they don't know who these people are, what their background is. They're concerned about them. Um, I I can't blame them. It's changed so much than when I was growing up. You've been with Tony ten years. Yep. How did you meet? Through a friend. All right. No yeah. Tinder. Oh, God, no. What's Tinder anyway? I think I asked you that question about six months ago. It came up about Tinder. I thought, Tinder? I said, what's Tinder? No. Can you imagine me going on one of those one of those lines, those dating lines? Actually, I think Jackie Lambie uses it. Oh, look, I don't know. Actually, if Jackie, oh, Jackie, if you're watching, one three hundred eight five seven four double six. let us know. Maybe you're on a date. She might be able to tell us how a date's going. Wouldn't be a very entertaining date watching us and I don't know. Anyway, you can call us about anything. Righto, uh, Alex, we're about to take another call, so hopefully this is all set to go. I haven't got a yellow button in front of me which says danger. Alex there's does a, a good job, but I think he's trying to juggle a few balls. There's a lot of people here on the board, I can tell you. All right, who are we going with, Alex? Is this? Oh, this is Mel. Hello, Mel from Sydney. Mel. How are you? Hi. We can hear you. Hi, Pauline. Hello. Hello, Mel. Where are you from? Sydney. Oh, hello. Sydney. Yes. There's the yellow light. Okay, you want to talk about immigration and water infrastructure, Mel? I want to talk about how come our immigration is growing and we haven't built any new dams in Sydney. <laughs> that's because of state governments and that's because of federal governments and that's about, about money and um, they have ignored the whole issue. They have not put in the water infrastructure that's needed to keep up the increase of immigration and yet they keep bringing in hundreds of thousands of people every year into the country and we haven't got the water for it. So, no, so here we are on water restrictions in Sydney or most of the state. We keep having a mass immigration influx, but we're not doing anything with infrastructure. At what point do we go enough enough? Well, when the government stops relying on immigration to prop up their GDP, that's when enough is enough. When we've actually destroyed a lot of our industries, our manufacturing that produces and gives us an income to this country, we bring in the migrants because the migrants require housing. They require white goods. They require clothing. So therefore, they are buying up these items and building the houses, which keeps the building industry going. And um, that's not the way to do it because they're saying, oh, we need the migrants as well because we're an ageing population. We need them to actually pay for the pensions. What is going to happen, that's a Ponzi scheme. So the ones that are coming in now and they're paying their taxes, they are going to be old one day and be on a pension themselves. So who's going to prop them up? Until we get to a, a country that is producing and stand alone without immigration, we are going to flood this country with migrants that is going to cost us our way of life and a standard of living. Well, it already is. 
and um, it'll get a lot worse now. Say, it'll get a lot worse. That's, that's exactly right. And you know what? There's um, I work with um, uh, new Australians who came out here for a bit of life, and even they don't agree with that immigration increase. Hear it all the you time, know, Mel. The the, the yep. government's budget um, was 271000 a year. So when Morrison tells you they're bringing in 190000 reduced to 160000 oh. <laughs> don't believe it. Yes. We have oh, 2.2 million not. people in Australia that are foreign workers, on visa workers, 2.2 million yep. in the country. We have over 350,000 foreign students that can get um, work, um, work visas as well. So they we, just change from their student visa to a different visa, and that's how they don't leave the country. They, they, they use it as a backdoor to get in the country. They use it as a yeah. backdoor yeah. and then apply for a permanent yeah. residency. So the whole system needs to change, and people need to realise this. Uh, I don't trust the government. I don't believe what they're doing, and it's putting pressure. What I'd say, Mal, is you are still in Sydney. You might be on water restrictions, but you still have water. I have a town just up the road from me, Stanthorpe, and I went on the truck run to take water up to them a couple of months ago. That town hasn't got water. There's a lot of places in our country now that don't have water at all. Mm. And it's too late. The government's now saying we're doing feasibility studies. <laughs> to help with the tail with the feasibility study on whether it's feasible to put a dam in that will collect water to give us water. What is the feasibility when we don't have water at all? And what's worse in Queensland here, there's a crack in uh, what they call Paradise Dam, which is just inland from Bundaberg. And rather than spend the couple of hundred million dollars on repairing it, they're going to actually tear down the wall and let out 100,000 gigalitres of water, yep. which is going to cost them about $250 million yep. to rip down that wall. Same cost to fix it. Or you pay 250 to rip it down, all while the droughts are happening. So. I know. We went up there, Colson Lakes, to try and get the piping put in, yeah. didn't we? Mm -hmm. So they can pipe the water to Bickerton, which is a town dying through lack of water. Yeah. And there's another thing there as well is um, the government finally listened to me, and but they put another... Two, they put in $2 million to a feasibility study 18 months, two years ago, which never went anywhere. And then Morrison's thrown another $1.5 million at it and gives um, the National Party a big pat on the back when they'd never even brought it to the government's attention, never even brought that to Morrison's attention. It was only because I brought it to Morrison's attention that they needed to do, put the pipeline in, so they threw another $1.5 million at a feasibility study that will go absolutely nowhere instead of just building it and putting it in. I hate to break the bad news to people, but feasibility studies are stalling tactics. That's what they are today. They really are, because we haven't seen a feasibility study into the Olympics, but hey, we'll throw money at that. We don't even know what that's what going to cost. That? 10, 10 million feasibility study? No, 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 what, no, 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 no. Oh, that, Morrison's that was, that given them $10 million just to go and bid for right. it. That's to, to bid for it. To bid for it. And we don't even, well, Brisbane might, parts of Brisbane might want it, but the rest of Queensland doesn't. Yeah. I don't I know. know. You're, Do you want to see the Olympics back in Australia? Do you want to see them in Brisbane? one three hundred eight five seven four double six. Let's go to Caroline. She's in yellow. Righto, Alex. Whack her up, mate. Hello, Caroline from Epping. She wants to um, thank you for tonight. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Caroline. Caroline? Oh, Alex, you're slipping, mate. 
He's lipping. Hang on. Epic. We'll just talk amongst ourselves. I've got some photos of you driving trains. Have you seen oh. this? Do you remember this? <laughs> That's right in WA up at um, oh, Twig- um, Andrew, Andrew Forest. Forest. Yeah. yeah, went up there for yeah. skew. Yep. Yeah, medals. Yep. Went up there. That was a great trip and it was quite interesting to go through. He does a fantastic job also with the people that he employs, but also the Aboriginals he employs in apprenticeships. And there was one fellow there who was about 52 and he won um, uh, apprentice, apprentice of the Year, didn't he, up there. And um, he was so thrilled. He said, I never thought that I'd ever get a trade. And he said, he gave me a go. Yeah. And that's what Andrew Forrest did. He, he gave this guy a go. And they they think the world of him. He's yeah. laughing everyone. And it he paid fantastic job. bloody well. I've got to tell you, I wish I wish there were more jobs. In but that it was interesting industry. driving that train. Yeah, it looked uh, fun. I it wasn't did. too bad, too far off the mark. A little bit more training. Might have got it. Perfect. I've got Caroline back. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Caroline. Hello. I look. I'm not ringing up for anything specific. What a wonderful person you are. To open up you and your team for people who are lonely to ring up and say hello and thank you for everything you do. I think you're a bloody legend. (laughs) Well, I'm an Aussie. And I care about my country and I care about the people out there. And yes, people do get lonely and they're by themselves. They don't have family. They don't have friends around for whatever reason, whatever that may be. And don't think that I've I've never been there myself. I have. And, you know, I always think, you know, things turn around for us. Things may be better the next day. So when you wake up in the morning, New Year, Year 2020, you never know what the future is going to hold for yourself. And what I hear from people too much is that, People, you know, will put themselves down and and I say, don't ever put yourself down. There's too many other people out there who will do it for you. And always put yourself up on a pedestal and think think the world of yourself. And when you do that, other people will, will show you the same respect. So, you know, never you're, ever put it down. Be happy. You're a wonderful lady, Pauline. You really are. And I'm with you 110% on every one of your policies, every one of them. And people don't forget a polling booth. Let me say that. Look, I Let appreciate that. that. Yes, it's it's gaining the trust and confidence that the people will have in you. You know, politicians are not um, well thought of, I can tell you that, and most people don't have any trust or confidence in them, and as I don't. And I'll be honest with you, there's some people I see in there shouldn't be in there. I think they're useless yeah, as tips yeah. on a bull, and they shouldn't actually be in Canada. <laughs> But the whole fact is that if you give it your all and you really care about the people and the country, that you will try your best. It, to me, it's not just a job because I'm facing the polls at the next federal election. It will be up to the people then if they want to vote for me. If not, I will get on with my life and I will treasure the time that I've had there and trying to do the best that I can. So it's, um, it's very important to me. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be voting for you. Thank and you. you and your wonderful family. And James and all your team have a very happy new year. May God speed and be safe and more than anything, stay healthy. I will. Thank you very much and appreciate it. Happy New Year to you. Thanks, right, Caroline. Thank Bye, you, Caroline. Thank you, Caroline. One three hundred eight five seven four double six. I think things are working okay. Have we had any other complaints about uh, audio in the last hour? Richard, 
Alex, Rod, no, I don't think so. Lock well, that's on. good. Uh, Thank you. You know, we've got bringing to people's attention, if you are doing it tough out there, and, and um, we have got the lifeline, yeah. and it's 13 11 14. If you feel that you need to talk to someone, um, you know, they're only too happy to take your calls. Yeah. So I suggest giving them a phone call, 13 11 14, and don't be too frightened or too ashamed to actually do it because, you know, everyone at some time need to reach out. Tell me, what's your resolution, New Year's resolution? Do you make these or not? <sighs> well... Not, not really. Um, a lot of people do, but uh, you know what? I'll be saying is, I'm not going to do any preferences at the it, next. We got we got the state election um, that's is happening. This, is this your is this your official news resolution? Yep, yep. No been preference arrangements. No, been thinking about this. No, so. I'm not interested in the political parties because you know what I found this year, James, and I, I got criticised when I knocked back the Ensuring Integrity Bill. They said, oh, she's done preferences with the Labor Party, or I get cues for this and that and everything else. You know what? So I'm saying, no, there's no preferences with the major political parties. I know where they'll put me. They put me last, yeah. and so did the, the Liberal Party. They put me last behind Labor and the last federal election. And the Greens. I couldn't believe yeah. that. The Coalition put you... And this party yeah. last on how to vote cards behind the greens. It shocked me. Well, you know what I think? Morrison thought he was on the way out. They were packing up their offices. They never thought they'd win the election. And they thought that they would get rid of One Nation on the way out. He was doing deals with Clive Palmer. He thought Palmer might have got him over the line with his preferences. And he thought he'll destroy One Nation on the way out. Um, and it didn't work because, you know, they need me in the Senate. But I'll still do my job and I'll vote what I think is right. But this is what politics is a dirty game. When I told my father I was getting into politics and I actually stood up for what I believed in, that was equality for all Australians. And I was thrown out of the Liberal Party and that came from John Howard. And I know that for a fact. So do I. I was there when you uh, ran into Costello. Well, that's right. That was only a few months ago. But prior to that, when they actually called me down to the Liberal Party head office and uh, I, I fronted up there and they all came into the boardroom. They said, you've got to go. I said, go where? What are you talking about? No, we want your resignation. And I said, well, I, it's a very important issue. I'm not going to. Um, I want time to think about it. And they said, you haven't got time to think about it. They had all the media lined up. So anyway, I said, OK, I resign. And I stood as an independent and I got the, I got the backing. And I know that um, Butcher, uh, no, it wasn't Butcher, I'm just trying to think of his name. He was the um, state president. He actually came out and he said it came from Howard. Well, you were with me at the Melbourne airport just a few months ago. Yeah. And I said to Peter Costello, I said, I bet you're sorry you got rid of me now. And he said, actually, I was having dinner with John Howard that night. Mm. And they came and said about Pauline Hanson, he said, I didn't know who you were. I remember what you said back. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> you said something like, you know who I am now. Yeah, yeah so anyway, um, yeah, so he said, yeah, it came from John Howard yeah. that I went. I had no idea who Pauline Hanson is, so they've been trying to get used to me ever since. Well, my New Year's resolution for 2019, I played out and played out very well. It all went smoothly. And I don't know whether you realised it wasn't New Year's resolution, but I made a commitment at the beginning of 2019 to say hello to everybody in the corridors of Parliament House. And you know this because it yeah. irritates the hell out of people, doesn't it? Well, it does. Um, they don't like saying it back. Some of them don't. 
It's a, it's a really lonely corridor walk at times because nobody wants to say hello. No one really wants to look, do they? It is that way. Oh, there's some of them that do. Yeah, some do. Some, yeah. some do. You can't say that about all of them. But, um, but let's go back to these preferences. Yeah, and flesh this out. Okay. I, 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 all right, because mm. I think people should know. What I find the people are absolutely angry and furious that they have to flow preferences to someone they don't want to flow their preferences to. So we have a full preferential voting system so that you have to fill out every square on that card. Mm. Now, in Queensland, the Liberal Party brought it in um, under Campbell Newman. Yep. So, so it was op optional preferential voting. So you vote, you can just put a one or you can put one, two, as many as you like. You don't have to fill out the whole card. And as soon as Anastasia Palaszczuk won the election, the first legislation he passed through was bring back full optional preferential voting. So she changed it and she took away showing identification when you go to, to the polling booth. I remember that part. I wasn't. I, I, I oh, thought yeah, we still had full, um, full preferential voting. We got full pre only with Anastasia Palaszczuk. Prior to that, it was optional. And that's okay. why in 1998, when we had the Queensland state election, that's when One Nation won 11 seats on optional preferential voting. So they changed it so that it would actually put, they both put One Nation last, and that's why we weren't getting the preferences. Yeah. So Dirty game politics. It's all stacked. Yeah. The whole thing's stacked. So what we will do, and I'll make it uh, a promise to the Australian people, if One Nation wins the balance of power in the in the Queensland state government after the next elections, we will change it to optional preferential voting. You will send your votes to who you want to. You're in charge of your votes, not the the major political parties. Okay, so how do vote cards have to be given out? Well, they don't have to be, but a lot of the time political parties and candidates want how to vote cards. How will One Nation's how to vote cards look? Does that mean you're going to do a complete split ticket? Yep. Yes. State election we'll Queensland split, we'll split ticket. We do a split ticket. And so what, um, what that means is the people will choose yeah. where they want their, their vote to go. And, but the, the, uh, but it, that, the preference deals, will you still do it with CATA though? Oh, of course. Yeah. With, with Bob, yes. Totally agree with okay. Bob. Um, what I'm saying here is that the Australian public are not informed enough about how the voting system works. Yeah, I agree. I hear this all the time. I have tried and we've put out information to inform people. And I suggest the people out there, if you want true, true democracy, um, learn how the voting system works so that when you cast your vote, it goes to who you want to vote for. Because I tell you what, to have the attitude, oh, you're all tarred with the same brush, that is a weak, pathetic excuse because you're complaining about your future or the country, that nothing happens, the politicians you get you elect, and then nothing changes. You know, it's your choice to, to get better informed how the system works and stop blaming everyone else and just go and educate yourself, understand it, and make sure that you vote the right way. One three hundred eight five seven four double six. I've got a call from Gosford. This is Trish, the Murray Darling. Trish, good day. How are you? Hello. How are you? Hello. Trish. Trish. No pee breaks yet. I'm surprised. Six hours, no pee breaks. <laughs> well, we don't have commercial breaks here. There's not unless you want to be stuck talking to me. I wouldn't suggest pee breaks. What if we? What if we put a sign? I love people. 
<laughs> Are you going to pay the royalties for their song? Actually, we need to sort that out with the Noiseworks too. How are you going, Trish? Hi, Pauline. First thing I would just like to say, um, you were just doing an amazing job. You're, you're stepping up. You're listening to, you know, the average people. You, you set out doing a lonely heart thing, and it's more than that. You are listening to our farmers, our our firefighters, our, our, our people that are just doing it really, really hard. And, you know, I've never seen that before. I think, um, Trish, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's not hard for me. It's about just um, taking the time so people can connect with you and you can talk to the people. I think that's what's important yep. about it. And that's why I travel, I travel quite extensively. And, uh, and I've seen it, I've followed you. Yep. So my question is, uh, obviously, the Murray Downing, um, and how do you fix it? Yep. All right. The Murray Darling, people don't extend, don't understand how big it is. So it goes from the south south part of Queensland all through um, western New South Wales down to Victoria and then into South Australia and to the mouth of the of the uh, um, river Murray Darling in South Australia. It's quite extensive. What I think the problem has happened, it's been a culmination of a lot of things. I think it was John Howard separating water from land in 2004. I think it's been the Water Act that's had an impact on it. I think it's the privatisation of water and foreign ownership and uh, foreign licences being owned. And I think that people who have no connection with water and on the land to own it and is trading it uh, is wrong. It should be people who need that water. So I think that it needs to com be completely looked at again in uh, get the politics out of it because all the time I hear about South Australia, they, they should have their water flowing through there. Um, the environmental water flow, it's there for the environmental purposes, but um, when you've got an overflow of environment for environmental water, that is just flooding areas that shouldn't be flooded and uh, others are going without. So it's a real shame what's happened with the Murray-Darling. I know that Malcolm Roberts, my senator, my colleague in, in the parliament, he's done extensive, um, uh, uh, what can I say, um, flying around the Murray-Darling meetings. I went on a three-day bus tour with it and uh, met with farmers, communities. I have been involved with this, but um, it is something, an issue that's very important to Malcolm Roberts. Yeah, sure is. Trish, thank you for your call and, um, and thank you for taking some care about the Murray-Darling. There's so many people. I know that earlier this year we had a million fish killed. They averaged, it was, uh, well, they said about a million fish were killed and uh, the photos went everywhere with that. And I think that's when the city people started to really take notice that, hang on, we've got a problem with the Murray-Darling. Farmers have known it for a long time. The average people in these regional towns that sit along the Murray-Darling have known it for a long time, but finally the city realised there's an issue, and obviously uh, there's a bit more uh, there's a bit more commentary on it these days. And I think you and Malcolm Roberts are ahead of your time, and certainly um, 
ahead of the game when it comes to the knowledge behind it as well. one three hundred eight five seven four double six. 857 uh, That's the number. If you've ever wondered what Pauline's weight is worth in gold... Uh, at a recent trip to Western Australia, we actually sussed that out. She got on some scales over there. This is the uh, the Perth oh. Mint. Do you remember this? Yes. 3.8 million. In fact, $3,896,970. And I think that was when gold prices were around about 1600 an ounce, whereas I think it's all gone up now. So maybe your weight's worth more in gold. Let's go to another call. You well, you're not going to sell me, are you? I don't think you'd get that for me. Luella, g'day. How are you? G'day. I'm great. How are you? Hello, Luella. Hello. How are you? Yeah. I'm good, Holly. How are you? Well, it's an, inter it's an interesting New Year's Eve. I've never done this before. So. Oh, you're a rock woman. You really do. Let's go Morrison tonight. He doesn't care about it. Well, what are you up to? I'm not interested in Scott Morrison. Oh, I'm going home, sitting alone, looking towards a boring New Year's Eve, and you put up these calls, and I'm like, yay, I'm going to get to talk to Pauline. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. So you're home alone? Yes, oh. and you need to keep up with good work, because we need you as Prime Minister. Oh, well, look, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Going to happen. Oh, right, it, will happen. Happen. it will happen. It will happen if I have to put Bannon's up across the Harbour Bridge. <laughs> but so we're making a big difference anyway. So please, if my chief yes, you are making what, a big difference. I think that's you know important. What? Yeah. You highlighted my night. What's that? Well, by having a job. You highlighted my night, getting to talk to you. So <laughs> keep up the good work. Keep up being a people person. Yeah. And you will get my vote every time, Pauline. Honestly, I just love you to death. Uh, appreciate your call. Thanks, Luella. Thanks, Luella. And it's moments like this when, do you remember this last year? Uh, Tamworth Country Music Festival is coming up again in, a, well, actually, a few weeks. And this, this was you earlier this year on the Bucking Bull. And to see that little kid behind you in that photo, he was the one that broke his wrist straight after you, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> I think he came off and he was the one that broke his wrist, the poor little bugger. But um, and, and Mark had a go too, which surprises me. I, I wouldn't normally see a politician on a bucking bull. But anyway, well done to you. Kerry's from Meribra and uh, can't get oxygen from, I'm guessing it's the hospital. Kerry, g'day. How are you? Good, Hello. mate. We're all right. It's nice to talk to people like yeah, you. How's, how's Meribah? Have you got rain tonight or is it clear tonight? It's not bad tonight, but uh, I'm in a bad way. What's, what's the problem, Kerry? What's the problem is I've only got about 30% of my lungs left and they told me I've probably got cancer as well now. So. Oh, but mate, I'm sorry to hear that. Been, my doctor's been trying to get me onto oxygen on the hospital. Meribah Hospital won't release it. For what reason? Oh, they just don't believe the doctor's right. And we've got all the scans and everything, all the tests. All right, but they were. But I'm also, I'm also on yep. blood pressure tablets, and I've got three brain traumas as well. I have seizures occasionally, and they wanted to stop me from taking the tablets from blood pressure and seizures. So, are you actually under a, a private doctor, or are you actually um, under the hospital care? So, whose care yeah, are you under? Yeah. I'm under it's a private doctor, but it's the charges it's not well. 
Right, okay. All right. So have you actually made a complaint to the Minister's office with regard to this? No, I haven't. No. You haven't? Um, I thought you'd help me being yeah. a member of One Nation. Yeah. <laughs> um, regardless of whether you're a member of One Nation, which I do appreciate and thank you, um, you you are from Queensland. Um, so anyway, Kerry, can you actually give um, my office a call next week? We are shut this week. Give me a call and let us follow it through for you and try and find out why. That's, uh, the 3262 number. Kerry, I'll tell you what, I've got your number and I will make sure that Cheryl touches base or Neil. Actually, it won't be Neil. Neil's in Malaysia, isn't he, at the moment? Hello. I have Half no idea. Anyway. anyway, it doesn't matter, but I'll get Cheryl to give you a call uh, as soon as she's back on deck, mate. So it could be as early as tomorrow, but we'll see. Oh, it won't be tomorrow, actually. We'll try and find out yeah, what's, we'll what's going what on. Yeah. All right. Thank um, you, Kerry. And mate, questions. good luck, hey? Oh, thank you. Take right. care, Kerry. Bye. one three hundred eight five seven four double six. if you want to have a direct chat to Pauline tonight about there's, anything. These poor people, I, I, you know, people ring up with their health issues and say, here you have, you know, 30% um, of his lungs. Um, who wants to starve a person of oxygen? I know, I can't believe it. I, I don't know a single soul but, that but would say James, no to that. But this goes on all the time. Simple things that doesn't take much to, to help people's lives, improve yep. the life. The poor man is going through health issues and he's got to fight with the hospital because they don't believe he needs it. I know. But it's this, this goes on often. all the time. Yeah, I know. John's on the Central Coast. I know that's uh, Stuart Bond territory. John, how are you? That's good, mate. Uh, the boss is just getting a glass of water, but she can still hear you. Hi. Hello, John. How are you going, Pauline? Yeah, good. What about yourself? I want yourself? to thank you for having concern for males in this draconian world. I do. I've got three sons of my own. I have been married twice. I love men. I think you're, you're gorgeous. Um, and I've, I'm just, you know, I think sometimes... Um, Men are wrongly put down, and I think that needs, you know, someone to stick up for you guys from time to time. You don't always get it right, <laughs> and I'll be the first to say that, but um, I think that um, our society's changed so much that, you know, not for the better. I don't think it's always for the best. I think it's from being a woman's point of view to recognise that. <laughs> She's pretty <laughs> even keeled there. She is, John. <laughs> yeah, look, John, um, I've had my issues. Like I said, I've been through two marriages. They, they weren't the, the best of marriages, and I'll be the first to admit that. But it takes two people. Not everyone gets it right, and neither do I. But when I have, hear these feminists and we hear these different ones who constantly put you down because you're a male, I, I won't wear it, and I will speak yeah. out against it. And everyone should be treated individually based on, you know, their own, what can I say, actions, not because of their, their gender. And I'm sick and part pushing this gender, this gender equality BS that's going on at the moment. Treat people um, with respect and individuality and respect the fact is that we have males and we have females. And that is what our society is made up of. And I, I just think that... You have respect for everyone. Good on you, John. Thanks for the call, mate. Thank you. Right Thanks, on, John. one three hundred eight five seven four double six. That's the number. It's on the screen. You can dial that. Uh, I know there's a bit of a queue, but um, you can get in line, have a chat with Pauline tonight. We're here till just after midnight. That's Queensland time. Where are we? We're 7.54 p.m.
Hey, holding up, you said to me you couldn't do this. You said six hours would be too much. Alison, we're only two hours through it, James. Uh, got a, got people probably be sick and tired of hearing from us. I'd just like to know how people's New Year's going. Yeah. Are they having a great time? Are you partying? What's happening out there? We how no how did you enjoy your pizza for dinner? Yeah, not bad. I reckon we're all going to be reaching for the water in no time. The the amount of, what are they, the fish things? Sardines? Anchovies. No, anchovies. anchovies. Oh, I love anchovies. I don't mind them either. But That's good. I can feel like the Simpson Desert at the moment. Well. Dry. Yeah, I know. Thank you. I, will, you. I will have some shortly. But, yeah. All right. Mine. We've got uh, a 12-year-old, Cooper, from Heathcote. Hello, Cooper. Heathcote. Hi. Oh, sorry. Did I say that wrong? What did I say? Heathcote. Oh, sorry. Heathcote. Isn't it, Cooper? Yeah. Yeah. Where are you from? Where's that? New South Wales. Yeah, Sydney. Yeah, New South Wales. How are you going? 12-year-old. I'm good. How are you? Look, I'm pretty good. No complaints. I can't complain. I have my health. What about you? How are you going? You looking forward to school next year? You looking forward to school? Yeah. And what grade are you in next year? Because it's all changed. Oh, you six. Year six. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's not high school yet, is it? That's seven. You've got another year to go before you go to high school. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. All right. What would you like to talk to me about? Well, I really love your policies and what you do for our country. And that you always put Australians first. Well, that's lovely, darling. Thank you. You know, it's not, it's not the only 12-year-old that you've got as a fan. You've got a couple. You've got one in Mackay. Yeah. And there's a 14-year-old in South Australia. And there's, yeah. yeah, so there's quite a few. And it's lovely to hear from the young ones that they take an interest in, in politics. And it's lovely to hear. And this is why I encourage the young ones. I don't discourage them. And um, that young boy that, I, that we took down to Canberra, I remember mm. with his mother, it was yeah. just a couple of months ago. And he spent the day at Canberra and we showed him all over Canberra. He sat, he's, yeah. I took him on the floor of Parliament, actually, mm. back there. And... Um, you know, he's got a lovely, lovely um, boy and his mother and just the interest in politics and actually read both my books yeah. and he, um, he was really interested. And how this came up, I said, how did you get interested in politics or to do with me? He said, well, we had a lesson at school on politics and he said, then I got interested in it. Not my parents, they, didn't, they weren't interested in politics. Mm, it's true. He, he was 11, 10 at the time. Mm. He was 10. So anyway... He said, um, so he got his mother to drive to the From meeting. From Mackay to Yeah, for a yep. meeting. So he was there at the meeting. That's when I was introduced to him. He then, um, he worked the polling booth, didn't he? And he read, I sent him another book and he read another book uh, of mine of all my speeches. And he said, when I, we discussed about politics at school, he said, I then actually went and read the policies of all the political parties, and he said, your policies are the ones that I agreed with at 10 years of age. He's turned 11 now. Mm. And I thought, this is interesting. He's got his parents' interest in politics. Yeah, they are. Yeah, it's very interesting. And he goes and hands out all the letterbox stuff. He's great. It's good to see. So mm. thank you for being a part of the show, Cooper. Thank you very much. All right, mate. You Have take a good night. care, mate, and you look after your parents, okay? Yeah, I will. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sweetheart. Bye bye. One three hundred eight five seven four double six. You um you surprise a lot of people in your spare time. 
<laughs> with your fishing. I love my fishing. I know you do. That's a, that was a 92-centimetre barramundi that I actually caught up and I went fishing with my girlfriend up in Darwin. So we went, this is the... Um, what is that? That's a dewfish. Oh, right. Okay. And the crabs. You can and we see I've never crabs. caught that. There's my girlfriend on the left, so yep. Rhonda Nyquist from, she's down at Maitland. Caught a few Yes. Yeah. They were fantastic. We cooked them up and they were beautiful. That's mm -hmm. a cod. This is the so, cod. Yeah. So we went up to we went up to the the river for the barramundi. So I caught about seven barramundi. Then we went out on the reef. Do you do you, do you kiss them to throw them back, uh, or do you just kiss it for the sake of it? I didn't throw that back. Oh, that's why I asked. I can throw them back. No. Right. That was, that was a photo opportunity. Oh, beautiful shot. Beautiful. So no. Uh, and another barra. My fish. Yes. That's good. I caught. About seven, seven barramundi. And of course, um, I go fishing when I can, but uh, I love my fishing. There you go. The boys will love that. One three hundred eight five seven four double six. Maybe you've got a big fish that you just caught over the Christmas break. Let us know. One three hundred eight five seven four double six. It's our Lonely Hearts New Year's Eve special edition. If you're at home doing nothing, we've got someone in Pakistan watching. Crazy is that? That's good. Well done, Richard. You spotted that one, right? Uh, Brian, I've got Brian That's who's... amazing. It is, isn't it? See? And do you know we're ranked 50th in the world for internet speed? I think Pakistan does better than us. Well, I went over to India. I, I haven't been to Pakistan. And they were actually putting in all the cabling and um, really moving ahead. Quite interesting, although it's a very much a poverty country, the poverty that's there, but... Um, the people always dressed very well, clean, yeah. um, and we went to the businesses and it was quite interesting how innovative they are. Mm. And they're pushing forward with this um, new innovation ideas and businesses and yeah, so they're wanting to actually come out to Australia. I've spoken to quite a few as we have. Yeah. Um, Raj, haven't we? Yeah, Raj. That, uh, he said the investment that they want from India and want to come out and invest. But what we're hearing all the time is that there's always takes years for anything to happen in this country. Yeah. Doesn't it? India's economy is just about to overtake Germany's. It's how big it's growing. No wonder they want our coal. Yeah. It's moving yeah. ahead, isn't it? Yeah. All right, I've got Brian on the line from New South Wales. Hello, Brian. Hey, how you going? Oh. Jeez. Hi, Brian. G'day. How are you, mate? Hey, Pauline. Good. Yeah. My headphones down. <laughs> Sorry, mate. No, you're good. Go ahead, mate. Family law, child disputes. Yeah, it's look, I appreciate job. it. Yeah, Pauline, I appreciate you looking into it. Um, I've actually been following it a little bit, but, you know, it's 54 years old. Um, it's 1976. I've got a mate that's... Um, no-fault marriage is what I'm getting to. Um, I think it's wrong because my mate, he went. He was made redundant. Um, he'd been a military man as well um, prior to that. But his wife had an affair or a relationship, and um, when she fell pregnant, she told the boyfriend it was his, but told my mate um, that it was his baby. Um, he paid off all of the debts, and nine months later, after the baby was born, he was put on the birth certificate, thought the child was his, um, she ran to the boyfriend's house. And as I say, um, you know, no-fault marriage means that he can't claim any damages against the boyfriend or his ex-wife. And it's just, it's, it, it's sad, really. It is sad. 
It is sad and so wrong um, for this to happen. It, is it his child? Does he know? Uh, it, it, what happened was they actually, um, the boyfriend and her had a, um, oh, I'd say early January or so, had a uh, court case which excluded my friend. While she was living at my friend's house thinking that he was happily married, um, and they had a do-it-your-home DNA test. They went to court, uh, and I think that's wrong in itself because under the Family Law Act, my mate was classed as a father on the birth certificate. He should have known. He should have been made aware and involved in the court case, but they excluded him. Um, and nine months later, she left the home, um, took the kids, and the thing is that um, he found out through legal proceedings um, that... They already had a court case and he wasn't the father. And he wasn't. And as I say, he's been devastated. Now, the court still, and this is what I don't understand with the court, I know that I went to court with him and the judge turned around and said, look, I've got 28 cases, you better buddy sort this out. He kept complaining about 28 cases of the day and, you know, it's not it's not fair. They get paid an income and, you know, it's 28 cases, you've got to get through it. Unfortunately, 54 years is massive, right? It's a massive time gap. Um, society has changed. People have changed. So the law needs to be changed. Yeah. We've got to move with the times. Mm -hmm. Totally agree with you. And the fact is that I had a meeting with um, some solicitors only uh, before the last day of Parliament sitting, and they said a judge can hear up to 60 to 80 cases a day that yep. comes before yep. them. They can't cope with the workload. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, they can't cope with the workload. Right. And the fact is that the government, because ever-increasing population, this is 20,000 um, backload of, of cases to be heard in the family law courts, and yep. they are not increasing the, the judges. Um, you need more judges to hear these, or you put on night courts, but you still need judges for that. And I think that the whole system, right through from the from the family law court, the federal circuit court, to even the judges, the judges that are hearing this, um, I think yep. they need to be questioned as well. Their ability to actually handle it, how, how across the family law matters are they? And, and I, 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 I question the, the, the solicitors as well. His solicitor won't do anything without money. Her solicitor, right, she hasn't paid a cent, a private solicitor. He had to dump legal aid because her private solicitor said, you've got 28 days and get out of the house. You know, yeah. so he had to go and he's, he's basically, he's struggling. And the thing is, he's had no help. She's living with a boyfriend, gets family parenting payments and all the rest of it. He still has to pay child support, even though their court case said that he, he wasn't the father because he hasn't got a 107 certificate. And we, and, and it's, and it's wrong. Yeah, look, it's, it's awfully hard to talk about these individual cases. Yeah. But, but I hear so many of these cases from people that the whole system has been unfair to them. Has he applied for legal aid again? Because if one partner has legal aid, the other person can get legal aid if they, uh, if they, oh, she's are, got, she's got a private solicitor. But she doesn't pay anything. Well, what, about so, so, what about your mate? Has he actually got? Um, well, last time he had legal aid. Last time he had legal aid, her solicitor made a claim, and the legal aid person turned around and said, "Well, how tall are you?" Um, took all of his measurements. He said, "I've done nothing wrong." He said, "I've got there's no criminal history, no domestic yep. violence, there's no rabies. I've got nothing in place, right?" And yep. she said, "Oh, yeah, but you know, she's a woman." And I just think it's, well, I'm not putting women down and they do have rights and all the rest of it, but what I've seen in the um, court, of course, even, 
Yeah. Look, what, yeah, look, what needs to happen here is that if he feels there's been injustice, he can't afford it, go and look at um, getting some legal aid and uh, yep. then it's worthwhile to actually take it back to court. Um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, give him, I'll, I'll give him that advice. Yeah, I'm not legal accepted by no means, but anyway, it's... Um, and a lot of people will be listening to this, you know, you can apply for legal aid, whether you're going to get it. Yep. No, the government needs to fund legal aid to the tune of about another $200, $300 dollars because it's not mm. funded enough. People are struggling. People are representing themselves in these family law matters, which is detrimental to them selves and they're not getting the outcomes that they deserve so i suggest anyone out there don't think that you can represent yourself you do need that legal um experience behind you and facing the courts the first time around go and see about getting legal aid try that first thanks for your call brian one three hundred eight five seven four double six. it's simple uh, i know we've got a stack load of people so if we can continue on with a few minute calls mike i've got coming from uh brisbane hello mike how are you mate good evening guys how's it going and all the best for the new year yeah thanks. thank you very much same to you go ahead mate yeah, family law issues as well family law issues mate that's a big topic family law issues but just one, just to go off the topic of it, I think what we need in this country when it comes to uh, sorting out the politicians, I think we need a double clapping effect here as clean out the swamp. Well, that's good. I like that saying, clean out the swamp. Yes, we do. Clean out the swamp. That's what Donald Trump is doing at the moment, yeah. cleaning and out the is. swamp. And that's and what we is. need with the rest of the, all these politicians. Totally agree with you. Um, you need to actually call for more accountability from them. And um, it's people power. I keep saying that all the time. It's about people power. And that's what happened in 1998 when I actually, well, I formed the party in 1997 and we actually stood for the election in 1998, the first one in Queensland, we won 11 seats. That actually gave the, scared the hell out of them. And the preference system was changed after that for the federal election and put us one nation last. So in that first federal election, 1998, we pulled 10% um, um, of the vote, a million votes. And, um, you know, it's been a struggle ever since. So it's about if people have someone else to vote for, they know that they can't keep doing whatever they want to do. At the moment, they've got it controlled. Because people vote always, oh, no, I better vote for the one that I know rather than the one that I don't know. And as long as people have that attitude, nothing will change. And um, I'm trying to grow One Nation to get decent people into the parliament with some common sense that it will stand up and fight for this country, that we have a decent standard of living way of life. So that's what we've got to do, stand together. One three hundred. One three hundred eight five seven four double six. That's a very easy number. You can get on. It's the cost of a local call. Uh, we pick the rest of the tab up, so it's only a local one, no matter where you're calling from across the country. Um, surprise, surprise! You've got a Hong Kong international student who wants to have a chat with you next. Her name is Yen. Hi, Yen. Hi, Yen. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. 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 Can you hear me? Yeah, we can yes, hear you. I okay. can. Hello. So I'm an international student from Hong Kong. You're in Sydney, Yen, are you? Yes, I am. Yes, and how long have you been out here? So I've been here for three years. And today I'm, uh, as everyone knows, Hong Kong right now, is um, we're protesting. Yes. We are very aware of what 
the influence of Chinese government towards Hong Kong. And maybe you, you're already aware of it, of um, yes. spy activities and all these um, penetration of Chinese influence into Australia. So as this year, Australia got downgraded for the democratic level. So I want to know how would you, as a One Nation Party leader, would ensure Australia would thrive the democracy as as the past, as usual? Are you talking about with your problems that are happening in Hong Kong? Which are? Um, the problem in Hong Kong is very complex. Which, yes, it um, is. It's really hard to just talk about it in this live show. But I'm, I want to make it more focused in the locals here because there's a lot of people, when they talk about democracy, it, um, they think of Australia. And I think it's really important to look at how do we sustain it in Australia. And I think it's very important, um, especially someone from Hong Kong who are fighting for it, that we don't have it before. So um, for me, it's really curious for me to how do you confront all these problems towards um, what you said about this Chinese influence in Australia? How do you thrive Australia um, and sustain it as a democratic country? Yen, I actually um, feel sorry for Hong Kong, the people in Hong Kong who um, have their democracy and not and it shouldn't be ruled by governments, dictators or communism that wants to control the people. People have a right to, to freedom and uh, it's a shame because they're suppressing the people in Hong Kong from having that freedom, that democracy. It is very hard for Australia, from my point of view, to actually get involved in your politics over there. And I don't, I do not believe in seeing these um, People out here who are um, Hong Kong residents, have yourself, have you protested in Australia? On the streets here in Australia? Yeah. You have? Yeah. There's, um, um, there's quite a lot of news about how Hong Kong students' protesters are being harassed in Australia, like Brisbane and Sydney. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're aware of, of that. That's why I'm curious how, as you, as a local leader, could help and support with this, um, this, I mean, it's local protest, but it's related to internationally. And how do you bring um, people, like the voice of the people, to support such an important movement globally? Because it's not just talking about democracy somewhere else. It's talking about a universal common sense on liberation of everyone. So how, how would you do that, like, to um, support local Hong Kong protests in, in Australia? Okay. I personally, or a minor party like myself, are not going to have any opportunities to actually make a difference with it. The problem is that because of our trade agreements that we have with, with China, that is going to be the factor that the government will probably be in fear of doing anything about it and speaking out against the Chinese government. Um, and what they're doing. It is, like I said, here in Australia, if you want to make a change here, it's the people that can do it. It's like the people back in Hong Kong, they're doing it by their protests against the government and making changes there. Your protests on the streets of Australia are not going to change it. You must do it back in your own country because the people of Australia, you know, my opinion, 
I don't want to see these protests out here in Australia. Um, and this, whether it's from Hong Kong or any other country, you know, if you do a quiet, peaceful protest that in the park, fair enough, that's okay. But as long as it's not disrupting the people here in Australia and the way we go about our life, I think that the people in the country itself have to stand up for their rights and they must protest in their own country because governments, whether they're going to take any note of this, which uh, I, I doubt, I think it's the people themselves. Possibly, you know, you as a, as a person from Hong Kong, you need to go back in your own country and, and stand up for your own rights there because you, you can't expect politicians like myself to actually stand up for your rights. People themselves have to do it. I'm a politician for Australia. Yeah, and we're well aware of what China's capable of, aren't we? And that's why you've been speaking out about it for decades now. Well, it is. I believe in democracy and freedom sure. of the people. But these are things that I'm fighting against ever happening in Australia because I don't want the people of Australia suppressed by dictators or those that want to take over a country and tell the people what to do. Yeah. And that's why you've got to have the right people elected parliament. We don't want communism or socialism um, infiltrating our parliaments with people there because it's slowly happening. Look what the Greens have done with their own radical views and what they feel should be happening. And we find, feel the impacts on, on, um, on our country because of their radical views. And it's only about who you elect to parliament is who's going to stand up and, and represent you, your views. Well, we've now seen Tasmania reach 25% foreign ownership of its prime agricultural land. And we've seen the Northern Territory. Territory, yes. And we're seeing large swaths of land, prime agricultural land. We're not talking about just outback desert stuff. We're talking about prime agricultural land disappearing to foreign investor uh, investment. And, and the government's big on this foreign investment because they claim that it's new money coming into the system, new money coming into the country. And that's what's propping things up. Well. We're just selling it away because there's no middleman anymore here in Australia. The product's just leaving the shores. Yeah, and they're going from paddock to plate, so they're not paying their taxes. We've got over 750 multinational companies in Australia that don't pay tax here whatsoever. So the, another, yeah. another topic goes on and on about it, and they expect the, the, you know, the hard-working man and woman out there to pay their taxes, and yet you've got these multinational companies out here paying absolutely zilch, no, no tax at all. Yep. one three hundred eight five seven four double six is the number you can get in the queue, like Grace has done from Melbourne. You've got a mum in hospital, Grace. I do, yes, I do. Um, I'm just here with her now. We're here trying to make the best of New Year's Eve in hospital. Oh, really? What a, that's a lousy place to be. I don't blame you. I wouldn't want to be the right <laughs> one. Oh, is your mum going to get it right? Your voice. <laughs> How are you? What's oh, mum's name? Is it Pina? So mum's name Pina. Yes, he's here. Pina, so, how are you? Yeah. What's, I hope it's nothing oh. serious. Oh, no. Uh, good thing. Yeah, she's oh, so emotional. Oh, mum about six weeks ago had a stroke. Um, uh, and uh, but she's doing really well and um, pushing forward. So we're looking forward to New Year. She's almost up and moving. Good. She's nearly there. She's um, is a lot better. She's doing really well. But she's a massive fan of yours, and she's a huge fan. So I wanted to get through to just let her speak to you, and um, we wanted to say that we love your work. Right, <laughs> the more she moves, the better it is. I've had a mate of mine just yep. get through a stroke in the last twelve months, and. 
he's made yeah. remarkable recovery, but it's only because he was forced to get out of that bed and he forced to do oh, the recovery. Yeah. And it, it might be painful and it's so horrid, uh, but I can tell you what, it's worth the hard work because the recovery that he's gone through is just amazing. He's not 100%, but I tell you what, he's back to driving a car again and that means the world to him. Fantastic. Well, yeah, Mum will get back to that until then. She's going to work oh. hard. Well, we definitely wanted to reach out and say um, thank you for all you know your hard work. And um, I wanted to actually reach out to you and comment on you know your um, comments on the on family law within Australia. And I appreciate your comments, and I agree wholeheartedly with them. So um, I I just uh, we wanted to just reach out and say good on you, Pauline. You keep going and you keep fighting, just like my mum is. Yeah, look, I appreciate that, sweetheart. I really do. Thank you very much for that. Pina, you get up out of bed. Get yourself better because the family needs you at home. You take care and a happy New Year to everyone. Okay? Lovely to hear from you. Be kind to the nurses. Thank you, lovely. They'll be kind to you. We will. We will. All right. Good on you. Okay. We will. Take care. Bye. All right. More calls. one three hundred eight five seven four double six. If there is something that is of crisis in your life and you need some help tonight and you want to talk to somebody at length, Lifeline's available one three eleven fourteen. One three eleven fourteen. You can call them 24 hours a day. Great service. And uh, I think it's a great amount of money that the government does put towards that service. Mental health and other issues, just people are finding it difficult to find someone to have a chat to. Look, yes, I, I know they are. Are and we I, too I, proud, though, these days? Are we too proud at times to go and talk to someone you know? Because in this world, there's often this thing, when you have a look at social media, everyone's putting fancy photos up. It doesn't matter whether they've been on some fancy cruise. or We're just seeing all of the good stuff, and I think there's so many of us that have stayed home this Christmas, and it's easy to get depressed when you can't afford an overseas holiday, but I, I don't, you don't feel alone. I, I wouldn't say the word's too proud. I think people see their... their family members or the neighbours, and so many people are doing it tough. I mean, yeah. I think you've got enough on your plate. You've got enough of your own problems and issues. You don't need to be burdened with mine. And then people, I, I think, probably would get embarrassed yeah. that they don't want to share things with them, uh, other people, and uh, they're trying to deal with themselves. I think that um, I uh, – anyway, I, I – won't say what I'm thinking, but anyway. Oh, since when do you know? No, no, hey? no, because I'm not a medical practitioner, but it concerns me greatly, all these people on antidepressants yeah. that are out there. Yeah, they're, really they're handed out. There think, was a new stat the other day that says Australian kids are the most doped up kids these days. And it's ridiculous. It is. And it's been recognised. You and I both don't stand the UN too much, but I tell you what, when the UN starts telling you that your kids are overdosed or doped up, uh, by I think there's 300,000 Australian young kids on ADHD drugs. I think that's sad. But it is. They're picking up the amount of drugs that are in the, um, what, recycled water, don't they? Yeah. Oh, how much? How yeah, many but they can check at? from the prescriptions that have been written. Yeah, I know. That's the easiest the prescriptions way. and all the rest of it. And too many drugs in this country. And the people that actually take it, pop pills, even drugs, um, I, I'm... 
anti it, all right? We don't need those drugs. You, ha you have drugs, say, if you do have a real medical condition, but if you think you need a drug for high or whether for depression, um, go on. I, I just think that people should get it sorted out. What is the cause of it? What is happening? I do understand that some people do need it to help yeah, sure. them with it. Otherwise, they, they, you know, can't handle it. But I ask myself the question, why have we got so much of it today? James, you know, I'm 65, all right? And I keep raising this. We didn't have all this issue years ago. We didn't have all these people that were um, on drugs or needed those drugs. Um, what has happened to our society? Well, I don't like the term party drug. That's the one that frustrates me. Um, or recreational drugs. Recreation is going to play right. tennis. You know, go and play tennis if you want recreation. Don't tell me that you're on recreational drugs. They're not. They're not recreational. They'll lead to something sinister. But at the end of the day, um, I don't know the answer myself. I really don't. Some of the most simple, down-to-earth people I went to school with have been the biggest druggies, and yet some of the down-and-out ones have become successful. But uh, you just don't know. I think it's people around. I'm just of people the the and these young ones that um, at these festivals and they feel that they've actually have to take drugs to have a good time or let their hair down. Why? Mm. I don't. And I'm sorry, you've got to be responsible for your own actions. It's no one else's. Everyone's got a choice in life. You choose yep. whether you're going to take that drug or not. And just think that you could be a burden on your family or society the rest of your life because now you've absolutely screwed up your brains. And, um, and where does that leave everyone? especially yourself. one three hundred eight five seven four double six. I've got Owen who's joining us now from Pasco Vale. G'day, Owen. I think we've got Owen. Uh, Owen, you there? He's online. Maybe he's gone to grab a fetch a drink or something. Well, is Vicky there? Can we go to Vicky? Hello, Vicky. Hang on. Our oh, system's having a meltdown. Right, let's go. Vicky, hello. Hello. Hmm, interesting. All right. Don't know what the problem is. one three hundred eight five seven four double six. 857 You let me know, Alex, what the best thing is. Are they coming through? All right. I've got uh, Vicky there this time. Or Owen, one of you. Say hello. Uh, no, that's no. fine. Hey, listen, what's probably been the best relationship you've had this year in Parliament? With who? And it's fair to say... We've got a fairly good relationship with a number of people. Not all. But who's, who's your most favourite? Let's start with Labor. Who's your most favourite Labor person to deal with? <laughs> this will be tough because I know you've got two people that actually you get along well with. It's, I, this is like picking your favourite child. I, no, it's not going to happen. It's no Come favorites, on. whatever. No. Kimberly, she I won't went, say it. I went and saw, um, I went and saw Albanese because mm -hmm. I went on that trip over to parliamentary delegation with uh, Albanese over to India, the trip over there. Um, that was that was quite interesting. So I got to got to know him. Um, lovely guy. Is he your favourite he... Labor person, though? Who else is there? Well, you tell me. Well, I don't have a lot to do. Them. They've kept clear of me for the <laughs> okay. last three years. Who's, they? who's so your favourite Liberal then? How many of they, how many have actually come to um, to actually talk to me? Labor. They generally want something. 
But so that's both anyway, sides, not just Labor. Yeah, look, um, I work with whoever. So I had a meeting with Albanese. I took him a piece of my carrot cake. Yeah, I know, so that made headlines. That, that was <laughs> so that was good. Um, no, look, he's a nice guy. And, um, and I really appreciate Labor supporting me on the dairy bill. Yes. Yep. So, and the Greens and I, too. And, they surprised yep, us. And the Greens. All of us. Yep. So that was really good. They did get behind me and back me with it. So I'm very appreciative of that. Um, and, yeah, the Libs, look, I get on um, with, a, with a few of the Libs there. Um, you don't want to show your, your cards, do you? Look, I, I think there's um, – I think Anne Rustin is, is a really good uh, minister. Yeah. I think she works extremely hard. She puts a lot of the effort into it, and um, she she studies it. She's got a passion for it, and yep. yeah, she's yeah, I'd agree really with good. You on that. She's really good to work with. Yeah, and a staff as well. She's actually got great staff. If you ring that office, you'll actually get action. It's really good to see. It's very yep. good. Mm. No, she's a good minister. Um, I want to take you back to a photo here. Uh, and, and 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 Peter Dutton. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yep. Peter Dutton's been, absolute, been absolutely fantastic. Mm. And um, you know what I'm going to say? He will be a future Prime Minister of this country. That's Good a big statement. call. That is a big It is. Do you, think he, do you think he'd line up again, though? He should. Peter, you're listening to this. <laughs> I see the future for you. Um, he's a great He's a great guy. He's a really good minister. He's done an excellent job with that. And um, I, I've... You know, I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due, and I think Peter's done an excellent job there. All right, let me take you back to this photo. Do you remember this day? Meals on Wheels. Oh, yes, up at um, Pine uh, Rivers. Rivers. Yeah. Pine Rivers, yes. So Pine Rivers. Uh, a lot of people don't realise. I know there was some criticism in the media uh, probably, what, 12 months ago or more, suggesting that there's a payment that comes from Channel 7 at that stage and Channel 9 for your morning appearances on Mondays. Now, can you explain to people at home who haven't heard the, the real story behind this, where does that money go? Well, it goes to the charity of my choice. Yeah. So, um, so as Meals on Wheels yeah. were the recipients for three years of that money. They would have received, yeah, they, well, they did. We won't, that, we won't say how much they've received, no. but let me just say it was enough to refit a commercial kitchen, which they yeah. desperately needed, especially yeah. the oven. Yeah. And, um, they have provided countless meals to people across the northern part of Brisbane. And uh, earlier this year, when um, things went sour, didn't they, with Channel 7, and you went across to Channel 9, your uh, fee that you have been receiving goes directly to another good charity. What's that one? The Men's Shed. Yeah. And, and not just we, any. No, it's not the one up at Innisfail. What happened was that we were on the road trip going up to the tip and we called it Innisfail. That's not the dump, by the way. That's the very northern tip of <laughs> Queensland. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, we stopped it in Innisfail. Yeah. And um, we were just picking up a few groceries and stuff. And mm. girls from across the road in the cafe said, oh, you got to come across and have a cup of coffee. Shall you one? I said, no, you won't. I said, I'll buy my own coffee, my own lunch. And I said, you're running a business. And I said, I don't expect anything. So we All did. Oh, wasn't and, it? Uh, yeah. And then we actually... Oh. Fantastic shop, must call and see it. So anyway, we actually sat outside and while I was sitting there for a couple of hours, people constantly pulled up and said hello, heard I was in town. 
I saw this basket on the wall outside the shop and it was collecting cans and bottles. And I said, oh, well, what's that for? Oh, well, that's the men's shed. Oh, well, yep. well, how many are there? They said about 30 and they said they're struggling. I said, okay, that's my charity. So they, so they the, received the, the um, benefit from my being on the... Today's show. Today's show. So the money goes directly to them. It doesn't come through your hands. And it's helped because yeah. now they've rewired the shed Correct. for them. New and, gear we, and I was also able to get um, half a million dollars for the men's shed up at Budrum. Yeah. So that's another funding that we got. Mm. Um, we actually helped the Ipswich um, yeah, showgrounds. showgrounds. An emergency, that's right. Evacuation yeah. centre. So we got eight. Point nine million for that, so I was able to to get that as well. So trying to get you know help different parts and communities wherever I can. Yeah. And you've worked extremely hard, you know, with me, James, all all the staff in the office. And to tell you out there, I've got fantastic staff. They've all been with me from day one. Oh, Richard's Richard's only been Richard's about five months. Run. He's a new kid on the block. Anyway, still got his training wheels on, but. Um, I have dedicated staff and I have said that even in my own business, your staff is what will make or break you. Look after your staff, they'll look after you, but it's about, it's a team effort. It's all about Pauline Hanson is the one doing it because I couldn't do my job without my staff behind me. And this goes uh, with James as well. James has copped a lot of criticism over the years. Um, some deserved, some. Well, not all, kind of some, yeah. but, but not all. Um, but Few things there, James. You were cleared of, but no, oh, report, no. <laughs> no reporting in the media. That was blown up. This is all dirty politics yeah. again. Yeah. And it was actually cleared up mm. with the electoral commission about the plane, about all this other rubbish that's gone on. Not an ounce and of media coverage to say. No front page saying you're cleared. Only front pages to accuse, and obviously and, mud sticks too. Yeah, so. and then dragged out in Senate estimates by. Yep. Murray Watt, the, mm -hmm. he wants to get re-elected. I hope you think twice about voting Murray Watt back into the parliament. Um, but then again, hey, he did that speech in, on the floor of parliament. I he couldn't believe us. how much credit he's given me. He's doing a fantastic job. It's one of the hardest working senators on the floor of parliament. Murray Watt, what happened to you, Mar Murray? Okay. So. Maybe you got lonely and developed a crush? I'll get over it. Mm -hmm. Do you want to crush move to the what? Gold Coast? Apparently that's... So anyway, a nice house on the Gold Coast. So anyway, that's uh, I was gobsmacked when Murray got up in Parliament so and uh, gave me the credit. Mm. But um, no, I like I said, a lot of people don't realise that I'm a thorn in their side, and they will actually attack me as much as they possibly can, or try and discredit me. Okay, I don't get everything right. You may not agree with everything that I say, but what politician do you? We do make mistakes. We're only human. But, um, you know, what James has copped over the period of time has been unwarranted, uncalled for, and uh, they desperately want to see him gone as my chief of staff. Uh, I, he's, um, you have worked extremely well with me. We've, uh, we've That's five well. years. Five years next month. Yeah. Gone so quick. Mm. While we're on the topic, James, and I'm going to bring this up, I, I don't know if you expected it, but we've got to talk to people about this Al Jazeera. Yeah, I'm right. happy to. Good. Always have been. So, um, you know, one of the biggest things, you know, it frustrated me to see them win awards for that because it's not real journalism. So I heard that. I so know. it was the case. Yeah, yeah, they won awards. Oh, and what one a of, load of rubbish that one is. Of, one of the characters that uh, played a real role in that actually made a real ass of himself at one of the awards and was booted out for touching women up. So, you know, these people aren't 
who they say they are. And as I've always said, I know Steve Dixon said the same thing, release the tapes, release them in full, and it'll show you a completely different story, completely different narrative. And that's what yep. frustrates me most is if you're going to be a journalist in this country, they're protected by the fact that all their tapes are held in Qatar. So that's exactly where they're held. So we can't get our hands on them. We can't subpoena them. We can't do anything. So good luck in ever seeing them. And let, let me tell you that um, I did an interview with this Roger Muller at Yapoon after we had that public meeting, so yeah. outside. So he wanted to sit down and he did an interview for, what, half an hour, 40 minutes, something like that? It was uh, yeah, good half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Probably half an hour yeah. in the rain. Anyway, he was asking me about this and he said, oh, well, don't you think that women should carry handguns around for protection? I said, no. I said, it won't be happening. Not interested in it. And he was on about wanting me to say something. And I said, yeah. I said, it will never happen. It is not One Nation's policies. We're not changing it. No, he wanted semi-automatics back. He wanted a whole raft of things. He wanted he was getting people to, to be able to carry to in public. Yeah. Well, was... release that tape. Isn't it funny? Not one no. bit of that tape recording was a part of it because it didn't suit their agenda, no. what they were trying to do just to discredit myself and the party prior to election. And let me make it quite clear that at no time was the NRA approached in America for any funding. What they mentioned was about the wishful thinking. Of course, everyone would love to have millions of dollars to fund a campaign. But this wasn't even with the NRA. This, was at, this was at a bar. This was at a bar in the middle of Washington. Yes, we'd had plenty to drink that night and no doubt it's like all of us. We, we have a wish list. If we ever won the lotto, what size house would you build? And it was no, no different to the conversation that we we're having at that time with what we would do as a political party if we had more funds. Nothing. And we wouldn't change anything. We've got, I think, very sound, um, workable gun policies. Go and read it. Go and yeah. see what we stand for. Nothing's changed. And at the end of the day, you know who's the leader of this party? Myself. Not James Ashby, not Stephen Dixon, no one. And at the end of the day, I make the decisions. And I had a $50,000 offer from a cigarette company. And I said, I don't want your money because I don't believe in it. And, I, and I'm not going to take that. And there's no way in the wide world would I even take any money for the NRA in America because I don't believe they should have anything over me or the party to actually formulate policy, which would never change anyway. Hmm. So on principle, there would never be any money coming. Never if you want to go and have a look at the policies, website's on the screen there, onenation.org.au. We'll go back to calls, one 857 466 I don't want to cut that short, but if anyone wants to take us to town on it or ask questions, you go for it. I'm happy yep. to answer them. But the whole purpose is to talk to you, not uh, just listen to us. Next up is Vicky, just wants to have a general chat. Hi, Vicky. Hi, Vicky. You there? Oh, Alex, what have you done to our phones? Don't tell me you've killed them. Well, I've got Amelia here. Hello, Amelia. She's an 11-year-old. Is she? Oh, Alex. We're, uh, we're not getting anything here. Uh, no, let's go. Hang on. Isn't that amazing technology? You think you've got it right, and next minute it just buggers up. This is why you call me on weekends saying, why can't I get these telephone numbers? Why can't I do this? Isn't it? I know. It's I'm an endless say. thing with an iPhone she has. My phone, I changed and got a new phone, and guess what? I had 1,200 contacts in it, and I lost it down to about 270 contacts. And this is a new phone. This is technology. Give me back the pen and paper, okay? Just a, Elton just a John, 
Can you call Pauline again? You'll get a number. out there is that everyone has their phones. They go around and they're on their Facebook and they um, or all this technology. And you see them in, in restaurants, they're all on their phones watching everything without sitting there having a conversation. Put your phones away. Be social. <laughs> Talk to people. Instead of everyone, you can't live without your phone these days. Years ago, we didn't have it. You only had your landline. And if you went out to work through the day, you were not in touch with your family, anyone, all day. And the world didn't come to an end. Now if you can't get in touch with anyone, it's terrible. I know. And I think it causes more stress to people. We're going to try something else. Plug that in, Alex. We've been using Bluetooth in the setup. Amelia, have we got you? Oh, hang on. Oh, you did, did you? Jeez, Alex, one three hundred eight five seven four double six is the number. And policies online, onenation.org.au. So um, we're using some new technology at the moment, and I don't have her, Alex. No. Well, we can't go to Adbrokes, champ. You designed this system. No, that's all right. Um, now, there have been a couple of other things that have happened this year. Um, yep. We've lost a Governor-General. So we've got a new one, David Hurley. Yep. Or Sir David Hurley. Yes. Does he get the Sir straight away? Is that, is that part of being Governor-General? Do you instantly become a Sir? When that occurs? I don't think so. Oh. Well, there you go. New Governor-General. What else? I think they've got to be get that um, OAM or Knight or whatever to get the cert. All right. I think so. I could be wrong. People might want to inform me. I don't know myself. That. No. Happy to so. take your calls, one three hundred eight five seven four double six. I feel as though uh, we will get this back up and running in a minute. Um, there's a, a wonderful lady that... You know very well. I know very well. We met her quite a number of years ago. That was off the back of uh, Brophy's boxing tent, Beaver. Uh, she uh, That was her 200th fight. Do you remember that one? I do. And you got her that vase and she was actually thrilled with it. I tell you what, apart from being a great boxer on the, on the floor of Brophy's, she is a fantastic girl, isn't she? I should say young lady. Mm -hmm. She does a lot of work at Doomagee. She's out there. She is, yep. She works with the Aboriginals. She's brought in programs. She is actually helping them. And uh, she was a great benefit in, in informing us. And she came on that trip up to the the um, Cape with us, didn't she? She did. And uh, camped with us. And we learned a lot from her. And I've mm -hmm. tried to get Ken O'Dowd and uh, to actually meet with her because her ideas, and it is working. No, White, White. Ken, Ken White, White, that's who. Yep. Ken White, yep. sorry, do apologise. Ken White, the Aboriginal Minister, to have a meeting with her, which I think would be so beneficial because she's basically hands-on, don't need all this money thrown at it, which they are, and what she's saying is that these programs are uh, dealing with the Aboriginals too late. They need to, to deal with them younger yeah. to keep them occupied and... Programs. Yeah, she's often saying that the programs are designed for kids over the age of 15, and by that stage they've been lost. You've got to put the money into the younger ones before they are gone too far. And it's little things like drawing or painting and different things, but they won't give, uh, them, they won't give them the money for that, will it's, they? It's, well, it's not just about that. It goes beyond. You've got to give them life skills, and that's something that they're not being taught a lot of the time. A lot of these kids can't cook. A lot of their parents can't cook. 
and uh, the diet in some of these remote indigenous mm. communities so awful they've got type 2 diabetes at a young age and it's because they just don't have the everyday life skills that you and I, we take for granted. But it's getting worse no matter where you go. I've got teachers, I've got a teacher in Rockhampton that says that he's got year three students that still aren't toilet trained. So it's not just in Indigenous communities, it's in all sorts of suburban areas and unfortunately it's uh, it sticks out like a sore thumb in smaller regional Aboriginal communities, that's all. Well, we're thinking about doing, and we did that trip up to, to the Cape and we caught up with the Torres Strait um, Council yep. and the Bamaka Council, and we're still trying to get that pathways up to the tip, um, you know, the funding for that. Nothing happens. No. It will create employment, tourism, everything up there, and still they sit on their hands and the amount of money that is wasted is just unbelievable. So we're going. We're... Um, Think about doing another road trip up there, yep, we? It yeah. Is. yeah. So uh, there won't be next, far. next um, couple of weeks. Couple of weeks' time, doing another road trip. Thirty-two hundred k's to go up there. But we caught up with a lot of people at like, stations on the way. Didn't Mul um, Musgrave? Was it? Yeah, Musgrave Crossing. Crossing. Yep, we Mus went there. The station. Yeah. The station, and that was about the tel um, Telstra, the power lines, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Phone line. Can't get telephone reception up there. Yes, so they were really pleased to actually see us, and we've um, we followed that through anyway. Mm. We're going to take a toilet break. We will come back unless we've got someone. No, we've got some music through it, Alex. Unless you can get the callers up on it, mate. Um, we might have to go for a toilet break. Otherwise, Pauline's going to need a she-wee. You know what that is. One three hundred eight five seven. Thank you for sharing that with everyone, James. It's wonderful. <laughs> well, come on, it's news, and everyone wants to laugh, don't they? <laughs> you know what it is. I'm surprised. And you do. I've never heard that. Okay. Uh, one three hundred eight five seven four double six. Will someone be a guinea pig for Alex so that we can try and get this call up? Otherwise, we will go for a toilet break and reconnect and reset the system, and then come back to you. But uh, can you get someone up, Alex? Oh, getting a get the eleven-year-old on before it turns too late. Uh, let's let's see how we go. Hang on. What's her name? Hello. Hello. Oh, we got you back. Which? Hi, sorry. So sorry about that. That's okay. What did you do? Was it your fault? Yes, sorry. Oh, Amelia. Here we were about to sack Alex. And, jeez, oh, thank goodness you're back. Go ahead, you're here to talk to Pauline. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. What would you like to talk Hello, about? Um, Hello, um, my name's Amelia and I'm 11 from Victoria. And um, I just wanted to say thank you so much for um, being there for people who are lonely and who don't have that sort of thing. Oh, sweetheart, that's lovely. Did you say you were 11 years old? Yes. Sure. And, um, I, also had, and I also had a question. Yep. Um, so, um, coal is one of our main exports and helps grow our economy and helps keep our economy um, like where it is. I wonder, as we go into the future and certain things phase in and phase out, are there any other different commodities that we can use or different um, ways that we can grow our economy more and make it more stronger and keep it where it is? 
I think we can. We've got the ability to grow, to grow our economy. We've got other minerals um, that we can use, and the world is needing those those minerals that we have. Um, I think that we can. I don't think that we have the vision from the politicians to actually move forward with this. Um, I think the yeah. short term, without looking at the long term vision of the nation, and mm -hmm. you, you've, we can't just rely on exporting coal to and yeah. and some of our products. I think we need to actually look at bringing back industries and manufacturing to Australia, making all those things that we used to that we don't anymore, like your white goods, like your washing machines and dryers. We have yeah. car industry. We don't have that anymore. Yeah. That means that we don't have the jobs for Australians. Um, you know, yeah. even our farming is depleted to what it used to be, yet we have a growing population. Yeah. So I think that we need politicians with, with vision for, you know, for, for and that's mm -hmm. what I've been on about putting in the, the Bradfield, hybrid Bradfield yeah. scheme. We need water in Australia. Mm -hmm. If we have water, we can open up the land. We can do more agriculture. Yeah. We have a increasing population of the world because the world yeah. will need food. It needs to grow. So there are a lot of things, but you yeah. The younger generation, maybe yeah. there's a lot of things that you could actually add to it, and um, yeah. your voice to it as well. You never know. You know, maybe yeah. the future for you might be in politics, or one of these. Yeah, people. I really love politics and yeah, that type of thing. And I think you never know your future, honey. A really important job. Yeah. Look, I think that um, yeah, keep it in mind. Keep an interest in politics. We need good people in there. Yeah that are going to be upfront yeah. and honest with the people and uh, yeah. have a future there. I would never discourage anyone mm -hmm. taking an interest. Okay. Hey, Amelia, yeah. I'm shocked you're 11. Can we send you something? Yeah, sure. All right. I'll get Alex to give you a call back. Um, he's pretty good at okay. dialing you back now. He's tried you a couple of times. So I'll get him to give you a call back <laughs> yeah. and, um, and we'll send some yeah. stuff out to you. And just say thank you to Pauline again for being there for people who are lonely and because, you know, there are some Australians that really do need some help and there's thousands of Australians that need help and it's a really important matter. I really appreciate that from one as young as yourself and you sound so mature, so grown up, but it's, it's lovely Thank to hear you. from you. And I'm so you glad you're a lovely young cold. lady. Move to Queensland Thank any you time, so much. Amelia. All right. <laughs> All right. Good night, sweetheart. Happy New Year. Yeah. All the best to you. You too. Thank right. you so, so much. It's our pleasure. Bye. All right. Lovely to hear from you. one three hundred eight five seven four double six. Alex, can we take another call? I think uh, Alan is on the line. Can we go to Alan? All right. They want to send me all right, uh, Alex, you've got to call um, uh, Amelia back because I promised her some stuff, all right? So we're sort of doing things on the fly. Is uh, Alan ready to go, mate? All right, I want to show you something here because do you remember this? God, I look awkward when I'm Yeah, that's, twisting. At, that's at Rockhampton. Yeah, Rocky the, Sports Club. Yes, Rocky Sports Club. Again, we tried to get the um, the funding for that to put up the new stadium. Well, wasn't there a bun fight there between the both political parties? No one was interested in it until I brought it to the attention of, um, of the minister yeah. and the prime minister about this funding for the sports club, which they'll be able to bring out um, big um, international acts there, plus Sporting. international sports. Yeah. Everything there would help the community, the town, 
and they played political games saying, oh, well, let's wait and we'll announce it at, at election time. That's exactly what they said. They said, we'll use it as an election commitment at the Queensland state election. And because I was pushing for this to get the money for it, they all wanted to jump on board then and take the credit for it because that's their electorate. So I am the Senator for Queensland and I will fight for areas that I think that it would promote and help the area and jobs. But it's all political and that's exactly what happened. So And that card there, you were the 14,000th member. Yeah. And they've got dozens of It's um, a great groups, community yeah. club. It is. It's a not-for-profit organisation. Yep, and that's and Gavin they and Jack. All the, they have all the – that's right – and they have all the um, uh, different sporting groups that come there and they join up as members of the club and they can utilise the club, its facilities, yeah. and it helps all these community groups and they're powering ahead. It was shut down. Gavin went and put his own money into it to buy it. He's built it up and, and he's, he's done, done a fantastic job. And Toowoomba. Yeah, Toowoomba. And it's great for the community. These are people that you want to help. You're helping communities yeah. and uh, the politics in it, it just – Makes me sick to my stomach. John? Hello, mate. Oh, Alan, sorry. Alan. G'day, Alan. How you going? G'day, Alan. Hey, hey. Hello. How you going, Paul? Good. You might not remember me. You might not remember me, but some years ago, um, we sort of started off your One Nation. I was running as a uh, candidate for Liverpool. What's a long, long time ago. It would have been. It would have been about 98. Yes. Well, I still got a certificate you sent me. So it would have been a, back then. Yeah, it would have been a long. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. It was. Yeah. Um, and I haven't spoke. Huge. I haven't spoke to you since then because you're a very busy woman. <laughs> but you know what? You, you're doing a great job. Thank you. You've got kids and on You really do because there's some cooks up there now. I'm telling you. But anyway, what actually rang you about was I'm in the SES down here in Wollongong, New South Wales. Yep. And in my community. There's a lot of us working tonight. Fires, SES, mm. you know, a whole, a whole group of people. And our local council came to fireworks out of respect and as an issue. I'm really disappointed that Sydney didn't follow and still decided to have them. They they have done uh, the fireworks. Look, in Sydney, I've... Um I don't know how the people felt about having fireworks in Sydney. Um, I know it would have impacted on a lot of families who actually make the trip down to see the fireworks happen and um, and also would have affected a lot of the businesses and even tourism. So a lot of these people yeah, who work I, I, their yeah. businesses who rely on that to mm. actually keep them afloat yeah. is having these, these fireworks. So yeah, I, I can see both sides of the argument. Yeah. 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 Small yeah, towns, it's going to affect fireworks in these communities, small towns, councils. There's a lot yeah. of money involved with it and probably better spent, especially if they're in rural and regional areas. Yeah, yeah I understand that. And being you as a small business owner, you'd know better than anyone yep. how it would affect a small business. Yes. But to me, it's like, you know, we just had a young bloke die, 28-year-old, expecting his first child. Oh. You know, and for us volunteers, in whatever service you're in, that affects you a lot. Of course it would. Of course, I, I know, and I and I can see that side of it and how it affects um, how it affects you. It's hard. Mm. You can't please everyone. People who don't want it, people who do want it. It's um, well, you've tried to please everyone over the years, and it's never really worked, has it? Uh, 
Um, you know what? Yeah, I don't know. I've I've tried to find a common ground, and I've mm. tried to look after what the majority want. You can't always please everyone, and you've got to make some tough decisions yeah. at times. And uh, so well, you know what? I supported you way back then, and I still support you until the day I die. Oh, thank so, you, Alan. No, look, I really appreciate that. Whenever an election comes that. up, yep. Whenever an election comes up, I look for a one nation candidate in my area. There's not always one, but when there is one, that's yep. where my vote goes to. So I'll never change. I used to be a labour labor supporter. Yep. But you know, when your party came along all the years ago, that was where I was, I was more at home. That's lovely, and I, and I appreciate um, appreciate you saying that, Alan. Um, you know, I try, and I've got good people now with me. It's it's a different party um, to what it was years ago, and yeah. time and experience and knowledge has um, mm. has helped a lot over the period of time. Yeah, growing with it. Well, you two have a good try, and don't let them get you down. Thank no, <laughs> thank you, Alan. And I'm not going to keep the bastards. No, first. I want to get rid of the bastards. Thank you. Hey, well, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alan. Right, Have a good bye. one, mate. one three hundred eight five seven four double six. if you'd like to uh, reach out to Pauline. You haven't submitted. Yeah, with the earpiece, it's... Yeah. It's a long time, isn't now, it? It is. It's, I know it's coming up 10 o'clock in New South Wales. It's what, only 9 o'clock here. Why don't you take over for no. the next five minutes? I'm going to go and make a cup of coffee. Well, no, that's, what, that's what the happy helpers are for. Richard... Would you mind putting the kettle on at least so the boss can have a, a coffee? Uh, we've got – how bad is this? Because it's been Christmas, nobody's got fresh milk, so it's all – what is it? Long life milk up in the top cupboard. That's all right. Oh, no. Hey, we better get used to it. The rate our dairy industry is going. I'd be interested to uh, know how many people out there actually um, made a Christmas cake. A lot of people out there still make Christmas cakes. The old grannies like like myself. What's happened the to the ones? lion's cake? They've gone now, haven't they? I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't seen them. The well, lion's cake, and of course, you have the Christmas cake. So I made a, a carrot cake this week anyway. So. Um, well, I've heard hot cross buns are already out on coal supermarket shelves. Oh, I could no. be wrong, but I saw a report in the paper the other day. So. If they're in your shops, let us know, one 800 Let's go to Jared now, who's in Brisbane. I think we've got Jared here. Can you hear us, mate? Yeah, hello. Hello. Hi, Jared. Happy New Year. Yeah, same to you. And how's your evening going? What are you up to? Yeah, quite well. I'm at my um, cousin's house in Brizzy. Good. What part of Brizzy, Jared? I'm from, um, you know, Wilson. Not really. Have you got views of the of the of the river for the fireworks uh, tonight? No, no. Okay. I'm at my cousin's house at Brisbane Downs. Okay. Oh, right. You're a fair way out then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Now you want to ring and uh, speak about universities? Is that right? Overrun. You're obviously that's, at uni. That's correct. Uh, no, I'm recently graduated um, last year. As I'm now a registered nurse. Yep. Um, and through the system. For four years at QUT. You do um, a fantastic job, nurses. I tell you uh, what, and it's a and it's a tough job. I just had a, a talk to um, someone in the nursing profession. Of course, she's um, gone through the whole system, and uh, she's up in um, more the uh, what can I say administration side now, and uh, to do with aged care. But um, it's you have a tough job. But I tell you what, the Australian people really appreciate um, the nurses. The nursing profession. I think you do a fantastic job. 
Oh, thank you very much, Pauline. Um, my question to you and um, everyone else there is I've seen what the universities are like. They um, are very left-wing. Um, they indoctrinate students and try and brainwash them. Um, and they have um, clubs there, um, like Socialist Alternative, to try and brainwash students. Um, and that is all funded by the taxpayer um, because universities fund these clubs that are funded, the universities are funded by the taxpayer. Yep. My question is, what would you do to try and prevent clubs like Socialist Alternative being funded by the Australian government through QUC or through other universities, um, and what would you do to prevent, um, you know, the brainwashing of students? And what I saw at universities was these universities, you know, they had a political agenda. They were trying to brainwash students, like, um, you know, they had they had your face on the walls, um, and you know, Tony Abbott, and just defamatory things about you and, you know, the Liberal Party. I think universities should be apolitical and not have a gen, a gen push an agenda. And they also had, you know, things about white men and how we uh, violent, aggressive men and, you know, just we always the attacker against females. So that's my question. Yes. Um, Jared, you're not raising anything new to me. This was when I was first in Parliament in 1996. I had two um, lecturers from the university come to see me and they explained exactly to me. They said, we were threatened if we don't teach a certain way and to the left leaning of politics, he said, we're without jobs. It was a man and a woman. I knew it was going on back then. What has happened over the period of time, they've put their own people in place and they've actually got a system now. It's not just the nursing profession. I've heard it from teachers that they are told to teach a certain way and if you don't go along with the system, you won't be graded highly and you will not get a pass. So they're actually... Um, controlling uh, the students and the people and you're frightened of actually going in, leaning any other way or showing your, your views or not happy with it. It's a shame that our system has got to that. How are we going to change it? Good question. Um, because it's who we employ. The people who are in the high positions are of that opinion. They're the ones that actually um, interview others or they're, they're like-minded. We've had that also in other areas of government departments where they're employing their own so you have this same mentality going through. It needs to change. Um, even in politics, I believe it's the same mentality that's going through in our politics, in our system as well. It's you need a strong-willed person who's going to be in there and you actually put a brush through the whole lot and you clean it out and um, you, you put people in place. And that's what they're, they're trying to do. The Liberal Party were aware of it with the Ramsey and uh, realised that there are problems in it. But if we allow them to get away with these teachings or allowing radicals to come out here and, and give their, their views and talk to the students, but they shut down anyone else, if you've got a, a right-wing point of view and they're shutting them down, this has to stop. There's got to be a balance. It has to be a balance, and we've lost right, that balance. I totally agree, Pauline. Jared, do you think um, it's gone too far, mate? Do you think do you think we've lost I, the universities, yeah, I, or do you think we've got a we've got yeah, a chance of bringing them back? I definitely agree with that. You know, I think we have lost them. Um, you know, just look at America. Um, you know, we got Ben Shapiro, Milo Yiannopoulos, they're speaking out. 
um, at universities and they get, you know, they get blocked from speaking. Um, I think, you know, even when I was at university, we were made to have assignments in a certain political way, otherwise we'd mark, get marked down. So I think it's a sad fact that, yeah, our university is all left-wing. Jared, um, I've, I've got but, I've got know. nieces and nephews that are in primary school and high school, and one of them in particular, I know his father, uh, has really taken offence to um, grounding, oh, not grounding, um, um, what do you call it, when they're detention. Detention if they disagree with the teacher on climate issues. So, and that's that's yeah. a central Queensland school. So I know there are issues even in the primary and high school system, so it doesn't surprise me that the universities are are just full of it. But then we've got, yeah, we've I think, got people. You know, where's the, yeah, sorry, Jared. Go where's on. the um, freedom of speech? Where's the freedom of political ideology? You know? Mm. And people should be entitled to their opinions, but don't brainwash the people. And that's, where, that's what, what is wrong with our whole system. People are being brainwashed, and it's starting in our educational system. It's going from the young ones in primary school, right through high schools and into the universities. And these, these people that um, who are becoming teachers, you know, their ability to actually teach needs to be questioned as well. And that's why we're going down in the educational process in Australia, because we haven't got competent teachers and they've been pushed through the universities. Yeah. So it's... You know, it's it's so wrong. And until we get... Would you raise these questions in Canberra, Pauline? Oh, I've spoken to the uh, to uh, Simon Birmingham about this um, in the talks when they were looking for funding for the Gonski. And I told him then at the time, I said, the teachers that you're pushing through the system. And apparently the teachers now, uh, the um, the tests, they're, they're employing them on 15... What is it, the ATR? Oh, oh they're, they're all different per state, yeah. The ATAR? Yeah, and I've heard that they're actually getting, getting them in Whatever. at 20, that they, they're putting them in as teachers at 20. Now, the cutoff point's 28. So these people being pushed through the system who don't have the knowledge or intelligence to actually become teachers but can't get any other jobs, and they're putting them as teachers at 15 and 20, the highest one is one. And they're down there and they're becoming teachers. Mm. And honestly, what I'm hearing is they, they don't have, um, and I'm not saying all of them, uh, not at all, but it needs to be questioned the um, ability of these people who are becoming teachers and, uh, and they've also told me, the old ones, these teachers have told me that they are being told they must teach a certain way and what they've got to teach. And the older ones, the older teachers, um, they don't like it. Mm. And they're frightened. Mm, I agree, and I've seen that at yeah. the university. And they're frightened. The older teachers are frightened to leave the system because of what they're leaving it to. And they're really concerned by the what the younger generation are going to be taught. So it's only going to get worse yeah. until we actually pull it up and take a strong stance. I fear for the for the future generations of this nation. Hey, Jared, it's been a good chat. Thanks for your yeah, call tonight, thanks, mate. Jared. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. You, you too, too, mate. Bye. One three hundred eight five seven four double six. You've got this humming now, Alex. This is what we want all night, all right? Uh, we've, you've got anything. Uh, we can quite, quite literally talk about anything. I think we've got Michelle. G'day, Michelle. How are you? Good, thank you. The boss is here to talk to you. Go ahead. You want to talk about immigrants? Um, yes, I would like to. Um, thank you for taking my call. Um, I come from a multicultural background myself. Um, on my father's side, first one born in Australia, um, on my mother's side, Several generations were born here before me. But it seems that many people are moving here 
the opportunity and the great country that we have and trying to make it the country that they came from and not accepting the country that it is. I hear that all the time from migrants that um, that have actually come here as well. They said, this isn't the country that we came to. We came here to be Australians. And a lot of people have immigrated and they've assimilated into our society. But there are others who feel oh, it was an opportunity for economic reasons or, you know, because there's problems in their own country, they felt it's best to move. And, um, you know, I, I just don't feel they'll ever want to assimilate or be part of this nation. That's a shame, um, but it's, yeah, they don't have the values of being Australian or don't want to. And I, did, I don't know whether you saw the report today, but there are 77 refugees arriving every day in the last month by aircraft in Australia. So that's the last month. The report was revealed today, 77 per day. What do you think of that? It's astronomical. I'm not sure how we're going to continue to support these people who don't support our country. Look, my concern is they, they come by air and they land here in Australia and as soon as they get uh, on Australian soil, they claim refugee status. So then you've got to give them the, the rights to actually uh, apply for it and go through the whole system that costs to the taxpayer. Um, I've, I have a grave concern for that and the number of people who are just wanting to push through the system. We've got people all around the world who have been waiting years to come out to Australia and go through the medicals and do everything like that because you get on a plane and then as soon as you get there or you destroy your identification so they can't chase up who you are and then you actually pay for, apply for refugee status. And these people who come in are actually, a lot of them are from Asia and Malaysia and India are two of the countries that they come in from claiming refugee status. And then they go into a system, they go through the uh, Australian administration tribunals if they've been denied to stay in the country. So they get a work visa, come out here, then they actually work, then they apply for refugee status as well. Then they're put into the system and it can take up to two years. In the meantime, they get a bridging visa, they're allowed to work. And then prior to the decision being made, which would possibly be what the government had said, no, they can't stay here, but they appealed against it, the cost of the taxpayer, then they up and leave the country after they've made some money out here and they go back to their own country. We've been taken for fools, a lot of people who abuse our system. I strongly agree. My husband's grandparents had to show two years of consistent savings before they were allowed to immigrate to Australia. Two years. Yep, all health checks and everything. And I've seen yep. people that, that, that have gone through it. People have been out here um, trying to get there uh, in Australia for seven years. They've been here, they've been through all the health checks, been through the, um, you know, the uh, checks, uh, security checks, everything like that, passed it, and uh, they're still waiting, yet they've been told now that they have only a matter of weeks, they must leave the country after being here for seven years, and yet we're allowing these refugees, and especially the Medivac, um, that bill that that Karen Phelps actually brought in, and thank goodness it was voted down, you know, um, the bill was voted down in the parliament, and they can't just come out to Australia and um, and stay here in the country. So I've, I'm all for looking after those, but these refugees around the world, 
Um, I'd like to see the money go into their country rather than bring them out here, um, stabilise their countries so they can stay in their own countries rather than bring them out here because under the budget of 2014-15, that stage, it was costing us $572,000 per refugee to keep them in a detention centre. And even now, to run these detention centres, it's $20 million a month. Thanks for your call, hey? one 857 466 Now, I want to bring up a photo which I don't even think you've seen this photo. I don't think I've shared it with you before. Well, that looks terrible. Are you worried about your posture? Oh, terrible. What is it? Do you know what this photo represents? Yes, that was in the Channel 7 studios the morning that I went on with Darren Hinch and David Kosh. So this was off, and a lot of people don't realise, time gets away on us so quickly, but that was this year when the New year? Zealand massacre occurred. Was it this year? It was, it was this year, only earlier this year. And you went yeah. on to Channel 7, you did your Monday morning regular spot. Yeah. You were supposed to be doing it from a remote location. You were in Sydney for some meetings, and... They, they said, no, 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 change of story. They rang me and they said, change of plans. You've got to come into the studio. Well, they offered for you to come into the studio. And they sent a driver to make sure you were picked up and everything else, um, which was a good thing because you didn't have a car. Yeah. But it was a setup, wasn't it? It was a setup. Because Darren we wasn't supposed to be in Sydney either. No. no. Not that I, I'm aware of, but they wanted him in the studio as well. We have never been on the program together live in that studio. Not on the panel together. No. no. And even beforehand, um, he wasn't in the green room with me. No. So they kept us apart, and then I got a surprise to see him in the studio. That's and, right. And then that was the It the was done last attack. minute. Yeah. yeah. It was done very last minute. So that was officially last day that you really did anything with Channel 7, wasn't it? Well, it was. Mm. And um, they wanted me to come back on the program, and I thought, no, not interested in going back on. And on it was the right before the election too. Um, Not far from the election. So, you know, it would have been easy for you to make that decision to say, oh, look, I'll just let that wash over and keep going. But I know what you're like. And you said, no, it's not going to happen. I knew as soon as it was said, that was it. And that no, was, that was the very last photo that was taken of you and Darren doing that. Look, I can actually, I'll, I'll cop it about it. And people said, oh, gee, that was pretty bloody rough on you, what happened, they both attacking you. And um, I knew it was rough, and I, I thought, oh, okay. And uh, there was a lot of comments in the Facebook page oh, up with it and the comments from it, and I couldn't believe it. So finally, after two days, I finally went and had a look at the tape, back at it. And once I looked back at it and I thought, wow, it was too. Now I understand what people were telling me, how they perceived it, how they saw it and what they got out of it. So I've, um, yeah, I've, I thought, no, I, I didn't need it. And, and, you know, it's about doing an interview, but David went on the attack that day. Yeah. yeah. He really went on attack with his, with his opinions and accusing me of things that wasn't the case at all. And... The same with Darren, um, the way he sort of went on about it. I'm not entitled to have my opinion, and they want to shut me down all the time. Yeah. Things are better, though, not between you and Koshi, but obviously with Channel 7, things have been a lot better recently, haven't they? Are they? <laughs> okay. 
on Channel 7. No. Hey, I'm congratulations not, I'm on... I'm not um, back on Sunrise, okay? No, 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 so, and, and no. well done. Um, Channel 9 invited you back as part of their new lineup today for, no, for the new year. Yeah. So. Um, no, let, let me just say with um, Channel 7, I went on once with them since, and that was yep. on that Bob Catter tour. Yep, the drought um, tour. And that was about to do with the drought tour because we had the message to get out there yep. about the people. So yep, that was important to me. That's why I went on at that one time. Um, I just, Koshy's never apologised to me and doesn't believe that he owes me an apology. That's the opinion. If you've got to ask for an apology, it's not worth having anyway, so keep it. So I've, um, no, I'll stand by my principle. I, I felt I didn't deserve that attack. And uh, so anyway, life goes on. Here we are talking to people, James. We don't need Channel 7. We don't need Sunrise. We're here talking to people. She doesn't so mean that. Great. She does not mean that at all, Channel 7. <laughs> I'm trying to get Stephen Andrews on. I know he is in a cane paddock at the moment, uh, and I've, it's so easy to just try and yell a number out and dial it in, but uh, I've got someone else pressing the buttons, which is, Alex, come here and grab this, mate. Come here in the centre. So, come here. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. There you go. There's, there's Alex. Alex runs a lot of... Can you just take... Oh, there you go. Here you go. Right. Alex runs this stuff, so say hi to Alex. And you'll be talking to him throughout the night as well. All right, one 800 if you want to have a chat. A very smart, clever young man. He is. Needs a shave, but Alex, should have got razors for Christmas, mate. Leave him alone. Your mates who we're about to speak to, Alan Parker is, uh, is a cane farmer. In fact, I think he's just about to leave the cane industry. After... All these years, family's been in the cane industry for so long. Uh, he was head of the Cane Growers Association up there in yeah. the Burdekin for a long time and certainly great help for us. And he's been a great help to every political party. I think I think he's taken a very apolitical approach. approach and um, He was only fighting for the cane growers. The industry. And the, that's Correct. right. Yep. And the code of conduct, which we got yep. for them. Mm -hmm. And because it was in the bottom drawer of the National Party and they weren't interested in doing anything about it. And um, they were, as Miles saying again, they were as useless as bloody tits on a bull and they didn't do anything about it at all. And uh, finally we got them and it saved a lot of the industry. All right. I think, have we got um, Stephen Andrew ready to go, Alex? Oh, Stephen. Hang on, we're keeping you hanging. So... Um, Anyway, that's uh, the, the cane growers have done very well in the last couple of years because I think they got proper representation because there was another political party nipping at their heels. Stephen Andrews up in uh, Morani tonight. Hi, Steve. All right, there you go. Okay, Steve, are you out in the field after those feral pests, I, are you? I am indeed. I've, I've made a guest appearance to the Burdekin with um, Al Parker and, and also Dennis Posibond and yeah. When we were speaking about the code, Pauline, that you were instrumental in, in bringing to uh, Queensland, they did tell me that they had a pig problem. And they thought they had one big bull, and I think I've got 11 so far this Ooh. season. So I'm glad I got them before the actual wet season come because I thought they, they'll just explode. There's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of pigs around at the moment, and the cane's getting damaged badly. I've spent a weekend with Stephen and he's taken me to cane fields up there where along the roadside looks perfectly normal. And as soon as you put a drone up, you can see they eat out absolute wads of cane and and they're bloody piggish, aren't they, to the sense that they'll rip it down, take a bite out of one stalk and then move on to the next one. And they just, 
the size of them and what they can eat. Steve, what, what's a feral pig eat a day? Well, look, it, 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 they eat a lot because obviously that's their, their name, the pig. But the, the way they eat is just they'll take one bite out of the stick of cane, destroy that, that actual particular stick and then go to the next one. They won't just eat that whole stick. So uh, very devastating. A lot of digging around the area and also walking through a lot of rat tail and, and noxious weeds to get into the cane going to and from water holes, which then, you know, brings the weeds into the paddock and just makes it so much more costly. And, and the whole thing just make, goes this big circle. So they're digging, and as they're digging, these seeds are falling into the dig, the holes that are dug, and then they, they populate, and it just gets worse and worse, just costs the whole, the whole circle of the cane fields money. Is there a bounty for these, um, for the pigs? You know, is there more that the state government can do to eradicate the, the pigs and clean it up, or they've just left it go and leaving it up to the farmers to clean up their own paddocks? So there's no bounty, and it's probably in the past they've done this, but what happened was people actually brought animals in from out west and, and, and actually populated and grew them in the cane field so that they could get continual bounty. Right. So what the government needs to do, you know, they've got all this leaf money and they're worried about particular runoff. Um, what they need to do is actually employ people to go out and take these pigs away. Whether they box them or not, that's up to them. But the point is they are dedicated to that job. The people that they work in or the grower groups that they work in understand who's working with them and there's no poaching, there's no people cutting fences. They go and do the job, they get rid of the animals, they get paid, you know, they take mm. people to take off the crown of thorns when they're actually not a feral pest. They're, they're there naturally. But there's no money ever, Pauline, given to the farmers and feral animals that need to be controlled that are killing the native ecosystem in the wildlife we have here in Australia. It's a real shame. Yeah, and I've heard that wild pigs do a lot of damage in the um, national forest. They won't allow the public in the national forest with their four-wheel drives, which they'll look after it, yet they allow feral pigs to actually destroy it and rut it and, and do a lot of damage there. Are you, you're on the floor of Parliament in, in Queensland. Um, Steve Andrews is our One Nation Member of Parliament for Morani in the Queensland State Parliament. Steve, have you brought this to the attention of the State Parliament, of what needs to be Absolutely. done here? Absolutely. Yeah. I spoke to him um, about the Shoalwater Bay area and how big that was, and because of the influx of, of, of foreign people that are coming there, with, especially with the flying, flying flu, well, Pauline, they basically pushed it back over to you uh, in the federal realm and said it's a federal issue. Well, even though that may be owned by federal, uh, you know, as far as part of the state for that particular thing, it does not take away the onus of the state to be able to to make sure that they quarantine or they have a plan in place. And that was an actual question I asked in the floor of Parliament. So they still haven't committed to anything like that. They, they are mm. yet to commit to it. And I think the sooner they do, if there is an outbreak of the swine flu, that's only, only just in the, the Indonesian region at the moment, um, we need to make sure that we've got a plan and they've got no plan. Steve, what's what's the deal? What other feral animals have we really really got throughout Queensland? We've got the, the cats, the foxes, the pigs, the, wild the, cat, dogs. the dogs. The cats are in a stage where yep, you've got goats, you've got feral horses, you've got feral cattle. Feral cattle, are, we went up into a logging area in my lecture the other day and the feral cattle were on the road everywhere. I couldn't believe it. it was, they were just, they're in plague proportions in some areas and you can't get to them because the way the state forest and the way that they've changed it over to national parks so it doesn't allow it. You, you can get permits, but it's a, 
a try and consume it's a hard way of doing it because obviously the red tape is never easy. So my biggest thing is they need to start looking at that. Um, they need to start putting real common sense ways of being able to implement good feral pest control managed over time to be able to go through and move through our districts. Go out, do a job, work away, work out in the radius in the circle and come back and mop up what's there so they always have control over it. The cats are terrible. Cats are up around seven kilos now and wow. I've seen all the quite as soon as I get rid of the cats, all the quails and everything return, all the beautiful little ground birds, um, the ducks, the four wallabies, the petongs, you know, they, the, they the, claim the, all the kangaroo rat. Yeah, but Steve, they claim this is all uh, the climate change. That's why the extinction of animals. You wouldn't hear them actually no, say it's, it's the feral animals that are destroying the, the wildlife out there. We can, we can say what we want, but I'll tell you what, all it is is the government turning their back yeah. on the actual issue and not spending money on that. And, you know, it's great to say all this climate change, but we, we live on, a, on an earth that's on a tilted axis that does an elliptical orbit around a very temperamental sun. We've been climate changing for all our years. That's still not going to address the population of feral animals. It's still not going to address the reduction in actual native animals and the destruction of what we're doing with the ecosystem. So the quick to blame is climate change. Why don't they grow up and realise that we've got a problem and address it? Stop spending money on stuff that you can't change. Well, Steve, you're in an area where the, the farmers have been blamed for the destruction of the reef and yet... Pigs are one of the biggest rooters when it comes to rooting up the riverbanks for roots and, uh, and worms and other, um, you know, things that they want to feast on, especially in this dry weather. It just ruins creek beds. So happy hunting tonight. And you hopefully... can't even walk through the cane furrow. It's that badly rooted up. Yeah. All around the guinea grass on the edges of the canals here, all rooted up. Everywhere you go, it's got nothing to do with the farmers doing that. No. That's the feral animals going to town. They're chasing the grubs and they're going into the soft soil. And all that stuff, as soon as we get the monsoons come through or as soon as we get the rain, straight into the river system. Nothing to do with the farmers. The farmers have lost as much as they can down. There's fellow cover crops here. They've got a stack of good stuff. They've got really good regimes in place. And, and they've, they've dropped down on what their usage is on, you know, different sorts of fertilizer, different chemicals. And it doesn't stop the pigs. And they, mm. it's hard because one of the guys said, oh, we've only got one big bull run there. Well, I've got 11 tonight already, yeah. and it's about 9 o'clock. It's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, happy hunting, mate. We've got a pile of people, but thanks for well, giving us the insight into what you're doing tonight, and uh, it's good to see another Happy New Year to you guys. Happy New Year yeah. to Queensland, and to all the farmers, and everyone, hopefully 2020 will be a different change in government for, for uh, Queensland, and we can have a, a sensible government that backs small business farmers and the community the way it can give us some hope rather than the despair that we've been getting in the past. So have a good one. See you later. Yeah, keep the great Bye, work, mate. Steve, and hopefully, you know, you've, um, you'll get yourself re-elected um, this year at the state. You're working hard to do that. No yeah. problem. Well, I tell you, there's not a, soul that, not a soul that doesn't know him up there yeah. from, from all the way in Mount Morgan. he has worked hard, but... All the way up to Serena and into Finch Hatton. I, oh. He's been helping the platypus up there. He's a little eco-warrior, Steve, and uh, and, he, yeah, no, and you I... will. You'll find him camped out in the middle of the night. I remember one, one night when he first was elected and he was sitting in a freezing cold hut, one of those little camouflaged huts, Sitting there trying to get a fox for some old lady whose chickens were getting taken. And 
That's the sort of stuff he was doing. Yeah, he didn't I know. Have to do no, it, he's passionate about it. He yeah, he's yeah. kept going to because there's really not enough people out there to no. get the feral pests and animals. So apart no. from his parliamentary duties, he's, he does that to help out he there. He does. Farmers and everyone. Yep. All right. We've got another caller here, Alex, Trevor, and Kelly from the Pacific Pines in Queensland. G'day, guys. How are you? Hello. I think I've got it here. Yes, I can hear. Some. Hello. Guys, I've got to make sure your radio's down or, or your Facebook's down in the background, otherwise you've got a 16-second delay. Down, the down. Yep, righto. How are you, Trevor? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Good. Pauline's waiting to have a chat to you. You're a miner in uh, what part, mate? From Curry. Oh, good. How are you going? G'day, Trevor. Hi, Kellen. How are you? Yeah, not too bad for New Year's Eve. Another year gone. Can't believe it. What about yourself? Yeah, oh, no, Pauline, look, mate, happy New Year to you and James. Thank and, you. Uh, you know, look, I'd just like to, I'd just like to say something. I, mate, we're, we're real good supporters of you. I've been supporters of you for years. Um, yep. You know, mate, look, I, I, I work in the mines, as I said. I've got to be drug tested to go to the mines, the dull bludgers. They, they don't have to be drug tested, you know, they just get handed out me money. Um, you know, you're doing a good job, mate. I, I like your work, love your work, and uh, I just want you to keep keep strong and, and just know that you've got a lot of supporters out there, you know what I mean? Uh, look, the supporters are absolutely fantastic, and I really appreciate it, and especially you giving a call in and, and expressing those words to me. Um, it's not easy all the time. But um, I think we've made a difference and we've given people some hope that there are, you know, we're pushing for those things that the Australian people want. So just doing our job and it's, and it's great to talk to you and I really appreciate the support. What's Kelly do, Trevor? Uh, Kelly's a nurse, mate. She works at the nursing home here on the Gold Coast, you know? Oh, so you, you work apart? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we work apart. I, I work away. I've just been away for five weeks. I just go 21 hours to get home, spend years even the missus, you know. Hi, guys. Hi, g'day, Kelly. It is, look hey, at this That's what people don't understand. Those in the yep. mining that actually go away for weeks on end, they're away from their families, away from their, yep. you know, the, the loved ones or the kids or whatever, and the other partner's yeah. home trying to rear the kids by themselves, and, it, and it's tough. Yeah. It, it is, is tough. It is tough yeah, for them. Uh, the family yeah, is well, between the two of us, we've got six kids between the two of us, oh, wow. and I work full-time, and Trev works away five weeks at a time, and I work in aged care, but we're about one on. We just wanted to ring up and say Happy New Year, and you're doing that's a fantastic job, and we love you, Pauline. Oh, so that's, that's lovely. That's our talk Thanks. tonight. Thanks, guys. That's great. Well, you have a great night. Together, right. and have we will, we will, yeah, take care of each Thanks other. Thanks for everything you do, yep. guys. We'll do. Hey, Paul, do you mind if I say something before you go? Go for it, Trevor. Yep. Uh, you really wish you didn't say anything. Oh, keep it going, Trevor. I just like, I just like to touch, I just like to touch on the base of the, the, the migrant community. You know, blokes coming, because I, I work out of the mines. I meet blokes from all different nationalities and races. And and the one thing I, I I really stand by here in Australia is if you come here to Australia and you're willing to work, I'm willing to pat you on the back. 
I was born and bred here in Australia, and you know, I work along some guys that are from different countries, and they work just as hard as me. I don't look down on them or up on them. You know what I mean? I I treat them as equals because they're out there yep. doing the hard yards. Just so like you me. should. That's correct. Yep. Yes. Yeah, you know, and and and, and you know, like I, I know Pauline, you you fought on migration and you touched on migration and that a lot. Uh, uh, before, you know, like, um, you know, I, I, I just think, you know, if people want to come to this country, there's plenty of work out there, plenty of work opportunities. You don't have to go to the major cities. Uh, you go out there in the bush and there's plenty of work. There's work in, you know, in abundance, you know. I hear that about rural and regional areas and what Australians are finding. A lot of business people are telling me that they can't get Australians to actually apply for the jobs and come out and work. That's why they're bringing out these people on the 457 visas or, the, or all the other visas that they're coming, bringing out, them out on. And that is, I have a real problem with that. I want to know why Australians won't go out of their way or go and find these jobs and apply for these positions. Why are business people telling me they're getting, finding it hard to get Australians to actually work? And especially in the in the fruit picking industry, James, isn't it? You've been involved oh. in that. You can't get Australians. They don't, nope. even, they don't even bother trying to interview or get Australians anymore. They bring out foreigners out here. So we can't keep doing that. You know, we, if we want Australians here, we can't keep paying them the, the doll um, and on new starter welfare for the rest of lives. It is not a way of life. It should not be a way of life. It should be a hand a hand up while they until they get a job. So, you know, we've got to look at the system that we have. And, uh, and I've got no problems with people who are hard workers come to Australia, but then I've got to ask the question, why aren't Australians getting out there and putting the hard yards in the hard work? Trevor, you keep working hard. Kelly, right, thanks. thanks for doing everything in your right, nursing night. home. It's great. Thanks very much, Lee. Yeah, good hey, on you. Stay safe and have a good New Year. Bye, guys. My grandfather just went into a nursing home this year. It was one of the toughest decisions, but I can tell you the work that the staff in Biwa do, fantastic. Very yeah, good job. You said that. Oh, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's actually and really said, clean. You said he was in the Ipswich Hospital. He said <laughs> absolutely fantastic, yeah. the Ipswich Hospital. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, he's been very well looked after. He's yeah. only in his late 80s or mid-80s, but, um, yeah, it was a tough call, and I know it's been tough on the entire family. And, um, and I think part of his setback was loneliness. He was at home yeah, alone all the time. And um, while he's not technologically savvy, so he won't be watching this, it's um, it's nice to know that tonight he'll either be around my family or he'll be around uh, other people his own age that he can enjoy their company. So, yeah, it's quite nice. I've got Richard, oh, yep. Richard, where's my coffee? This is the longest is coffee ever. You better be here. I like it hot. I can't believe this. You can't get good help. One three hundred eight five seven four double six is our number. If you just want to chat about anything, you might be at home alone tonight. You might just be with a couple of friends having a quiet sherbet or two on the back bench or the back deck. Back bench, back deck. It doesn't matter. Um, but anyone would think I've had a drink tonight. One three hundred eight five seven four double six is the number. You'll probably speak to Cheryl. Uh, Rod's in the corner and Alex is doing his best as well to patch things through. We've got another caller here from St George, our favourite little spot, St George. We were there with Bob Catter earlier this year. We've got Ricky, but I've got a weird phone ring, mate. What's happened to him? 
Good old Ricky. Give Ricky a quick call back. The trip with Bob, it was good fun, that drought tour. It was good fun. Uh, quite surprising. It was Melbourne Cup Day and um, where were we in Cunnamulla? No, we were Charleville. Charlotte that night. Well, we actually had about 85 people in that hall that day. Yeah. And uh, that was at one o'clock and the race was, races had started at that yep. time. So it was uh, quite interesting. It was a good trip. We had a lot of people turn out. It was excellent. They were angry out there. Ricky's online from St. George. Hi, Ricky. Hi, Ricky. Hi, here you go. Happy Hello. New Year. Yes. You too, mate. Same to you. Yes. What are you up to? Oh, mate, oh, I'm just a single guy home alone. Oh. Just, um, yeah. Still dry out there. You, you haven't got any yeah. rain out there at all, mate? No, nothing at all to speak of, mate. And the, the river's getting really low too, so... Um, what surprised yeah, me, Ricky, was when we were out there, we were surprised that yeah. we spoke to a young bloke and he said, you know, this drought, people think about just the farmers and, and we've seen a lot on the farmers, but St George surprised me. There was a concrete batching plant in St George that yeah. said if we don't get rain, we can't make concrete delay That's right. yeah. slabs. So everything slows up. The building industry slows up. So... It's amazing how we don't think about these little things. But anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Ricky. You've got business no, no, issues. Right. Yeah, we, I've got a um, 40-acre property, nine kilometres out of St. George. We bought in 1996 and we developed it up into, into a camping van. You know, you know, we're through all the commercial rules and regulations we have to get it done. Um, in 2014, and that we, we drafted, cleared, and... We also do backpackers and that, and uh, one of the big farms here that I was related to that we got 70% of our income from at that time closed there. So I've been battling, battling since then, and um, we're hoping to build our industry up on, on the tourism because we've got to kill them with a river front here, all that. Of course, we've got billabongs, we've got Aboriginal star trees, you know, so the plan was to build tourism. But um, since 2014, since the drought and that has struck us, the Bullion Tri Council, have started um, implementing all free camping that career at the Shire. We used to have the Coven Cove yeah. run through here back in the early days, and all the little stock water watering holes, of course, we've got on, got on the bays and we've um, you know, put footpaths and gravel and all that kind of stuff, and we've given free camping here all through the Shire, and it's really it's destroyed our business here. And um, I've been talking to Richard. Hopkins, he's been helping me in that river. And my rates, the person who's trying to sell me up on my rate, um, I, I only owed $8,000, but with the interest in surcharge, they put another $20,000 on it. And they were trying to sell us up to claim $30,000, and they wouldn't do anything to help us. And um, Richard and that had rang them and spoken to them and all that kind of stuff, but they weren't willing to do nothing. They were little girls offering them up and all that, and... Um, they were just going to go through with the auction. It was to be held on the um, 1st of November, and I'm um, behind a little more banking in that as well, Pauline. I was part of the Royal Commission, which started out as a witness to the parliamentary requirement. Yep. And then it went into the Royal Commission um, under predatory lending. So we've been, I've been doing it really tough here. And um, in, in now the council, they've already got six of these three. Camping sites built up in around the shire, 
So it's destroyed your business. Yeah, so it's destroyed your business. And, and are they charging for the camping grounds, the council? Well, actually, the mayor, the mayor who has a local youth agency, we need to be an advocate for this free camping. You have to people coming to town, you give them free camping. And they buy more pies and beers and youth agency products. And this is their mayor. Yeah, it's if there's, it's not right because you have uh, set yourself up in business, and uh, for the council to come along and know for free camping, I can understand that they're trying to get tourists into the town, but to put up, you said six camping grounds. Yeah, no, that's not fair for your business. And then because you can't pay your rates, they're going to force to to sell you up and auction off your property. That's right, and we didn't have the money to pay them, and. Um the other reason I've got to pay them was that an, an unknown person off the paper contacted us and lent us some money. Otherwise, they would have sold their property. A million dollar property to reclaim. I was about eight or nine thousand dollars in late for them. Yep. And they stuck yep. another twenty thousand dollars on it. Why? Over the last. Uh, why do they yes. put another twenty thousand dollars onto it? Do you know well, why? It's just in the, in the interest and fair charge. The interest. Okay. Have you had that looked at legally? The legality of I've been trying to um, give legal aid, but um, nobody will take the care for all the local solicitor. Now he, I had an appointment that going to him, and he rang me up the last night and said, Look, there's going to be a conflict of influence. We can't, we can't take yeah. you on. Well, oh, I'm sorry, we have a legal aid, and nobody, nobody wants to. Yeah. Yeah. Ricky, I'm not, um, you know, in a solicitor or anything like that. What? Look, contact my officer. We've got your number. We'll contact you next week and just get the details rather than on air discussing this. And, um, yeah, 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 and let's fine. let's just follow it up because I think um, what they want to charge you interest on that over a couple of years. I think it's it's. Um, Unreasonable. So let's just from my office, and we'll contact you, okay? Yeah. And just follow this up for you. Ricky, you have a good night, mate, and we'll follow it up. And it's good to hear Malcolm Roberts's office has been helping you too. So we will touch base with oh, well, that's Malcolm. Good. So okay. that's very good. All right. Nice to hear people from St George. Now you've got that emu egg from St George. Stavros. Stavros. Stavros, and I got the emu egg. He. Look, if you ever go through St. George, um, there is um, an emu egg display. Now, yeah. Stavros came to the country, oh, about 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. And uh, had his family out here, hard worker, and he actually self-taught about yeah. emu carving. Yeah. His display in... St. George. St. George. Yeah. It's just where the council building is. The just down road. the road. It's basically nearly next door to the council building on the main road. Go in and have a look. It's absolutely fantastic. And he does the talk. He does the whole tour yeah. through the through the display. And his daughter set up a really good coffee shop on the right-hand side. So it's good. Good oh, coffee. Good coffee. Uh, and it's hard to get good coffee in the bush at times. Go and see the display. It's just amazing. Mm. It's over years. He... he 
doesn't um, he doesn't sell the eggs. No. He's, uh, he will commission it. If you want a special egg, he will actually do it for you. But the carving, and quite interesting about an emu egg is that it's got seven layers of shell. So it's carved out, the shell is carved out by a, like a really fine pen knife. And the deeper you go in the shell, the lighter it becomes. Mm. That's where they do, they do the designs in the in the shell. And it looks good. He's got little lights in each of them. I've got a beautiful one. Yeah. He I, actually, I put it on did. today to show the grandkids. Mm. Um, hi, Stavros. And uh, his whole family's out there too, so it's nice. That's We've it. got Kate, um, who's called in. Kate, where are you from? I'm in Victoria. What part of Victoria? Wallen. Wallen in Victoria. We're probably about 20 k's north of the city. How are you going with the bushfires down there? Oh, we're all right at the moment, but um, I'm just a bit concerned. Yep. But um, the, the fuel wage is worse than what it was in Black Saturday. Oh. Um, that's not good. It's just... Negative listening. I want Paul to go back to Parliament and get listening devices for all the parliamentarians. She's the only one listening, and we need we need someone in Victoria rather than Daniel Andrews because he sold us out to the Chinese. Yeah. Well, we came very close to winning the Senate seat, seat in Victoria. So there is, you know, building support for One Nation. So see how we go up the next uh, the next elections down there. We didn't stand in the state election, but um, for maybe the next state election and the federal election definitely will be standing for candidates uh, in, the, in the election. Really, people need to distinguish state and federal issues too. Yes. I mean, the bushfires are a lot to do with the state. Yep. And not a federal issue. I mean, it can oversee the whole lot, but we're just simply not doing enough, and we need more Aboriginals in here to tell us how to do it. Yeah, they're not afraid to burn the bush when it needs doing. In fact, Jimpana, who we deal with quite a lot, she's an elder out at um, uh, Uluru, has said it's like sweeping the floor. She says it's. We do it regularly, and we do it because it's like sweeping your floor at home. And the more you let it build up, the harder the work it is to deal with later. So it's a, it's a good analogy. I, I think it's great. And, Kate, what's your New Year's resolution? Um, just be happy. That's all. <laughs> That's good. That's all. I'm a bit over all um, what's happening at the moment. It's very, very sad. Yeah, it is. Terribly sad, but... That's the part of life when people don't do what they should be doing. Yeah. Totally agree. Yep. It's the a time. The Commission and not always greens hiding under bushes at the moment. Well, I hope this is a big awakening for a lot of councils around the country that will actually start taking control of their areas and, um, and looking after them so we don't have this devastating effects again by bushfires because of, of the green movement in Australia. You know, we're all, we all want to protect and look after the environment, but I think it's gone beyond common sense. It's ridiculous what they have done. So anyway, we need to all work together. Mm. Kate, oh, nice to hear from you. That's eh? what it needs. We all need to work together. And I love you. Keep up the good work. You do. Yeah. All right. Happy New Year to you. You too. 
Happy New Year. Bye, Kate. Bye. Bye. One three hundred eight five seven four double six. We've got plenty of people just giving us a call and and the range of conversation. I I know we've spoken a lot about family law. It's close to everybody's heart, really, isn't it? It's almost like cancer. It's really touched everybody in the community, whether it be grandparents, yep. uncles and aunts, uh, brothers and sisters, it does. And then, of course, the long-term effect, as we've seen when we've done the, uh, the, the forums, is that the kids eventually grow up and they have a say. And they're not impressed often with the way in which one parent was locked out. Did I tell you, uh, and I think people should know, we actually have a, a parliamentary scheme where we can do go and work with the defence personnel yeah. and defence forces. And it's voluntary, so yeah. if you want to go and do it. I've got some photos now, Last here. year I went over to Afghanistan. Yep. So that was an interesting trip. We went to um, Dubai. We were at the base there for a few days. And at, at the base you've got to go through three days training. Mm -hmm. And then from there we went by Hercules over for five hours and flew over to Afghanistan to Kabul. Mm -hmm. Now, I was with Kimberly Kitchener. Yeah, that's yes. welcome, Labor. I, I was trying to hint that before. And oh, I just didn't think of Kimberly. Anyway, she's fantastic. Yeah. I, she, she was a good travelling mate when I went mm. to uh, over there. We actually had to wear a full gear and uh, the protection vest and went into the Bushmaster. That was interesting. We went out to another side outside. Um, we had to stay a second night because there was talk about a car bomb that was mm. car that was driving around. So they actually drive around the cars and they'll go up to the Bushmasters and they'll just explode the car. So they didn't want us going back to the camp in Kabul that night. So we stayed another um, at the camp again. I can't think of the name of it, um, the camp that we're in. But I found it very interesting to actually talk to the soldiers over there. And a lot of them said that they want to be there. It's yeah. their dream, basically, to get over there and... Um, Put their training into use. Well, it is. That's exactly what it's about, all their training. But they're there for about six months, seven months, and they're looking forward to come home by the end, mm. but they're missing their families. They want to come home. But um, it was very important to actually go there and see what's happening. I went through the academy, and that was the Afghan academy, and they are training their own personnel, their own soldiers, and with the training help from the Americans, the Canadians and the uh, Australians that are training the young ones coming through. And all that training was quite interesting to watch. <clears throat> and the young ones have got more common sense. They need to get rid of the older ones where they put a t an age limit. So 65, they must retire. Mm. And the older ones were trained by the Russians. And right. they have this mentality where they want the young ones coming through. But it was the Afghanis. It was about. very yeah. interesting too because they have women now who are joining the forces that were in the classes with men mm. and that was not thought of. Even women now are becoming into the police force and they're getting into jobs where they weren't allowed to be. So it's liberated the country, it's liberated the people and it's liberated um, you know, the, the women as well. They've all have also shown about democracy. So we have been helping them with their voting system where the people want their democracy to be able to vote. And they had the elections over there and a couple of bombs went off and the people were, were you know, murdered. And what they did was um, they still lined up. 
They still want their freedom. They want mm. their democracy. And these people now are saying, we shouldn't be there, shouldn't be fighting it. If we don't sort out the problems there, it will come here to our, our own country. Mm. So they're wanting, they're wanting the freedom. They want to um, get rid of the terrorism, the Taliban and ISIS. And I think that our involvement over there is so important. I don't believe that we should pull out our troops in the immediate future. I can see that we should be there in the long term, 5, 10, 20 years, until those young ones come through. They actually build up their own forces, take control of their own country and can do the job properly and not be taken over again. You've enjoyed these trips, haven't you? And, and they're yes. so... It's informative been, too. It has. Yeah. And just recently, uh, a couple of months ago, I did the subs. I know. I don't have those photos here to show people. All right. They're fantastic photos. Send them over to me and I'll get them up in, a, so in, a, in another I break. Did, yeah. So I did the subs. And on the subs, it was quite interesting. So the first time ever, and there was, um, four, there was uh, four of us that went on that trip. Mm. Five, four or five. Mm. Anyway, we went out in the subs for two full nights. So for 48 hours, we were underwater and we went to a depth of 165 metres and sat on the bottom. But well, the um, first politicians to actually go and do overnight stay. Yes. You were, weren't you? Yeah. Well, with there the were, others. There were with three the, others? Four with, others. With the, about four others. Yeah. Sam, one, two, three others. Yeah. One, yeah, three others. There was four of us on it. So that's the first time they've actually had overnight. Normally they'll take them out, polys out for the day, turn yep. around and then come back. But they actually organised for that program to go out. It's not for everyone. It can be very claustrophobic. And we actually slept in the bunks directly underneath the torpedo, which was about a foot from my face. That's 30 centimetres. We've got to get these else. photos up because they are incredible shots and you, it, it's and hard to believe you're so close to those torpedoes. Well, it, well it is. And it, was, and it was interesting too, and even talking to them and the workings of a sub. But I, what I learnt more about it is, is the diesel engines that we have, diesel electric engines, and yet we're spending... They claim 50 billion, but it's more—it's more likely going to be 80 or even up to 100 billion to build new subs that they're building, and it's going to be untested. Mm -hmm. The Barracuda—they are going backwards instead of going forwards. Now, this first sub is going to be built by—I think it's about 2036 before we get the first one. The last one's going to be built in 2050. This is 12 submarines. They're going to be. Old hat by the time we get the last one where we got where we should be having nuclear subs half and half if you want to, but we've got to go to nuclear subs. There's two things. A diesel can sit on the floor, a nuclear sub can't. They've got to keep, keep moving. moving. Mm. Whereas a nuclear sub will travel a lot faster distance than what a diesel can. And they can stand the water longer. Yes, you can only stay underwater for for uh, three days max in a diesel. You've got a surface for the air for the because the engine uses the oxygen. Correct. Mm. So as a nuclear can stay under underwater unlimited time, mm. and not only that, because the distances that we travel, because the size is the size of Australia, if we've got the subs on the on the west coast and something happens on the east coast in the Coral Sea. It's going to take you days, if not a week, to get around in a diesel. War could be over by then, couldn't it? Well, With modern warfare. It's a, it, this has not been 
thought out. This mm. is the sheer stupidity and talking to the personnel there, they agree with my logistics of the whole lot. We have banked up calls, so I believe we've got Sapphire ready to go. Perth. Hello, Sapphire. Have I got oh hang on, the wrong button. Sorry, that's my fault, Alex. Hi Sapphire. Is Sapphire gone? Hi. No, I think she'd bug it off. You got her back, mate? It's all right. Mm, anyway. Talking too much, but a lot of people talk about this, um, the subs, the money we're putting into it, and I think it's ridiculous. Yep. Alex, can you get Question. another one up for me, mate? Yeah. 1-300-857-466. As we count down to News E for 2020, this is a really odd way for oh, us to do a New Year's. Well, it's, it's almost, one what hour, is it? Seven, seven minutes till New South Wales starts celebrating yes look at the fireworks down there i don't mind the fireworks in so sydney we got sapphire hi sapphire ah, we got another gremlin in the system for some reason we'll sort it out but that's okay um if you're around the sydney harbour by all means give us a call one three hundred eight five seven four double six. uh if you're around uh perhaps uh an event where fireworks were cancelled how did those uh celebrations go tonight because some people just don't bother coming out if there's no fireworks. That's true because they mainly take the kids out. They like to yeah. see the kids to see the stuff. And so there was an event in Rocky a few weeks ago. I went to, they cancelled the fireworks because of the fact that, um, you know, the place is like a tinderbox. Council were good enough. They donated the money to the rural fire service, which is great. But, you know, the people still turned out, which was good to see. Yeah. And it was. It was It was like a gold coin donation to get through the gate. They had good food stalls and Rocky turned it on that night. It was at the showgrounds and, and well-supported community right before Christmas too. So people were doing some local shopping as well as just getting out. I think it's a great thing out. in Queensland and I think it's a great idea through the councils. They actually have on your rates, they take out some money for you contribute towards the rural fire service on your rates. And I think it's People good. People are struggling with their rates, but... I know they're struggling. It's, it's a few dollars, but the fact is that they're there to protect yeah, you of your properties. Um, yeah. If and those people are out there helping you and, and oh, look, volunteers. So don't begrudge it. One but bit. They don't do that in the other states. Mm. Put it part of their their rates. Well, remember when we used to have to pay ambulance fees in Queensland separate to your electricity, and then we built it into the electricity costs. Yeah. So, anyway, um, how are we going with the telephones, Alex? No, nah, I'm getting the big nod for a moment. Um, if you want to do a break, I'm happy to shut down, do a reset, and we come back with more calls. Totally up to you. Do you need a break? You said to me you wouldn't last, to be quite honest. You did. I thought it was a long time. I'm surprised my voice is held out. I normally have this You've got two hours croaky, to go. This croaky voice. An hour in New South Wales, two hours in Queensland, but uh, anyway, we've, we've had a few little technical gremlins from time to time with this, but overall we've still got plenty of calls to air. How about we have a break for about five or ten minutes mm. and then we'll come back and... I'll load up. How about I rip off all those photos from your phone right. so we've got some fresh new images we can use to come back and show you as well. So Sounds great. We'll be back shortly and... Yeah, we're doing it. Uh, we're back on air again. Uh, we're doing it for New Year's Eve. This is the Lonely Hearts Club, more or less. Pauline's uh, decided to spend the night with us and you uh, right through till midnight, Queensland time. I'm sorry, Western Australia. I don't think I can get a 
to stay up till two. What do you reckon? It's not happening, James, right? So, sorry, Western Australia. I don't think I can manage it. No, I don't think I can either. Last year, I didn't even stay up for New Year's Eve. I went to bed. Mm. No, I think it was two years ago we did New Year's Eve in Brisbane, and uh, that was at the... What was that boat? I can't think, but it's uh, over on the south side. No, 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 it was the, the war boat. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, I yes. can't think what it is now. one 800 if you want to have a chat with Pauline tonight. Reach out and just have a chat with us. I think we've got... Uh, who we got on here? John. John. G'day, John. How are you? James, uh, good evening uh, to you and uh, to Pauline. Pauline's here, mate. Have Hi. a good chat with her. Hello, hey, John. Hey, John, just out of interest, is it true, someone's just whispered in my ear that uh, you were once upon a time the, the former boss of the CFMEU? Former president. Uh, uh, James and Pauline, yes. I've, uh, I've had uh, quite a, uh, an interesting uh, career. Um, I'm the former state secretary of the CFMEU uh, for uh, several years. I'm also the president of, uh, former president of the Trade Hall Council in Canberra for three years, uh, former uh, senior industrial officer for the Commonwealth Public Service Union. Former senior industrial officer for the Federated Clark Union here in Queensland. You're making me and feel inept, John. You got all these titles. Uh, I then went into the executive ranks, and uh, you know, I spent uh, I don't know 15 odd years um, in uh, mining, oil, and gas doing industrial relations. So, um, yes, I do have that background. Good. How can we help you tonight? Uh, look, um, uh, James and Pauline, I just wanted to uh, uh, pass on some encouragement, if I can. I don't have any specific issues that I want to rant about. Um, uh, there, there are so many other people that have uh, lots of other genuine issues, but I wanted to pass on some encouragement uh, to say that uh, I believe that there is a real turning going on out in the electorate uh, here in Queensland. I, uh, I'm born and bred in Queensland, and... Uh, uh, I'm a third-generation Queenslander. Um, the, uh, uh, the major parties, the LNP, the ALP, the Greens, um, they just think, and I mean think, they're really on the nose uh, out in amongst the, the electorate. And I don't just mean unpopular. Um, there's, uh, uh, they're, they're viewed as being treacherous uh, to Australia and, uh, and our national interests. Um, oh, I think that uh, One Nation uh, has a real, real chance uh, in uh, the coming Queensland election later on in 2020, uh, in you know, 10 or 11 months' time. Um, I am certainly committed uh, where I'm going to be uh, working my butt off uh, to go and talk to a lot of those blue-collar trade union boys um, in the building, construction, mining uh, and uh, energy sector and tell them to dump the ALP and to vote One Nation. Uh, I believe you guys really have a show later on this year if, uh, if momentum can be built, because uh, by jingo, man, uh, these major parties, they are really, really on the nose. I'm picking that up as well, John. Um, you know, I think the, my stance about the Ensuring Integrity Bill... And look, I voted with the government on the ABCC bill. That was to actually clean up the construction industry as well. And I've spoken to the CFMEU and I said, get your act together 
and uh, get rid of the rogues that are in there because we need unions. Um, I know the unions are angry with the government and the Labor Party for bringing in more workers from overseas. Australians are not getting jobs. There's not enough full-time jobs. It's going to casualisation. I know there's a lot of issues there and uh, I'm concerned about the Australian people. So, you know, I'm trying to find a balance that is going to work for businesses and also for workers, Australian workers. I think we can do it, but I think they need to sit down and say, okay, where are we going? What do we want to do? I'm sick of the political bun fight. Everyone's pushing their own agenda without really looking at what is the best interest for this country. Look, uh, Pauline, um, the, the, the trade union movement in, in Australia is on the verge, they're right on the cusp of a total wipeout. And I mean wipeout. Um, the fourth industrial revolution uh, is, is here. Um, robotics, artificial intelligence, nanotechnology, etc., 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 is going to be unleashed uh, in this country and around the world. And uh, that is going to wipe out the trade unions. But not a word from them. The trade unions in this country have lost the bloody plot. I'm appalled. I'm appalled by uh, the, uh, the, uh, the disconnect between the interests of the working class in this country and the trade union movement leadership. I'm appalled by it. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm further appalled, I'm not surprised, but I'm further appalled with the disconnect of the uh, Australian Labor Party. They are just disgraceful, absolutely disgraceful. Um, and uh, I, I think that their days are numbered. Their days are numbered. Um, and I don't think, uh, I mean, I've known Anthony Albanese since he was 16. I mean, we've known each other for, for decades. And uh, yes, Anthony's a nice bloke, but uh, there's no way in the world he's going to be able to turn this around. Um, you know, there, there's some very, very big confronting issues facing Australia um, and, uh, and facing the trade union movement, and not a word. Not a word coming out of them. Um, you, you hear all this identity politics and other bullshit coming out of them, and uh, I just oh, I think they're totally lost. But I hear what you're saying in terms of um, uh, trying to talk some sense to them and trying to reason with them, and I, I, I support that. But there is a big turning coming up here in Queensland, uh, Pauline and uh, James, and uh, I'm, uh, uh, I'm I'm putting it on the record out in public. Uh, I'm going to cop a lot of flack over this, but they can they can go and get stuck for mine, mate. Uh, um, yeah, we come from a tough old family, the Wilsons, and uh, I can assure you, um, I'm going to be out there organising, uh, organically pushing, and organising for one nation right up onto the election day. John, I really appreciate the support you that you're showing me. Um, I, I just want to put it out there to the people: no deals. None whatsoever was done with the CFMEU or any other trade union in the way I voted on the floor of Parliament. I believe that I, I voted in a way that I saw what was what was best for the for the country and the people. So I, you know, mm. no working for us on polling booths with the election, nothing. It's a prize, you know, and I appreciate your phone call. This was not organised, and I just wanted to make it quite clear that I'm upfront yeah. with everyone, and there was no deals done, regardless of what. 
the Liberal Party or maybe the National Party or the Labor Party might think that there was a deal done with the unions. There was no deal done. I left my door open and I spoke to everyone. I had about 10 unions come through and speak to me with regards to this issue. No one knew which way I was going to vote until the last minute. Even everyone was shocked the way that I did vote. Yep. And uh, after I assessed it, I researched it, I spoke to people from all sides and then I made my final decision on how I believe that we should have voted with my colleague Malcolm Roberts who backed me completely. I don't regret the way that I voted but um, I would like to further investigate that we need to work together with the unions. I'm hearing it from businesses, I'm hearing it from you know those people out there with their jobs and are trying to um, survive. I'm hearing from workers. We haven't got it right and we need to get it right. Mm. And that's what yep. I'm going to be working towards. Ed, can I just pass on? A, I've only got one real sort of question, uh, Pauline. If yep. I can just pass it on a couple of comments. Um, uh, you mentioned uh, quality of staff and the people around you. Um, I can't speak highly enough of uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts. Um, he is a uh, he does all the hard yards. Malcolm is a bloody champion, yep. and uh, I also uh, think very highly of Mark Latham. I've known Mark for many years. Um, in my old days in, in the Labor Party, I'm, I'm no longer a member of any political party, Pauline. But my old days of the Labor Party in the union movement, um, I can't speak highly enough of Mark's work. Um, I've also got one comment, uh, if I can, for James. Uh, James, you, you, when you mentioned businesses, um, I can't speak highly enough of a local Sunshine Coast business, um, and uh, I believe he's a relative of yours, this Aspie Boat Builders, oh, yeah. um, Adam Aspie. <laughs> yep. um, he, uh, uh, I spent a lot of money with Adam, and he's done uh, a lot of work on my boat. I live on my boat. I've got an historic 70-year-old um, boat that's registered with the National Maritime Museum, and uh, Adam and his crew up there done a magnificent job. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to pass that on. I don't need to comment. Um, the question I do have for Lynn is uh, related to uh, the Trump administration. Um, uh, what is your um, uh, relationship or views? Do you have any views or do you have uh, any relationship uh, with the Trump administration in the USA? None. None. No. no, I haven't no. met. No, okay. no, I haven't. No, um, I was very happy that Trump got elected, um, but I yep. have not had no contact with him. I have not met him, um, so I don't. No. Okay, you've answered everything. Uh, that's all I've got, guys. Uh, I want to thank you both again. It's been uh, been well worth waiting and the opportunity okay. to have the chat. Thanks, Thanks, John. John. Take care. Yeah. Happy New Year. Enjoy your boat. Okay. That sounds New nice. Year. I'm guessing it's down there at Malulaba and Marichador, is it? Uh, it's that, yeah, Kiwana Waters, mate, yep. uh, Malulaba. I'll look out for it. Sounds like a nice old classic. <laughs> uh, yes, no, I'm actually in the Brisbane River, mate. Uh, <laughs> I'm tied up at the, at the dock side. But uh, the business, Adam's business is up at uh, Malulaba. Yeah, another and, one. And, uh, yeah, he had my boat up on the stand there for about six months. I spent a couple of hundred thousand dollars uh you know, in conjunction with him, I had other tradies working for me as well. But yep. man, oh man, he done a fantastic Good. job for me. Really, really proud of those guys. Good. Good work. Thanks, John. Right. Appreciate the call. Thanks, John. Bye. Okay. Oh. Happy New Year, guys. You too. one 800 is the number. And um, just tell you what, you've got a whole bank of people just waiting. Gary from yeah, Radley's. No, we, we should keep it. I oh. We should so, keep it a little bit tighter. 
Yep, we will. We'll uh, we'll keep him short. Gary from Laidley should be ready to go. G'day, Gary. How are you going there, Alex? He should be coming through any second. Hello, Gary. Mm, looks like one of those bugs back in the system. What is this? Hang on. We're getting him back on the line. It's interesting to hear. I know, as I said earlier when we started, it didn't matter which way you went with your vote. There was always going to be an accusation. Labor Party were very quick during the ABCC to say that you'd done a deal with the Liberal Party. That's right. And then wasn't it interesting to see the reaction of the Liberal Party when you voted against that ensuring integrity bill? It was like you put a, a knife through their heart, quite literally. Yeah. Um, what, was, what was the word that blindsided? Yeah. The test corpsman said they were blindsided. And then they said that I actually did a deal with them. Well, I said, if I've done a deal with you, and they said it was in text, I said, show the text. Mm -hmm. Never have presented any text messages that I actually said I would support the bill. Yeah. I asked them questions, and I actually put up the amendments to it because I didn't know which way Jackie Lambie was going to vote, whether she'd vote yeah. with it. And then I thought, well, if, if she does vote with it, at least we've got amendments up that I thought would actually um, help it a bit. And um, I spoke to Albanese that day. I said, support the amendments, because he wasn't going to support any amendments. That and was I early said, in the week, not that yeah, day. That's right. That, that was early in the week. And um, I said, just have a look at it. And I said, if it does get up, at least it will actually soften it a bit. And he said, I'll have a look. So that no one opposed my amendments on the floor. It got across on the, on Jackie the voices. Lam Jackie, that's correct. Jackie Lambie's amendments didn't get up. No. But mine got up. And uh, and then, of course, um, she didn't vote for it either. And she had no idea because at the last minute, although we worked um, – together on it with the amendments and, and different things, not with my amendments, she had hers. And uh, I said to Jackie, Jackie, no point asked me how I was going to vote. I never asked her. I said to Jackie, I said, I will tell you at the last minute how I'm going to vote before it goes to the vote. And mm. that's what I did. That's when I was sitting beside her in Parliament. I told her, I said, Jackie, that's when I'm making my decisions, what I think is best for my party and for, you know, for the country. I said, you make your own decisions, what you think you should be doing. And um, she didn't vote with the government. She said thank you. She did. She did appreciate that. It was interesting watching it from the office because nobody else in our office knew. Nobody in Malcolm Roberts's office, apart from obviously Malcolm, knew. And it was just interesting to see the dynamics play out after that vote went through. And you should have seen the Labor Party. Some some people there, they could not believe. And, and I remember Senator Glenn Stirl, he actually said, um, what happened there? <laughs> and Labor members that haven't even bloody spoken to me yeah. actually mm -hmm. came up and spoke to me. And it's the first time conversation, real conversation I've had with Penny Wong in over three and a half years. Yeah. She actually spoke to me. We've got someone here. Oh, Gary from Laidley on the line, yeah. I think. G'day, Gary. Hi, Gary. Thanks for being so patient, mate. The Gremlins yeah, are in the system. Maybe this is, uh, what was it, the Y2K yeah. bug? Maybe it's the 2020 bug. Hey, Gary, you're not far yeah. from home. You're only about 40 minutes from home yeah. where I live. How are yeah. you? Yeah, not too bad. So, what were you calling about, mate? You're obviously just uh, uh, was, a good supporter. We we love Pauline Hanson. We reckon she'd be the senator of Queenslander. 
<laughs> That's lovely. Thanks. Hey, listen, yeah, Harry. And we should turn, then go for um, Prime Minister, and we should be all one nation. Well, that's why I call the party One Nation, because I think we should be all one nation and everyone be treated equally and the same on an yeah. individual needs basis and said, I don't want divisions in our nation, in our country. Um, how are you going out there, yeah. Gary? Have you had much rain lately? Yeah. Uh, no, not much at all. We're living in a desert. Oh, it's dreadful. I know. You're on the... Um, no, it's, um, in Bailey, where we live, it's all um, sand. Yeah. Gary's in an yeah. area, and it's then, near Gatton, so it's a it's a great farming area with some of the best agricultural land in the in the country. Yeah. And um, yeah, we live in the hills. Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful up there, isn't it? Yeah. It's lovely. Oh yeah, it is a beautiful place, but yeah, you should be the next senator of Queensland, or Pauline James. <laughs> and Gary, Gary, what are you doing for uh, New Year's Eve? Have you got people around, or just doing it on your own? Yeah, we're just having a quiet party, just um, with family, and that's it. And um, with with um, when you were talking later on uh, earlier, Paulie answer, Australian has lots of resources. Um, back in the sixties, after World War One, um, my grandfather was a jackaroo in the territory, and um, he turned went out drilling for oil and a lot of minerals through um Australia, and um, he found a lot of stuff, and he had to cap it and keep it quiet. Hmm. What was he finding? Oil, gas. Yep, oil, a lot of oil. Yep. Yeah. And now he's um, he's ninety six years old and he's still alive. And he said Australia's got lots of oil, but they kept it quiet. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Um, we've got some oil still oil fields um, just off Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, it's not. It's Timor, just off there as well. So yeah. where of that? That's another issue that have been uh, fighting yeah. with the government. But yeah. we've got our resources here. We should be utilising it instead of importing our oil from overseas and only down to a yeah. few refineries left in Australia. So, Gary, yeah. have a good night, mate. Right. Thank you for Thanks, your call, Gary. eh? Bye. Yeah, um, my whole family loves you, Pauline Anther, yeah. and you're the best we ever had. Hopefully you come the next Senator of Queensland and then the Prime Minister. <laughs> Thanks, One Gary. Day all the way. Thanks, Gary. Take care. Happy New Year, mate. one three hundred eight five seven four double six. You can join the queue and have a chat like Gary. Um, what is it, 10.24 in Queensland? That'll be 11.24 in New South Wales. The time's ticking away very fast. Do you think 2020 will be better or do you think we're going to face some headwinds next year? I think people are doing it tough out there. I think our economy is going to fail a bit. And um, by the interest rates not moving whatsoever, um, it, they can't go down any lower. I think the government wanting a surplus, they know exactly what's what's ahead of us. We've um, Self-funded retirees are doing it bloody tough. Yeah, I they know are. They've, yep. you know, they've, they've been no burden on our system for a long time. They've lived off the interest quite frugally, a lot of them. And they are suffering. There is there is quite literally nothing coming out of their savings. It's they're going backwards. But James, we travel the country quite extensively, and we go out to rural and regional areas. How many shops do we see closed down yeah. that yeah. have got for sale signs on it? So that's going to have a snowball effect. These then affects other businesses, and then when these shops are closing, people don't travel there, so they 
they don't get the tourists mm. going through there. So oh, eventually they become ghost towns. Those people are going to have to move out of that area because then if you don't have families there, you don't have the schools, you don't have the services, you don't have the hospitals, nurses, doctors, so yep. they become ghost towns. So you've got it's, to look down the track what's going to happen to these places. Can I just point out, I know this, this uh, catch-22 situation across particularly Queensland where these small towns and councils are opting to do this free camping on the side of the road or in parks or showgrounds, they open the showgrounds. And what it's doing is it's affecting the caravan parks in these shires. I know uh, Mount Isa, I was told the other day, the caravan park received a water bill of $200,000. Now, they're also doing, they're, they're competing against the free parking. Now, I understand as things get tighter, um, people are trying to do things on the cheap. A lot of people still want to travel, I get that. But when you eradicate a revenue stream from those caravan parks and they're still lobbed by council with those rates, the water bills, the garbage bills, everything else that goes with it, the staffing requirements, it's a real punish. It's punishing these towns and we're seeing caravan parks right across yeah. this state certainly struggle. I don't know what it's like in New South Wales and across the rest of the country. But remember what they told us in Connemulla, that the rates have gone up there at least 10%. They put up the rates. Yeah. But it's not based on the... Um, based on the land value, not... No, it's... Did we hear? No. If you've, it's what the productivity of that land may produce. So it's basically if that land's not doing anything and it's not um, been improved, all right, they're basing it on what the improved land could be. So they put up the rates, and this is why the it's killing people. They can't afford the rates, and this is what these councils are doing. But the other issue is we know that these properties, particularly in the drought, are not worth the money. They're not, they don't have the productivity on them, and that's what's crippling people. Yes, it is. So the councils are driving people away. They can't afford this, mm. and it's going to be a snowball effect. They've got to look at cutting back in, in other areas, and what some of these people and possibly not there, but some of these councils, what they get paid oh. is, is over the top. Some areas in Queensland, yeah, they are. Um, and especially I look at what? Livingstonshire Council where I live and it's more or less a part-time job. It really is. It's it's only a couple of days a month if you really want. I think the pay packet's about 65 grand. Yeah. Not bad if you can get it, but, geez, I tell you, nothing's really, really gone gangbusters up there. I know they've got a pretty little water park along the front. It looks magnificent. Oh, the council's fantastic. done a pretty good job with some of those things. But it, all that, there's a, a level of debt that's been accrued too. So someone's got to pay for it. Yeah. And their wages and everything else just keeps going up. What the, some of these CEOs get paid in these councils yeah. is disgusting. And the corruption that's been throughout this state in particular, corruption's insane. How many, how many mayors have we had sacked now and councils stripped of their positions? Yep. And they've been predominantly Labor yep. councils. Yep. So there you go. one three hundred eight five seven four double six. 857 Alex is trying to get some more calls to air. Um, what do you expect to happen with this family law matter? Because obviously this is going to travel around the country. You've got, you've got a big thing on your plate. You've got a lot of time tied up. Yep. How's Tony feel about this? He doesn't see you enough as it is. <laughs> Did he see you for Christmas? No. <laughs> Poor Tony. It seems to be a running joke here. We always support Tony. Well, that's good. I think it's wonderful. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. 
very I've yeah. So I've got family my, I've law. got a, I've got I've got a job to do, and he and, and he, and he ha, he's so supportive, and he respects me for it, and he's you know. So I think it's wonderful. But Tony's Tony's there in the background, mm-hmm. so and that's exactly where he wants to be. Correct. So don't go hunting him down. <laughs> it's not worth the photo. All right, I think we've got Brett ready to go from the north coast of New South Wales. G'day, Brett. I think he's. Hi, how are we going? Good, Hi, mate. G'day. Yep. We're having some success here with the phones. It's just taken a few seconds to get them up each time. How can I help you? Domestic violence. Yes. Yep. How are you going? Good. It's interesting night, yeah. Brett. It has been. It has been. Just a quiet night home tonight for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, got a few questions. Um, I'll try and keep it short and sweet. Um, the Charter of Victims' Rights, um, Pauline, what's your view on that with the police and everything like that once you have that Charter of Victims' Rights and make a complaint? Oh, look, Brett, I, I don't know a lot about it to speak with any authority yep. um, to do with it, so I won't make a comment because of that reason. Yeah. No, that's all right, because basically I'm a victim of domestic violence um, with a female partner. She's had 15 breaches in the last two years, yep. my second ABO. Um, they keep on telling me, too bad, you're a male. Unfortunately, she can keep coming to the house because you've got consent orders through court, even though the court orders don't stipulate she can come to my house. Um, and when I made the complaint, the inspector from the police keep on telling me 80% of female victims, mate, that the problem being the minority. Yeah. I think the figures in New South Wales for uh, domestic violence against men is about 29% of complaints. And um, so it's quite high. A lot of people think that it's uh, there's not much domestic violence against men, but it's not the case. It does happen. And a lot of the times men don't report that domestic violence or, you know, or feel embarrassed to actually do it. But it does happen both ways. Yeah. yeah, it does happen yeah, both ways. When I have done it um, and had video evidence, photo evidence, like the last time, she's done about $3,000 to $6,000 worth of damage on her retaining while driving whilst intoxicated when I had the children at, that, at my house. Yep. All these happened while the children were with me. Um, I had a 200-metre exclusion zone from my house. The police in court, she was on a nine-month good behaviour bond, but then they got the 200 metres from the court orders and from the ADO, and they cannot tell me why. Uh, yet she's done it again another two times and they, they yep. just said because you got family law orders, they overruled the AVO, so it's just bad luck. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is where but, um, the, the Western Australian state system or family law course system, they have it all in the one court. So child protection, DVOs and everything where it's not handled in different courts. And this is something that's been raised and recommendations to actually base it on the simpler um, uh, review and to put it all into the one court, which I think is a good idea. But the government and the attorney generals, tend, who's from Western Australia, tends to be reluctant to do that. This is something that um, hopefully we'll, we'll look at in the family law inquiry that's going on at the moment. I know there's been other inquiries, but it's about, um, you know, hopefully we can expose a lot of things that are happening, listening to the people, talking to yourself. There's been quite a few calls tonight to do with family law. It's affecting so many people. But, um, you know, otherwise, you've got to go back to the court system. You've got to rely on the court system and hope that you get justice through there. And a lot of people are not happy with what's happening. 
I think we yeah. might have lost him. Did we, did we lose him? Have we got Jan there ready to go? That was Brett. I don't know where Brett's gone. Well, I know you're still online, so um, anyway, hopefully he uh, he heard what you had to say via the, the, the social media feed. So. Yeah, it's a shame. Do you know what we've just worked out? It's the internet. We've just done a, a, a speed test, and unfortunately we keep losing calls because of internet Someone's speeds. Someone's on the line there. Jan, Is that though. Jan? Hi, Jan. Hello. Hi, Jan. Jan. Family law again. It just Hello. seems to be the, the popular topic tonight. Pauline's ready to take your call. Jan, go for it. Oh, hi, Colleen. Um, love what you guys do. Um, it's wonderful that there's people out there listening to, you know, the normal everyday people, which is fantastic. Oh, thank you. I hope I am. My parents raised me to be normal. So that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, some of us really yeah, aren't normal anyway. But. <laughs> hear about that. A, a politician that's normal and politicians that's possibly got some common sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah, well, also the, um, the legal system needs to have a little bit of common sense as well. It, um, it, it's quite strange when you could have, um, I'm not going to go into specific details, but when you have a court case that's quite serious and both the prosecution and the defense are both knowingly um, feeding a jury information that's not even the truth, this is in a case, it's bizarre. Yeah, it, it is, um, it is very much so. And, um, but that's what the solicitors um, and some of the witnesses base it on that, emotional. And, um, you know, I, I don't know the answer. You know, half the time, how do you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's ever happened to truth. I mean, like, is there but, a way to bring the system back to Yes, mm, I don't think truth. there is. I think it is because there is no um, case against perjury. Well, it, it should be, and it is there, but people are not taken for perjury when they lie in court, and the evidence, the lies, make such an impact on the other person. And... There was one case now in WA um, just a, a few weeks ago that they actually took the woman for perjury and uh, claiming domestic violence won the case. So she was actually sentenced wow. by the judge. So hopefully this is going to start to open up and pressure is going to be put on the courts that if you actually do perjure yourself in a courtroom, you will pay the punishment for it and it has to be that way. There has to be fair justice, and that can only be if people are made to tell the truth. And I'll be pushing for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, yep. I think the system should be about the truth, not about... Of course it is. Not self-interest, not self-gain. It's, it's, right. it's like a game. Yep. It's crazy. And, yes, and it's not about, you know, the, the solicitors putting words into their client's mouth to actually say what needs to be said or not said. And um, I expect, you know, people should be up front and just tell the truth. And uh, anyway, if you don't, you should be, you should be um, found of contempt of court of perjury. So anyway, we'll see what's happened, but that's, that's part and parcel of this inquiry. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, well thanks. We're step in the right direction, yeah? Yeah. Thank you very much. Good way to go. All right. <laughs> Good to talk with you. All right. Yes, Cheers. Good night. Nice to Happy hear from New you. Year. Bye. One three hundred.
857-466. It's pretty easy. You just pick the phone up, have a chat. I know we've got a few people answering phones tonight. Cheryl has, uh, has given up her New Year's. I think she normally has this annual event that she goes to with her husband, Rod, who's on the other line. Richard, who... What did you have planned? Malula Bar, did you? Tonight with the kids. Fireworks, he's given that up. Did, did they keep their fireworks down there on uh, uh, Malula Bar? Oh, I don't know. Oh, they come to Brisbane in the end. Good on them. All right. Well, thank you. And Alex, of course, has given up his night. Good team here, eh? Great team. Not too many other people. Political officers would give up their New Year's Eve to come and do this. So, one three hundred eight five seven four double six. Now, have we got Liam on the line, ready to go from South Australia? Hi, Liam. Hi, mate. How are you? Good. I got Pauline here. Say good day. Hello, Liam. Hi, Pauline. How are you? Yeah, good. Good to you. Yes, same to you. Wonderful. Talk to you. Uh, well, the, the reason why I rang is because, of, first of all, I'm actually, I will confess, I'm actually quite a massive Liberal supporter. Um, I've actually helped in, like, federal state campaigns and whatnot. hate the Labor Party with a passion. Um, and South Australia, you know, we, we, you know, for 16 years we were under the Labor government. Mm. And finally, uh, in the last election, 2018, we finally won government. Um, and unfortunately, we actually inherited a $400 million deficit. That's now been paid off. Um, South Australia has seen a massive growth in infrastructure since the Liberals have come in. A few policies have been controversial here and there. Yeah. Uh, we have seen a lot of difference. Um, but the thing is, I am actually... I will, uh, now, I also have to say, this last year was my 21st, and I requested... I asked um, for you to sign a birthday card to me, um, and you actually sent one out, so thank you for that. Um, and, <laughs> And the, I do uh, look at those requests from time to time for different things. Yeah, well, thank you so much. That's and right. also, like, I am actually a massive uh, supporter of yours. I actually voted for you in the last election. Thank you. Um, I definitely think uh, I'll be voting for you again um, and putting a Liberals uh, second. But I was ecstatic when I saw uh, that you announced that you actually registered your party within South Australia. Yep. And I can't wait until you actually run in this state. Um, now, I, I know that you are a massive supporter of like the rural areas, um, especially when it comes to like, the Murray-Darley Basin. That's a, always been an issue in South Australia. I love your stance on family law um, because you actually are trying to make a fairer system. Um, but I actually live in the top northern part of the metropolitan Adelaide area, mm. and I'd be interested to find out um, you know, what are you going to try and deliver for metropolitan Adelaide? Um, and also just consider that my electorate of Taylor is actually a very working class area. Yep. So even though I'm a very big supporter of you and the Liberals, my seat has actually been the Labor dominated for like literally the last 30 years. Yep. Um, because where the Holdens was actually established and worked until its closure in Elizabeth. But, uh, but yeah, I'd like to get your idea and, uh, just hear a bit about what you see for South Australia in the next coming into the next election. Well, you, you put your finger on the polls straight away from the beginning when you said about Labor Party running the state. They ran it into the ground. What's happened in South Australia, you've got, there's not real great population growth. People are struggling to actually um, get employment down there. I think it's you, a 1% growth, isn't it? It's, it's pretty, pretty it's, tough. It's bugger all. Yeah. It's 1%. You've also got, there's no investment in the state. You've got about 3% growth in investment interest in the state, whereas if you look at 
um, New South Wales, you've got about 45%. You probably might have around 50% of interest in investment growth. So if people want to actually invest in, in an industry or manufacturing. South Australia, well, you're going to have blackouts at any time because they were dead set. They blew up their power station down there. So your cost of power, so you get it out of Victoria. Your cost of power is huge and you're paying a lot of money for the power. You've got, um, I can say the ongoing problems. You talk about rural and regional areas, you've got 18% of poverty children, 18% of children living below the poverty line in South Australia and rural and regional areas. The Murray-Darling Basin area, that is um, the water issue, that's something that needs to be sorted out. Um, I, you know, I can, I toured South Australia quite extensively. I had a Senate candidate, she just missed out on the last seat in South Australia. We did exceptionally well. Um, and hopefully we'll get her elected. Um, a fantastic person and will be a great representative for South Australia. She's got the finger on the pulse with uh, what's happening down there and keeps me informed about it. I'd like to see more jobs, industries, manufacturing, and I'd like to see uh, your power supply um, further the state because if you've got cheaper power down there, as the rest of the country, you will have more businesses want to start up, industries, manufacturing, and not businesses shutting down because they can't afford it. Yeah, and you know, I reckon if we had you, um, you know, in our in the South Australian party, instead of this pathetic Nick Vanifor and SA Best team that just side with Labor on a daily basis, all the Greens, um, yes, I, I reckon we would definitely continue. Like for example, the deregulation, for example, um, that was that got through the House arrest, but it got defeated in the Senate because. Well, Nick Champion and his, and his minions decided to, to to back going against it when, you know, we were trying to go forward because every other state has deregulation we, and we don't. But if we had deregulation, we would have actually expanded healthier competition within our market. Yep. Um, and the other thing was rate capping. Um, and that got to see as well. You know, where I live in places which is actually heavily dominated by the Black Party, and I'll tell you what, the amount of debt that they just put up to, I think it was $173 million in debt, literally, just for this council area, is ridiculous. Um, so, honestly, if we had rate capping, because uh, I know other states have rate capping, we're actually trying to make uh, services, you know, the, the cost of living a lot cheaper. And yet, there was this, this leftist sort of, you know, just propaganda, just being splurged everywhere in the media. And it was just, it was just nonsense, you know? I'm a, look, I'm also a very big supporter, and we've been pushing it in, in WA, plus also Queensland and in New South Wales, where we have members of parliament, is to try and get rid of the um, payroll tax. And with payroll tax, you'll increase the, the business. P businesses will put um, put them on. See, the corporate tax cuts, initially the government came to me, they wanted to make it $10 million, from $2 million to $10 million turnover. I said, why don't you make it $50 million? They were surprised that I would actually book back that, so we made it $50 million. But I try to say to them why I wouldn't support the corporate tax cuts over $50 million. I don't believe the country could could uh, cope with the $35 billion. I said, why don't you work with the states to reduce the payroll tax? Tax, which then business will create employment, put on more people instead of being um, paying these taxes. Um, I think we need to head down that path. 
there's a lot of things that we need to do, but like I said, Jennifer Game, she's our candidate at, at the, she will be at the next federal election standing there. She's working tirelessly for South Australia and uh, we need all the support down there we can get. And uh, I believe that we can make a difference on the floor of parliament if we get that support. Liam, thanks for all your right. call, mate. Thank you so much. I hope to meet you one day, Pauline Wing in SA next time. Thank you very much. Thank you for your support. Thank you. Good night. No, it's a good call. One three hundred eight five seven four double six. Um, interesting to get a younger person's perspective. He openly said, you know, he's predominantly a Liberal voter, but oh, he voted not, for you. Yeah, yeah. And we're getting that, and we've heard people Labor who people, are Labor, same. Yeah. Labor people saying yeah. they're, they're fed up with the major political parties, yeah. and see, they've stuck with them because they could not see themselves voting for that other party, but now they're looking at One Nation because they can vote for us. Yeah because we're the middle of the road. We are the centrist, central party that's um, looking at both sides of it. So, yeah, we're not, look, as the government said, they, Turnbull didn't want me in parliament, that I wouldn't be welcome down mm. there. The whole fact is they thought I would be an extremist. Yep. I haven't been extreme. We've been quite balanced in our views and the public have seen that. Now they, they understand that the lies that they've, they've put out about me is that lies. Mm. So, you know, it's based on performance, it's based on what I've been doing, and uh, people are starting to see through that, and they're starting to talk about, you know, One Nation, I think it's great. Yeah, and look, one of the other things is so many within the two major parties tried to make Malcolm Roberts out to be a nut job. Yeah. And he's proven them wrong many times over. In fact, there's been plenty on both sides that have come up to him personally and said, wish we could say what you were saying. They, they say it all the time. They mm -hmm. said, we can't say what you say. No. And I'm talking about both sides. Yeah. Um, we can't say what you say, but they say, keep going. because no. and, they, and I'll come out and say these things and start the conversation. Yeah. People start talking about it. Then they come in behind me and pick up my policies. What about the apprenticeship scheme that I got up this year, yeah. James? I know. All right. I had a fight from that. The first day I met Malcolm Turnbull, that was another one. I want an apprenticeship scheme. So the government pays 75% of the first year's wage, 50% of the second, 25% of the third. And under that apprenticeship scheme, they released it in January this year. It was taken up three 1,630 weeks. places in three weeks. It worked out so well. It took me three years to get it. And then they put up another scheme in July this year, which was taken up again almost immediately. Yeah. So... You know, yeah, the government things. really, really yeah. did like that. And, you know, Queensland's seen a drop 33% in the last just over 10 years in apprentices. 33%? Where are we over, getting I these people? Over, it was over 200,000 apprentices that we'd lost. When foreign workers. Where, where James, are these want, people coming James, from? James, they want foreign oh, workers I know from the they country. Do. I know. And they're giving the reasons because we don't have the tradesmen and women here, so that's the reason to bring them in from overseas because they want higher immigration. So that's their reason for doing it. And if you want to know why wage growth hasn't occurred, well, two reasons. Businesses at the moment aren't doing it so well, but when you bring in workers from overseas that aren't used to being paid that much money, Australian wages appear very good, but they've got to live here too. So... They soon catch up. It all catches up in the end. One three hundred eight five seven four double six. Alex, are we right to go to Natalie? Let's go to Natalie. Hi, Natalie. You're in South Australia too. Yeah, I'm from South Australia. Good on you. Um, yeah. So I called up. One of the things I wanted to say straight off was I wanted to give so much gratitude to Pauline. The the work that she has put in 
over the past 20 years is unbelievable. We are so grateful beyond words for everything that she has tirelessly worked for. We can't appreciate enough um, all of the, 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 the bullets she's taken. Um, and she set an example to me of what it means to be strong and to be brave. I, I, I hope that in the future, at some point, um, you actually do write a book explaining how it is that you, you stand so strong when you're, you're being just constantly attacked because, you know, regular women like myself, I, I can't even understand and relate how, how you do it for a start. Um, Natalie, I'm yeah. going to um, ring you back and get your address. I'm going to send you out my book that I wrote, my autobiography, and it was released in 2007. It's called Untamed and Unashamed. It is it is uh, for sale on the One Nation website, but I will actually send it to you. It took me two years to write. I, I did write it myself personally. I didn't get a ghostwriter. I wrote it myself. And it's my yeah. life story of where why I went to prison from growing up from a girl, um, my marriages, what I've gone through with that and uh, how I got into politics and going to prison and the impact that it had on me. And um, I just uh, picked myself up, dusted myself down. I never gave up and believing what I what I had to offer the, the floor of parliament and uh, it was my passion and it still is. But if I've given you some inspiration of making you stronger and believing that you can do it, um, oh, that, you, means, that means that means a lot to me. That means a lot to me because, um, you know, if I can pass it on to someone to give people out there hope that they can do it, that you can be a strong person, you can have opinion, you can stand up for what you believe in. And as I said to an earlier caller, put yourself up on a pedestal. Never let anyone drag you down. The only person that can do that is yourself. Yeah, and there was one other thing I also wanted to just briefly talk about as well. Um, uh, I've come from a hard-working Australian background myself. You know, I've worked in the mining industries and I've worked for 17 years, worked as hard as I could. Unfortunately, I fell into some ill health um, myself, which I never thought would sort of happen to me, but it can happen to any of us. Um, and, um, and, and when that happened, I've been very disappointed, um, sadly, to see the amount of pushback that the NDIS has put me through. Um, not even getting through the first hoop yet of even passing the, the access criteria. I've been through three years um, of them, them battling me to try and prevent me from getting access. I've, I've got lawyers against me. They're fighting against me, you know, throwing thousands of dollars. You know, um, I've spent thousands on, on report after report. They're not interested. They just throw it all out. Um, you know, they, they, they're pushing it up to the point where you've got to go through some kangaroo court thing and tribunals. And, you know, I, I can't understand how it costs thousands of dollars in, in three years. Um, it seems to me that the way that NDIS is set up at the moment is that it's, it's very geared towards accepting people on um, this day, like people with autism are getting through um, remarkably easily. And then people that aren't on, on that list, you know, say for having a physical disability, are just, are just not getting through, you know, even the first hoop of access. It's, it's, um, it's yeah. something that I think, I know it's not normally your area of um, focus, but... It, it, I, it, it will be with the NDIS on. because why I'm saying this is because the NDIS is going to cost the Australian people $23 billion a year. And... We cannot, you know, um, afford this. It will grow. 
Eight billion is coming from the states. The gov federal government is picking up the balance of that. I'm hearing where people, okay, uh, child with autism, 220,000 a year. Fellow had the leg amputated below the knee, 190,000 a year. Uh, it's just money that we cannot afford, and it's going to cost us two billion a year for administrative costs. You've got people registering as businesses and it needs an investigation into it. Where is the money going? How is it being spent? What are the services provided to these people? And uh, I, I'm sorry, I am going to be looking into it. I'm not going to just... Yeah, you know, it just seems unequal. It, correct. It's not just going to be accepted by me because it is an, an emotional issue for a lot of people and I understand the people out there who are suffering through, you know, um, pain or injuries or, you know, on the NDIS. But we've got to be realistic about this. And it's, it cannot be a cash cow. I've seen too many industries that have been set up and used as cash cows. And uh, it's the taxpayers that are, you know, pushed to the limit now, are struggling to make ends meet. And their tax dollars must be spent wisely and accounted for. Natalie, thanks for your call. All right. Thanks, Natalie. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything again, Pauline. I really appreciate everything right. you've done. Thanks, Natalie. Bye. Been amazing. <laughs> Thanks. one 800 I dug up some photos. Um, some current ones. Malcolm's been a great return for you. Oh. He really has. He is such a hard worker. We've had a lot of compliments about Malcolm. He's the only one on the floor of Parliament who knows about talking about climate change and what is actually happening. And um, he's asked the Greens to debate him. Guess what? They don't want to even attempt it. They wouldn't have a clue what they're talking about. No. And he's actually referring it back to science. They're not. Not emotion. Yeah. That's right. Take the emotion out of this whole climate and let's change talk about debate. The science. And that's what he says. Where's the imperial evidence? And they, they want to have a go at him about using that word. But the whole fact is that base it on fact. If you want to, if you want to say it's about the scientists of the same, um, base it on fact, and that's yeah. exactly what he's doing. Yep, and he, he's back. Peter around. Reed's exactly the same. He yep. just speaks fact, and empirical evidence is everything that and people want these days. If it doesn't suit their agenda, shut them down, call yeah. them a radical. But at Malcolmson, a radical. His background: he's been a mining manager. He's worked in the mines. He's got his degrees in environmental issues. Mm -hmm. His background is engineering. Yes, he's an engineer. He's far better equipped and to deal with these issues than what any of the Greens have. Yeah. They have no idea. And he's worked on the coal mines. He's worked in them. He's run them. So he's got a pretty good idea. Hey, um, you look all right in these uh, red shoes on board a tractor. Is that <laughs> is that usual for you? <laughs> Not on tractor. That was out of the question. That was down at Canberra when all the farmers came to the Canberra to protest um, just what last week of, of Parliament sitting. Yeah, Murray and, Darling. Yeah, the Murray Darling. Yeah, and, and uh, that's all good. So I was, did so well. So I was driving the tractor around. I think uh, the journalists were a bit shocked, and I don't know why they're shocked. You have a tractor on your property. I've seen you drive tractors yeah. before. You know how to drive four-wheel drive. You drive four-wheel drive. Yeah. The ride-on. No shock. one touches your ride maybe on. It's a maybe it's a shock horror because I'm female. Females can't do these things. <laughs> I'm a pretty much an all-rounder. Yeah. So anyway, they're surprised at what I can do. She okay. likes uh, – Tony can go and do the, the paddocks, but you like doing it around the house. Oh, yeah. Mowing. I'm or... my, my old mower, mm -hmm. the old cox that I used to have, and um, cox mower, that used to take me eight hours. Mm-hmm. 
My day to mow my yard. Now you've got a zero turn. It takes you four hours. Yeah, there you go. one 857 I believe we've got Aaron ready to go. G'day, Aaron. Yep. Hi, mate. Hi, Aaron. Nice to have hey. you with us. Pauline's here. Hey, Hi. How are you? Yes, good. It's getting to the countdown now. So oh, yeah. What oh, is the time? Hang on. Four minutes Three minutes. New, minutes. South, New okay. South Wales, Victoria and Tassie. Yeah. So. I'm in Queensland, so we got another two Yeah, hours. we have got we another two hour. Another yep. hour here. What, what can we talk about? Well, I, I Aaron's a volunteer for guys are doing it. Oh, yeah, I'm a volunteer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thanks for your hard work, Aaron. Oh, what oh, what happened to you tonight? Why won't you in here oh, answering I'm phones as well? Sitting. Ah, right. Okay, gotcha. Leave so no fireworks. Leave the poor guy alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drag him in from wherever I can. I can see that now. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks thanks for your, su I, your support and volunteering. Yeah. Oh, thank you for having me on board. Like, it means a lot. And thank you for taking it like, on behalf of everyone. Thank you so much for taking these calls. Like, it means a lot. And I haven't seen any other politicians do anything like what you do. Like, I think it's amazing what you do. Well, it inspires hope. <laughs> well, this is a first doing this. We've had a few hiccups yeah. with the phone lines, but it's good to be able to do it. We've had a lot of calls. The board's been full all the time. Uh, people are having their say. This is, this is um, it's been very positive, and I think people are appreciated, appreciative of it. Um, we may do it again, James, sometime, but not for six hours. Jeez. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's been good. But love to hear from you. Did you want to mention anything, Aaron? Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like at the moment, Queensland has been going through a lot of pain at the moment. And it's through the current state government, I feel, that is responsible for everything happening. And I'm hoping at the next election that we get more people with conservative ideas in the parliament. And I see a lot of Queenslanders heading towards more that way. I but totally, agree, 18, but totally agree with you. And the difference with Queensland is we don't have an upper house. So if you give the total power to the to the to um, whichever party in the lower house, they will actually control it. So there's no house of review, which is a shame. We should have a house of review. But anyway, it's great yeah. to talk to you, Aaron. Hey, Aaron, do We're you want to stay here? Because we've got 30 seconds, about 32 so anyway, seconds. Yeah, from, thanks for your support. Mate, we'll, thank you. We'll Appreciate it. So much. We'll and you're in welcome in here any time you like. That's okay, good. Thank so you it's so much. See Thanks, mate. Aaron. Bye. Well, we've got 30 seconds till we actually um, count down to. Uh, well, we've got fireworks this year in New, New South Wales. What have we got? 13 seconds. On the approach to 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New yeah. Year, New South Wales, Wales Victoria, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> well done. So all the fireworks will be going off now in Sydney? Yeah, and Melbourne, I, I don't think they've cancelled them in Melbourne. Tassie, unsure of. So, um, but anyway, Happy New Year. Hopefully 2020 is better. Someone said the other day that the new, sorry, the new decade doesn't actually start till 2021. I don't understand that, so maybe someone can explain it. One three hundred eight five seven four double six. Does that make well, sense to any of you? Yes, it does. Because when you, yeah, so when you're born in the in the century, we call it the twenty first century. So it's one prior to it. It's like if you had the first century, it's from zero up to one. Oh, okay. So do you understand that? I'm not going to argue with you. If you've got the first century, it goes from zero up to one. So you're second.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it so doesn't really why. matter. But so, so when you say what century was um, someone born in? Yeah. Um, let's take back to the. Okay, I accept it. Oh, whatever, whatever you say, I agree with. So it's it where does that line come from? Goes back the hundred years beforehand. Well, you're smart. If you agree with me, you're you're smart actually, yeah, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> I'm hoping we've got Tony on the phone from Sunshine. Do we, Tony? Oh uh, yeah. Hey, how are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We got uh, you nicely. Hi, Tony. How's Sunshine tonight? Oh, very good. Oh, very very warm. Yeah. You got rain coming. Is it warm because you might humidity? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit warm here. Tony's yeah. called to talk about long-term unemployment, Tony. Are you employed or unemployed? Um, I'm, I'm just partly employed yep. by my parents. Could you do with more work? Sorry, I can't hear you. Would you like to have more work? Yeah, 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 we're still going. Yeah, yeah, I would actually love to have more work. I'm, I'm trying my best, you know, I um I, I put my resume out there. I'm out there regularly trying to do, um get employment. But um at the moment I've just been rejected time after time. Yeah. So you apply for jobs. Do you go in personally, or do you write into the companies or, or businesses for jobs, or do you go in and personally meet with them and ask? Yeah, I do a bit of both. Um, um, I do go in sometimes, but I also, um, the, I find that I also use the online application. Yep. Okay. What, um, what sort of work do you do now? Uh, cleaning. Cleaning? Okay. Yeah. And, um, you're looking for more work. What, um, I'm just trying to think how, does anyone, how do you go about it? Does, are there any jobs advertised in this area that you apply for? Uh, well, yeah, there's a little bit of work, but yeah, you know, I mean, my family business is struggling a bit yep. to find work to get actual um, contracts. That's a big thing, yeah. We're trying right. to get so you're up, you're up at the Sunshine Coast, Tony, are you? No, he's in Sunshine. Sunshine. Yeah. Oh, are, are you Sunshine Coast, are you? Yeah. Oh, Sun right. My apologies. I, I didn't yeah. realise. Sunshine Coast. Tony, um, so if someone's looking for a cleaner um, in that field or whatever, whatever area, do you do work? Well, you'd think cleaning. There'd be... A few jobs. I know they're probably not going to be full time, um, especially around the Sunshine Coast. Oh, well, with, all, with all those new hospitals popping up, and um, yeah. you know, government building offices. Well, I'd say if there's anyone out there who's on the Sunshine Coast is looking for a worker, um, Tony's keen to work. Yeah, what part of if the sunny coast are you on, Tony? Oh, uh, um, yeah, um, near Caloundra. You're Caloundra. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the southern end of the coast. Yeah. Well, Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm trying to get out of this industry, actually. I'm doing my qualifications at the moment. Um, I'm getting into IT. Okay. Yeah. Uh, good. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 
that's that's good that you're actually trying to do something and and to improve yourself and get out of that 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 work that you're doing and something else that's good but if yeah. um, if anyone wants to um just ring up leave the number if you want and we'll pass on uh, your number if someone's interested yep. in a cleaner how's that yeah um, all right yeah that might be helpful all right all look all, all the best luck. for your future and your it Bye, Tony. Good night. Happy yeah. New Year. Good night, mate. And um, the countdown's not far, mate. 55 minutes until New Year's in Queensland. So yeah. one three hundred eight five seven four double six. We're still getting the calls. And um, New Year's Eve, it's not so lonely when you've got Pauline here to have a chat to. And we've actually got someone here from WA. Who? Couple, couple people Hang on, from I, WA, I don't know where they? we're going next. I found, I um, I found some shots. Uh, you and Bob, I reckon... You missed your calling with Bob. What do you mean I missed my call? I reckon I reckon Please if you I reckon if you two lived in the same town when you were a lot younger, before he married and before you married first time, you were a match made in heaven, you two. You gotta be Look here. at that. Look at the care that he has for you. James. Isn't that lovely of him? He I speaks believe, so highly going, of you. I Look at this. Going... Look at this. Just the perfect couple you two would have made. No, I think he's got a perfect wife. He does. It's lovely, yes. <laughs> and he, he, speaking highly of his wife too. He and does. He's got a great, yeah, his son, yeah. He's got a oh. new grandchild coming soon, I oh, that's heard. That's lovely. I heard Robbie's uh, pregnant, so Robbie, you two did. Robbie. Robbie's oh, yeah. last pregnant, yeah. 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 You know what Just I mean. Just clarify that yeah. otherwise, yeah. It's a strange world we live in though, Pauline. Did you not read that thing today? <laughs> About the man that just gave birth to his new daughter. What a load of hogwash. Mm. Anyway. All right, one three hundred eight five seven four double six. Yes. Yep. It's it's very difficult to call a man a man without a penis. What do you, yeah. What do you think about this in Tasmania about the birth certificate? You don't name it whether it's a, a male or female on your birth certificate, and then if you're over 16, you can actually go and change your birth certificate and take off whether you're female, male or female. Well, I don't Is it in the water down there? Well, I don't know. Your daughter moved down there, so yeah, well, you would hope she, not. She was there before all this rubbish started, <laughs> okay? What is wrong with saying if someone's a male or female? That's how we're built. Go and, go and have a look in the mirror, guys and girls out there, okay, and tell me that you're that you haven't got the bits and parts that makes you male or female. What the world is coming to, I can't believe it. Michael, hello. Yeah, hi there, how are you? G'day, Michael, Pauline's listening. Hello, Michael. Hey, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, Michael. How are you going? Yeah, you want to talk um, to me about family law? I do, yes. Um, well, firstly, yeah, um, thank you very much, not just um, on behalf of myself, but, uh, you know, all the parents that they're predominantly fathers um, for, you know, basically fighting for all of us. Um, so I'm just wondering, um, in comparison from now um, to back at I believe in the 90s when there was an um, inquiry held, what is the difference, um, do you think, between um, now and back then? Um, all right. That will change. 
Yeah, there's been a lot of inquiries that's been held into family law, but also what they've looked at is basically, I was on the inquiry the end of last year that was doing to do with the court system. So that was the family law courts merging the two courts. So we had that inquiry. This inquiry is not going to cover about the merger. We've already done that. This inquiry is opening up about child support, about the judges, about um, the system itself, about solicitors. It's wide ranging. That, the terms of reference are on the website, which I wanted a broader aspect of it, whereas I want the people to have their say, even the impact that it's having on children from not seeing their parents or grandparents. I think it's important to actually deal with that. The other inquiries were structured and, and the recommendations from the family, from the Australian law reform, which I don't think really um, have a, a good handle on what the public are going through in these court cases, perjury, domestic violence. And um, I think there is so much um, that needs to be exposed, what the problems are, and hopefully then find some answers to it. So that's why I think that this inquiry, the terms of reference are totally different to what's been in the past. Yeah, that's understandable, yeah. And um, just um, just to have to hold some hope, um, are you confident that there will be any changes at all? Look, I've, I can't make any guarantees. I'm only one that's on this panel and without my other t um, nine colleagues. Um, there is the, the meetings that we've had with them. I think there's a good cross um, section of people that are on it. I think that they have uh, have an interest in, in finding some interest and, and the ants and what they've raised in these meetings, clearly they've um, been listening to their constituents going through their own offices and telling them the problems that are out there with the family law. So hopefully with this, um, taken around to every state and territory in the country, to the cities and rural and regional areas, it's going to give people the opportunity. There's been the most submissions that have been put in with this inquiry than any other inquiries. Um, I will be hoping to um, expose and, and ask the questions that need to be asked. And I think that uh, Kevin Andrews, as, as chair of this, will do an excellent job. And I'm looking forward to working with my other colleagues, parliamentary colleagues, with regards to this. So hopefully, you know, it comes down at the end of the day, our recommendations, and then getting the government to do it. Because this is this is a joint parliamentary inquiry, so it's just not the Senate, but it's the lower house, plus also the Senate. And that means that there's going to be a lot more interest to find um, some answers to it. And I know the government knows things have to change. Michael, thanks for your call, yeah. Thanks, Michael. That's okay. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Happy New Year. You See too. Here, Bye. Have a good night. One three hundred eight five seven four double six. Um, yeah, right. Oh, I'll let Alex handle that one, mate. But um, I tell you what. Um, if anyone's wondering how this setup looks uh, from behind the scenes, there's just a sneak peek. That's that shot there. You can't make it out, can you? I can't. No, I'm uh, looking at, it's yeah. it's looking that way. Oh, yeah, that's straight in front of yes, yeah. so, straight in front of anyway. us. Mm. Uh, talking family law, you had some lovely visitors down in Canberra recently. These were women whose uh, husbands. Yeah, yeah, these are these well, are grandmothers. Grandmothers. That's right, grandmothers. Yeah, grandmothers. grandmothers of 
males who suffer domestic violence and they were down there to... And the court cases yeah. and, and problems that they've had and, yeah, it's been horrendous for them, horrific for them. Mm. And they say, you know, you're right in what you're saying. Um, and a lot of people are coming forward now and backing up what I'm saying. Yeah. And just because you have an opinion and you're expressing what you're hearing from the public and you've experienced yourself doesn't mean because it upsets some people, we've got to shut it down. And it's quite interesting now that a judge, a former judge from New South Wales on the bench of family law came out and said, yes, people did perjure themselves and use mm. domestic violence as an excuse to actually get their own way in court. Well, it's such a weapon these and days. And there's been quite a few there. And I've had it backed up by other judges and solicitors. I haven't been with you when you've had these discussions, but I know veterans have raised considerable issues with family law. Yep. Yes, they have. Can you elaborate on that? Well, there was a veteran who got in touch with me. He said um, he did meet me over in Afghanistan. He's written to me. And he said he went through the domestic, um, well, he, he said he came back, his, his wife left him, and uh, and then he didn't get to see his daughter. Well, the fact is she accused him of leaving the country, leaving the country to go on his, due, his duty as a soldier wow. and, and use it against him that he's left the country. See, this is why the submissions were so important. And I hope that other defence put those submissions in because Look, it's stories away. like that that, that yeah. I don't think politicians are aware. I don't think the average person in the public's aware that this is going on. Well, the reasons that they use, I think it's just ridiculous that it's held against them because he's trying to do his job. And, um, you know, yeah. look, there's a lot lot to it, James. It really is. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all individual cases and... You know, what we come up with may not suit everyone, and it's not going to, but we've got to get a system where the judges are bringing down the decisions. I believe in 50-50 custody. Yeah, I know. And right? I think the majority of people start, out there That's a starting point, 50-50 yes. custody, and then you sit down and you have to mediate and then say, well, you know I can't have the kids one week on, week one week off. I have to work or go out and work in the mines. How about we come to some other agreement? But you've, so always, you're said, to, you've uh, always said as well behind the scenes, I know there's an argument out there that people say, well, you know, how dare you say that when there's um, domestic violence or there's drugs and that? Well, well of course that's 50, ridiculous. It's not 50-50 yeah. then. Yeah. And the fact is that if you have drugs, domestic violence or alcohol abuse, well, then you don't get the 50-50. That's mm. the reason. But you can't have a domestic violence. If you're okay together the day before the breakup and then the day after it's domestic violence, I'm sorry, that doesn't work. Yep. I think we've got Gareth waiting from Western Australia. Is that right, Alex? Hi, Gareth. How are you, mate? Hello, Gareth. Hi. The boss is here, mate. Say hello. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's uh, on a speaking you know, so, uh, I want to commend you, Pauline, for taking the comment on on news because um, no other politician is uh, doing the like. Um, some of them are making up excuses to go on holidays uh, to Hawaii while there's a national emergency on, but that's another um, topic. Um, yeah, I, I really do appreciate what you do, um, and um, I, th I think. You set a, a strong um, future ahead of you, um, especially if you can take a leaf out of Donald Trump and Dominic uh, Kaczowski from Poland. You take a leaf out of their book um, and listen to the people. Uh, I know you are. 
But um, you especially look at Donald Trump and Dominic Kaczynski, uh their countries are um, very strong at the moment. Yes. Um, he's, but he's, basically, they're, they're listening to the people. He's doing um, what I have said 20 years ago, that you need to put on tariffs from these countries that are sending you product that are so cheap and destroying your own industries and manufacturing. I'd like to – I'd whack tariffs back on. I'd actually put in industries and manufacturing. You give businesses tax reliefs that they actually start that employment. They, the country's powering head. The economy is powering head over there. But if we're going to keep bringing cheap products that's from China, rubbish, that's destroyed our own industries and manufacturing, this was under the Lima Declaration of the 1976. That's where it all started. It's been kept going. Agenda 21, that's another one of 1992 that we signed with 175 other countries around the world. This is what's destroyed us, and the politicians will not acknowledge it. Half of them wouldn't have a clue what I'm talking about. And um, they've driven our country into the ground. And we're, we're yep. going, you know, lower in our standard of living, our way of life, and it'll only continue to deteriorate if we don't get more Australians out there who are working, reduce the cost of living, that's electricity, mm -hmm. cost of goods, um, and, and get them into um, full-time jobs, not casualisation, which we're doing. We're only going to be worse off. Yep, definitely. Um, just another subject you want to touch on. I've yep. just... Um, I'm, I was born in the UK. Um, I'm a, I work on the mine. Um, I work for an Aboriginal-owned company. Yes. And um, absolutely brilliant company. But um, the state of Aboriginal communities um, in these rural WA towns, um, I think that needs to be addressed as well because the, the current government um, uh, absolutely failing failed them. And I, I feel sorry for them where I work, you got kids as young as 10 stealing cars and, and the alcohol and drug problem up there. It's, it's just, in, in many mining towns, it's, it's just forgotten. It's um, happening across the country and it's yeah. out of control because um, they can't do anything about it. Yeah, and we, if you, yeah. We've got it here, we've got it in Townsville, we've got it in Mount Isa. Yep. Yep. It's, um, it's ter it, terrible. It, I, I never used to think, I'm sorry to um, interrupt you, I never used to think that way um, of supporting Aboriginal people, especially because I got carjacked and I was born by three Aboriginals in the I painted all Aboriginals with the um, same brush. But since I've been working for this company, I've noticed they're not all the same. No, they're and, not. Um, no one's all the same. It doesn't matter whether you're no. Aboriginal, whoever, you know. Yeah. We're all uh, we're all humans. We're all people together, and everyone should be yeah. treated on an individual basis. But the fact is yeah. that it, it's been a lot of people tarring them with that brush because that's all we hear. But you yeah, know, exactly. we've got to deal with this issue. You can't keep throwing money at it because we have problems out there. You've got sexual abuse of children. No one wants to deal yeah. with it. You shut it down. You can't yeah. say anything. You're called racist if you raise the issue. You get called racist if you call for accountability. And unless we speak up about this, and which I will be doing in the next till my next election in this term of parliament, I am going to start asking questions about this. And we as a society, yep. if we want right. to clean it up, then we have to start yep. asking the tough questions and get answers. Good call, Gareth. Thanks right. for uh, Thanks, your time Gareth. tonight, mate. Have a Thank nice um, news. I know you're two hours behind, are you, from Queensland? What time is it there? No, it's coming in WA, mate. Um, so, yeah, 20 yeah, hours. Uh, yeah, it's uh, 9.20. Uh, now, 
20 past nine. Nine, yes. So, all right, man. All right. Thanks, thanks for taking my call, guys. Good night. See you, mate. Bye. Yeah. 1300 857 466. Um, interesting uh, shot here. People have never seen this shot before. I like this. I don't. Have you had this blown up and put on your wall at home? That's a no. good photo. No, I haven't actually. Where um, is that? <laughs> they were horrified when I did it. Why? I was on the bow of a ship and it was about five stories up. So if I went over that, that's why I was hanging on. If I went over, I would have actually, it would have been Gomsky, the end of me. Oh, f- what? Five stories oh, up into water? Yeah, it's on the bow of the ship. Oh. Mm. Yeah, it was a long way up. Anyway, um, I climbed up there. <laughs> and the captain was horrified. It's a cracker. That's a really good photo. I like that. All right, one three hundred eight five seven four double six. I got Patricia, I believe, on the line from New South Wales. Uh, Patricia, you want to talk about dairy? Oh, uh, hi, Pauline. Hello, Patricia. I just, uh, I love that photo just of you hanging there on the earth. <laughs> well, I'm proud of it. I love it. The Australian flag. <laughs> but um. Well, and I just want to um, congratulate you on your fight for higher cost of milk. Yes. And, and fighting for the dairy farmers. Oh, yes. And um, Very passionate And, and just also, yeah, and, yeah, and um, just, uh, are you still fighting for the dairy farmers? Is it finished or... Oh God, no! It's not finished. No, I've I've yep, got a okay. I've got a, a Senate inquiry into the dairy industry, so that's going ahead yep. next year. Um, I will yep. put my bill up again for that Farmgate price. Um, okay. And, and I lost that by one vote, so I'm still working yeah. on that. And I'm going to keep putting okay. the pressure on the National Party to actually wake up to yep. themselves. I've got the mandatory code of conduct, which starts um, tomorrow, for the dairy farmers. Okay. So I force well, them on I that. Guess- they don't like me. I'm yep. telling you, the National Party yeah. don't like me at all. But if you if you don't don't sit back and accuse me of taking your policies and fight me every inch of the way, that tells me that you yeah, weren't yeah. interested in bringing it in. So get your act together. Yep. It's like the code of conduct for the sugar industry. Barnaby Joyce sat on his uh, hands with it. He was. Useless as tips on a bull, and the whole fact is yep. that um, I actually, they finally came to me, the sugarcane industry, to actually deal with it because they were on their knees and only a matter of weeks out from foreclosure and um, because the contracts weren't signed and I forced the issue with the government and I had that code of conduct within five hours. So it can be done, but they didn't have the okay. will to do it. So they sit back okay. and say, well, well, I've you know, take their policies, what a load of rot, rot, get out there and work for the people and start doing things. Yeah. She gets fired up, Patricia. Well, Sorry? She gets fired up and this is nothing yeah. compared and, to what happens behind the scenes. You know, like there's so many people out there that are just like, you know, we need someone like Pauline now fighting for us I'm not going to apologise to anyone, Patricia, and for my passion about this because I come across people all the time, people that are are hoping and praying on me to make a difference to their lives in the future. And if it means that I've got to get angry and I've got to actually push my point and to get things happening, I will do it. And I'll call them out for what they are. People losing their lives. 
the people losing their lives, their livelihoods, their businesses, Correct. their families, all because of this, because they yep. they don't see the urgency, what needs to be done, and common sense, and stop letting the yep. bureaucrats run this country. Get some bloody common sense and some politicians with some guts in there that is going to stand up and fight for the people. Uh, look, that's how yep. I feel about it. And I'll keep going until yep. I get more people with a like-minded yep. like I am who will get out there and start forcing the issue and calling for accountability. Patricia, Happy New Year. You've yep. already gone across midnight, so congratulations. Hopefully you've got some New Year's resolutions and um, hopefully you had a good night tuning in. Uh, I've been watching you all night. Thanks, Pauline. Uh -huh. Thanks, Phil. Good, good night. night. All right. Thanks. I found some other photos. I'm, I'm surprised none of these were shared. Look at this. Again, you're always car key. Well, that was over at um, Afghanistan. That's that a good photo. Yeah, that was the Bushmaster behind that we travelled in. Yeah. And they, the rest of the countries, um, America, Canada, China, they all love our Bushmaster. They reckon mm. it's, a, it's the best um, equipment that we've got. So why did we sell it to the French? Yeah, that's right, all the design of it. I don't it's, get that. Yeah, I know. So it's fantastic. Here's the other photo. It's a bit dark, this one. I thought there was a better shot of this, but that is you in the submarine, Western Australia, yeah. laying in your bunk, and, and that above you is? Live torpedo. That's incredible. I thought it was a joke when you first sent it through. I thought, nah. No, because, because they, they load it straight in, so bunks are underneath the torpedoes. And um, there was about 12 bunks. They have the 12 torpedoes there. So that's, that's where incredible. it's left. And it just goes, because um, from there it goes straight into the, what do they fire it out of? Yes. Torpedo tube. Yes. Torpedo. That's Is that it? Yes. Is it? Oh, there you go. I didn't <laughs> so go. So it's straight into that. Well done. Torpedo tube. Very yeah. good. Okay. I've got um, Dr. Kenneth O'Brien's joining us, I think, uh, on veterans issues. G'day, Kenneth. Yes, uh, good day. How you going, mate? Keep Happy New Year to you. Nice to hear from you. Where are you? I'm in Rockhampton. Oh, um, yeah, Rocky. Oh. Up in that hot, hot Hampton at the moment. No. Um, Pauline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty warm up here. We could do with a bit of rain. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just want to say uh, a happy uh, new year to uh, to you guys. And uh, This is a bit of a, a flow on from when Pauline was up at Emu Park and uh, I was up on stage with her um, some time ago. We were, back then we were discussing the uh, rising concern about uh, the mental health and well-being of uh, young veterans and their families. And... Um, I'm just sort of ringing up because a lot of uh, a lot of the people uh, in the chat room, as I've been noticing over on the right hand side, we're veterans and we're uh, we're sort of just saying, well, you know, most of us are spending our years years by ourselves as well, and uh, it's awesome that Pauline has brought an opportunity for us to uh, to bring us together, um, and I just wanted to sort of share some of the concerns that veterans have and. And also to see if uh, she'd be interested, because there is a call out there for a Royal Commission into um, the rate of suicide of uh, young veterans. And uh, I'll just get, get some information and see yep. where she's going with that. But it's, um, it, it is it, horrific. It, it's the rising issues, and you know this is a really, really difficult time of year, and a lot of civilian populations don't understand why it might be difficult for us. Um, and I've also, you know, I'm in, in emergency services, uh, been in the FDS for 32 years myself, uh, with fires and stuff like that. And mm. even the emergency service guys uh, and ladies, of course, the entire family struggle. 
And there just seems to be a lack of recognition of all of that, uh, all the service and sacrifice we make to our community and the people. They really here. do. There's a lot of um, PTSD in the emergency services, plus also the police. Um, that's mm. not acknowledged and it's not addressed. Um, people must understand, and the reasons behind it, what I've been told by them, is the horrific scenes that they actually go to, what they've got to see, the death carnage that happens on our roads, going to suicides and um, everything that's happening to people out there. Even with those people that have um, been in the defence forces, they've seen their mates um, injured, and it takes a toll on people's um, mental, you know, how they deal with it mentally. And um, I, I, I've been trying to talk to the ministers and I've actually been trying to talk to the defence personnel, the hierarchy in there as well. And I'm, I'm sort of thinking if it could have a transitional period of, you know, when you leave the defence um, forces, instead of just one day you're in there seven days a week, then, then all of a sudden you're out of it and by yourself if we had a transitional period so that the first week you, you're out for two two days, so you're in there for five and, and then you do that for a short period of time, then you go down to three days, then you go down to one day. So you, tra you transition to to life out in um, society because a lot of people who have been in it for years and everything's done, um, I would say your food supply, your housing, everything's done. So those ones that are in there for some period of time and it's a, I think it would be hard and if you can't get jobs as well, so that's extremely hard. But I've also spoken to them that maybe local, state and federal government should give priority in, in filling positions by former defence personnel. Well, we have a lot of skills and a lot of training and Correct. Uh, abilities, again, and not just education. Like some of the training that happens within the military forces is second to none. In fact, they use us to train other countries, um, not just their military, but you know, even their defence and civilian uh, services. So, yeah, we, we've... I'm well aware of that. Yep. I, I spoke yeah, to a fellow from... More recognition there. Yeah, I spoke to a fellow from North Queensland when I went up there to Anzac Day, far north Queensland. And that's what he said to me. He said, I've actually took me years to get a job. And he said, I'm a school teacher now. And he said, I've, um, he said, the problem is that we're out of it and we can't get jobs. And people are concerned about taking on defence personnel in case you've got PTSD or mental problems. And that's, that's a shame. That is the case. That's what I'm saying, the transitional period. I know I spoke to the defence personnel and they said about 60, 60 to 70% of people actually, before they leave, they give them 12 months to actually look for jobs. But you still got that high percentage, about 30 to 30% um, plus that may not have that job. And, um, you know, I, I understand the comradeship of being around your mates. You become family, close to each other, and all of a sudden um, that's not there, especially if you've been in war zones that's, uh, and the turmoil that you've been through and trying to cope with all that. So although I've never worn your shoes, the fact is I'm trying to understand. Yeah, well, you've worn the uniform. You, I, I've seen the photos. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> Oh, proudly. So, so I've, got, I've worn my greens and I've... had the 
Pauline, good on you. Yeah, so, you know, I won't claim that I know everything, but it's trying to understand. That's why I go over to these places and I try and talk to the to the um, military and I try to talk to the Navy guys and I'm, I'll be going to the Air Force and talking to those and I'll do with them. But uh, I did even go back years ago. I spoke to the Vietnam vets and got involved in that organisation. So I'm trying to do what I can. Kenneth, and trying to understand about this. Yeah. Hey, Ken, nice to talk to you, mate. Really appreciate the call. Um, hopefully we'll get some more rain up there in Rocky because it has been dry. I've had rain in Yapoon, but um, not yeah, in Rocky. Yeah, well, you, if you were up here Boxing Day, mate, you would have seen how dry it is. Yeah, no, I was. I was there Boxing Day. And uh, strangely enough, where I am, we got this rain band through. I was quite surprised. No one else got it. So <laughs> I'm liking that. Listen, thank you. Thanks again Bye. for everything that you guys do. And as I said, I know that there's a few veterans listening in tonight and hopefully there's the opportunity for us to, to come together and be heard and have Look, someone listen to us is, is awesome. Thank we'll you always be there to talk to the veterans, try and do what I can do for you. And you guys, look, um, keep your chin up, have a happy new year, and I'm, I'm wishing you all the best. And I just want to say that for myself and the other Australian people, we think highly of you. What you've yeah. given to the country, your sacrifices you've made away from your families, and it and it's a job that you've done, a tough one, what I've seen, but it's very much appreciated. And I think the world of you guys, you're there. You're going to come forward. If we're ever under attack and we need protection, you're the first ones online. And Australians must never forget that. Now, bless you, All Pauline. Right. Have, a, have a happy new year, eh? Thanks, All mate. Right, you we'll too. Bye. 27 minutes away from midnight in Queensland. Of course, uh, midnight's happen in some of the southern states, but yes. we're a little behind in Queensland. I don't mind that. Well, actually... Do you like daylight is, savings or do you not? No. No, I don't, I don't like it either. I just wish we could have a uniformed time zone. That's it. Okay. Look, I've got a suggestion. New South Wales pulls back half an hour. Queensland goes forward half an hour. There's, there's your... I'd settle for that. <laughs> so, Would they so know? We're, so we're all the same. No, uh, they won't. So anyway. Okay. I got uh, Bo from Morayfield. I think you're ready to go, Bo. Hi, Bo. How you going, guys? G'day, Bo. Hey. Um, thanks for taking my call, uh, call Paul, and I think it's great that um, you're approachable and, and you're accessible as a politician. It's very rare unless you've got the dollars. So it's good to be able to talk face-to-face -face or at least over the phone and hear your voice. Hey. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I um, wanted to take the opportunity to bring up the Federal ICAC, actually, and, and more more specifically my concern about um, water rights and water usage in this country and what's happening with that, with the corporations, um, you know, taking water from communities like Mount Tambourine has an issue right now on the south side of Brisbane where they're running out of um, water to the point where the school kids couldn't even go to school in the last week because there was no water in the toilets or in their drinking water. Where is that? Mount Tambourine? Yeah, Mount Tambourine that was. Gee. That's incredible. That's, that's yeah, just that's outside of that. Brisbane. Yes, I know Mount Tambourine. I'm about an hour from it. Yeah, well, okay. until like the Coca uh, company that owns Coca-Cola was still shipping water out of out of the ball, like if it, um, the ball for the schools and that doesn't go as deep as the ball that the corporation has set up, and so they're still extracting water, groundwater while um, people in Mount Tambourine are literally a, a dry on water at the moment. And so, yeah, but basically, uh, my biggest concern is with everything going on with the fires and water at the moment. I, I have a, a my, my like, for example, with the fires as well. Um, <clears throat> 
my concern was also like foreign investors coming in and buying out that land and preying, preying on, on farmers who are in hardship. And so, like, I, I guess this is why I think we need an ICAC in the government so that there's no exploitation and taking advantage of uh, Australian father and their most vulnerable positions with, like, drought happening and, and water shortage. I mean, people can become very desperate and they can make decisions that aren't necessarily best for their future because of the immediate need now. So I guess my concern is how, 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 um, how can we deal with this? How can we stop the government from exploiting our, our farmers and our local communities and taking and exploiting our waterways and, and also our land? Well, that's right. You know, Bo, I think it's these international agreements and treaties that we've actually signed that overrides our domestic laws here in Australia. And I've been exposing that and speaking about it now for years. Doesn't matter, you know, who you're putting in. If you have this ICAC investigation into it, you, you're not going to expose government policies and where they're headed. Um, you're not going to expose them for it because they've signed it away in treaties and agreements. That needs to be, that in itself, people need to know what we have been signing away. All these agreements, they are, that is what is doing damage to this country. We've lost our industries manufacturing. We don't produce a lot of stuff in the country. We're actually now held a ransom. If we get in dire straits here, we can't produce it anymore. They can actually put sanctions on us and pull us into line and say, you will do it our way, that we're telling you. And when you have the United Nations, people who have who've never been to this country, who are actually making decisions what we should be doing, and we're following their lead, I'm sorry, that doesn't work for me. Well, Bo, I, we should I don't have know. our own sovereignty. I don't know whether you saw the other day, Pauline put up a video uh, on the UN's desire to have Australia comply with 30 kilometre an hour speed limits. Yeah, I think that's a little bit inappropriate considering that we're a nation where, like, we already take a couple of hours for most people to transit to and from work. Like, does that mean it's a four-hour transit instead of two? Uh, like that, that, what, that's what, whatever really... they think, 30 kilometres just won't work here. Uh, we've got 40-kilometre-hour speed limits around schools. Fully support that. But 30 kilometres, I think, is just too far. You'll get nowhere. You know, and it's also, we're also a unique nation. Like, you know, this is every nation has their own unique lifestyles and their own unique, like, environmental issues and whatnot. And I think for the UN to be dictating what's going on here in Australia is a little bit rich thing. It's like, we're not a uniform people. Like, across the world, everyone has different needs. And I think if it, the people pro proposing that have obviously never travelled in this country because 30 kilometres just wouldn't cut it here. It wouldn't cut it here. But it goes beyond that. You know, this is getting to the ridiculous. Um, what I'm saying is if we work as, a, as a, the world works together, you work together to stop um, terrorism, you work together to stop, you know, to keep world peace, but you don't have others telling you how to run your country and your sovereignty. That is up to the people themselves to elect governments that actually will um, run their country what is in the best interest for the people. So I just don't like the UN interference. Um, I think that some of these agreements, as I said, it's it hasn't been in our best interest, and we're seeing the repercussions of that now coming to fruition of what's happening to our country. And um, it's I feel for the people, future generations. I really do. Hey, Bo, thanks for your call, mate. Yeah, I've got a I just million have one, others. One oh, other yeah, quick question. Make it quick. It, 
just really quickly, I'd like to also see Pauline push for like tax exemptions or, or, or um, uh, financial relief for the for the any farmers who have dealt with like destruction of their land from this fire. Because to be honest, if corporations can get it, why can't the little people? Right. Okay. For those people like, that have, I, have been burnt out. The farmers yeah, that have been burnt like, out? Yeah. yeah, to avoid corporations sweeping in and buying out their dirt cheap, why don't we just them like, you know, have freezes on their mortgages until they can get back on their feet or mm. tax relief in their, in their um, in, you know, farming so they don't have to, like, um, deal with, you know, burdens of finance at the moment. Because I think ultimately my biggest fear is yep. this benefits the corporate or government buyouts and people who may not who may have wanted to keep those lands for generations now may need to sell because of I know the, it's, the, it the is happening yes. it is happening both so, yeah. yeah all right thank Thanks you very call, much mate. all right cheers all right thank you thank 1 300 857 466 we've got 20 minutes left you've done well i've got to tell you you've done well <laughs> i know you've had the kids the grandkids for the whole christmas period and they've kept you on your toes yep have you missed work while you've had that week with the, the kids? Or did you enjoy running around and... I, it was a pleasant change, James. Was it? Yes. Okay. But I need it. The farm, she loves her piece on the farm. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. No, that's good. Very good. You knew what my answer was going to be. I do. I love my piece yep. of life. But um, had a, a good rest, good break. Good. It's been good. So, um, yeah, we've got to hit the road again. We've got a busy year this yeah, year. Got a lot that's happening. And, um, yeah, I, I'm not going to slacken off. We, we are not going to slacken off because everyone, we work together. It's a team effort. So we've got a lot to do. Do you know the number one thing that I have people ask me, how old is Pauline? I always tell them. I think everyone knows. They announce well, no, it on the radio every year. How old? No, no. My birthday. People can't believe how old you are. Sixty what? Five. Yes. There you go. Hey, do you get a pension card? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to no, a call. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't even got a seniors card either. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's in Milady. Hi, Paul. Hey guys, how are you? Good. Hey Paul. Hey, don't worry about that. But what have you got for Paul Lane, mate? Don't worry about it, him having a go at me. Well, I sat with him. He was having a go at you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. You picked it up. Hey, listen, oh, he, he sometimes gets a little bit of a smarty, and um, I said, listen, mate, I can still run rings around you sometimes, and I'm 25 years older than you, so pull your head in. But anyway, That's right. he's a young fellow. Yes, he is a young fellow, and I said we know yeah. how to get under each other's fingernails at times, That's mate. Right. Yeah, no, we, we get, get on well. There's no problem. So I tell him what I think anyway, and he tells me what he thinks. No, good, I'm good sure. working relationship. Now, look, my my whole issue, I'll get the cut through it because obviously you've got time limited. But just child support in Australia. Yep, you know. It is it is horrendous. So, what's your case with the child support? Oh, look, it's not just mine. It's friends too, and yeah, and good friends. But mine's really just that you know their mum decides that for whatever reason go walk about and um, can't earn one earn, but reports the wrong sort of numbers. 
close for Child support is, they know that it needs to be addressed, and that's why I put child support in the terms of reference to do with this inquiry. Um, what I, I've been trying to have discussions with the Minister with regards to it, they do want to address it. I don't think they know how to or where to attack it, um, so make it a fairer system. I believe that um, child support should be on a 38-hour week, any overtime that the, the person paying the child support, any overtime or beyond that 38-hour week should be theirs to keep. It shouldn't be paid in child support. So it's, it's a few things that I'm sort of looking at, raising the issues. Um, I want to hear from people in the inquiry. I think um, the other members of parliament hey, should... Well, I'm, I'm not sure it's my end or yours, but I'm just half hearing you. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it does need to be investigated um, with this child support. They brought it in, child support was brought in the 1980s, basically because the taxpayers were paying parents um, for provision for their children, where it should be the, the, the parent should be paying for it. But I think it's gone to the ridiculous. And what some of these people are paying is over the top. I mean, say if, if you, people are paying two to $300 a week for a child, um, that's, that's not right, okay? It shouldn't be a lifestyle for the other parent. It is what is, um, you know, I think should be fair on both parents to contribute to that, um, you know, the, the child, the upkeep of the child, whether to education and, and clothing, what's, what's necessary. Paul, thanks for your call, mate. Yeah. We've got a million others to try and get through before midnight, and it's uh, what no, is it? Can I throw one? Yeah, can I throw one more in. Fire Sorry. away. Yep. And Make it quick, mate. That's a bit of a, I've only been encouraged to call you from Morani, and uh, we're all busy visiting at Christmas. He said, "Make the call." So, uh, you know, that's one connected with you guys. Hey, um, I've also got a friend who's a woman who, and probably has phoned your line tonight who is owed over $85,000 in child support because um, the person doesn't put their tax in each year and apparently no one can chase it. Tell me about that. Yeah, a lot of people do. The government has chased it up. They reckon that child support is owing about $1.6 billion in child support owed by men and about $35 million by women that are owed in child support. So they're trying to clean it up so that people actually do pay for their child support. So they're chasing people. So if you haven't paid your child support, they will come after you and they will sell up your home or your property to pay the child support. And I think this is why you've called for a fairer system to be worked out because obviously It does do. And, an I, and I think a lot of people thrown in the jobs because um, they're not going to pay this huge amount of to uh, in child support. Uh, they feel it's unjustified. They don't see their children, especially those parents that don't have contact with their children. They're paying huge amounts in child support and they're, they're not happy about it. So it's not right. And and particularly those, I'm, I'm hearing it from business people. They say it's hard to get our staff to work beyond the 38 hours because their penalty rates get attacked and it Comes and into, child support, yeah, and child support, support is based on their uh, before Total tax. Money. So that's not right, mm. and tax has got to come out of that as well. So there are a lot of issues. I'm raising them, and uh, I think we need a fairer system. And Appreciate I the call. Be able to get no, it. it's good, Paul. Yeah. All right, one three hundred eight five seven four double six. Look, 
it's probably not worth we've probably got a few too many calls in the line already okay alex thank you i won't use the number again um i've got julie though who's in the blue mountains and julie my understanding is there's uh Oh, I've got to call her back. That's okay. We'll get there. I do have some other shots here that I thought were uh, interesting. No one's seen these before. This is you in the sub as well. Yep. How, how far Wait. down do you go from that? See that hull yeah, uh, well that, up top? That goes up to another section, in the, the one above. Then you go down those stairs. Then they seal it off. So they seal it off both times. Then you go down into, ah, right. into another one down below again. Were you not claustrophobic? No, it wasn't too bad, actually. Yeah, right. That's and I normally cannot sleep in a room. I don't like air conditioning. I like my fresh air. And I tell you what, there was <laughs> wasn't. But I tell you what, it was freezing, James. Absolutely freezing in that sub. Mm -hmm. But I actually, you know, had to put on my purple jumper. I was out of uniform, but I thought <laughs> I'm not going to freeze this. So I put on my purple uniform. I heard this you made quite a trend. This <laughs> that purple jumper. Yeah. I want to make it, make it part of the uniform. Easy, mate. That was one of my homemade knitted jumpers. This is Kimberly Kitchener. On the right. Yeah, so we were over in Afghanistan together. That was those. Mm. Who's that on the left? There. That was his, um, major oh, who actually took us. She was in, with us. Good. And, uh, yeah, Burston didn't come with us over to Afghanistan. He actually wouldn't wear the body armour. He said it was too heavy for him. And yet Kimberly wore his the same way as what he did. And yet, he, he let everyone believe that um, that he went to Afghanistan, and he never he never even went over there. There's a lot that could be said, but I don't want to end up in court. Oh, I'm just. I know. I'm just saying. That, but I'm just I've saying. I've been there with him before. You're going there with him now. <laughs> I don't want to feed the man anything. He doesn't deserve our time. Oh, well, he never went to Afghanistan. No, he didn't. That was one. Miss Truth. Uh, Julie's from Blue Mountains. I think we've got you this time. Julie, hi. Hi there. How are you going? <laughs> hi, Julie. Happy New Year. Yes. I'm in New South Wales. But <laughs> yeah, we've, we've got yeah. 11 minutes to go. Yes, yes. Um, thanks for being up tonight and taking calls. And Pauline, I'd like to congratulate you on getting the family law inquiry kicking along. I'm a mother who's been in the court now for 18 months and I'm actually at the receiving end of false allegations, so I completely yeah. empathise and my family empathise with what it's like with your family too, going through it. Yes, it is hard. It's, it's so difficult, um, and and especially when you don't see your kids. That's extremely hard, and I see the pain and hurt on, on parents, and I've seen it on my son's well, face I'm, and trying I'm to I'm a mother that yep. facilitates a relationship calling. Yep. So it's really important, even the research shows that both parents need to be involved in a children in a child's life in order for it to have the best success. But one thing I just wanted to mention tonight, and I know you've got other calls waiting, is the, the legal advocate's role in this as well. So we've got lawyers who should be really fact-checking and looking at the integrity of evidence before affidavits are filed in court. So when we talk about um, false allegations being made, the lawyers have a duty to the court in order to make sure that information presented is fact-checked. Yeah. And that's not happening. But and in my personal experience, it's just yeah. I, I, the other party has had three different solicitors who have all presented different defences. So basically, my point is lawyers take on cases purely for money. Yes, yes. I, I'm fully aware of that. Um, it's a cash cow yeah. for a lot of them. 
Um, it's a cash cow. Of course it is. And the whole fact is yeah. that there is, um, there is perjury. If you do want to up an affidavit, that is uh, your sworn testimony. Now, if that is proven to be untrue and that is proven, well, then there should be repercussions for that person by giving false, uh, false allegations. I don't know how a solicitor yes. who's representing that person is going to verify this, this information. They can only take it on the testimony of, the, of their client. So I think the, well, I think Pauline, the client has to wear, wear it. False well, allegations. Yeah. But what I what I wanted to draw your attention to, and I won't take much more of your time, is the role of the New South Wales Office of Legal Services Commissioner. Yep. Did you know that in the last four years, the Office of Legal Service Commissioner has received the most complaints about family lawyers, and that's in at least the last four years. So beyond before that, I'm not sure. That family lawyers have been, are the most complained about solicitors in New South yeah. Wales. Wow. Yeah. That so doesn't, believe, doesn't surprise me. I believe that, that we should really be looking at that inquiry as well. We should be bringing the commissioner in to perhaps ask how he's been dealing with. So, who was that again? Commissioner, commissioner of what? Commissioner John McKenzie. We'll look it up. Commissioner Good. John McKenzie, yeah. and it's mm. OLSC. Good. Okay, thanks. And thank you for taking my call tonight, Pauline. I will send you through some information on Monday. No, that's so lovely. Thank, mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thanks, Julie. I'll send you. Thanks so much, James and I'll Pauline. Put... All right. Good on you, Julie. Happy New, Happy New, New Year, Year, everyone. Yeah, good on you. Bye, bye. Can you believe seven minutes to go? You've done six hours. <gasps> seven minutes, okay. And then it's Happy New Year. Yeah, wow. Yeah, if this year. was a road trip, how many stops would we have had to make? Well, we stop at all the small towns wherever we can, don't we, and try and catch up and talk to people. Well, so it's me, been quite interesting. From Brisbane back to Rocky is about a seven to eight hour drive. So I'll do yeah. that tomorrow. But um, it's yeah, it's good. You've lasted really well. All right. I think we've got... For an old girl. Ah, uh, Melissa. You said it, not me. <laughs> Hello, Melissa. Hi, how are you going? Hi, Melissa. Yes. Hi. I was just wondering what your thoughts are on the debacle of Scott Morrison wanting to have a holiday while there are bushfires in Australia happening and the media wanting to demonise him. Look, um, the Prime Minister works extremely long hours and he works extremely hard. I've, I feel that he has a right to have a bit of a break with his family. Um, it was unfortunate with, the, with bushfires that uh, in the country, and I've, I did hear that he did come back to the country. Um, you know, I I'm can't I can't really have a go at him, and I'm not going to. I I think that um, you have to understand how what a difficult job it is trying to be in touch with everything across everything, and um, and I'm sure he was contactable by phone. So I just feel that um, you know. People have to understand if you have you worn his shoes or in any shoes before you criticise. I think that's a hard part. Like you've been caught overseas before um, because you were on a delegation. I think it was the Indian one when the Queensland election was announced, and you you no, had to you I'm, had to fulfil no, no, the, the duties. A, that was no. What was that? No, that was the book. I'd booked the, my holiday with the family oh, overseas to, right, to England. Cruise. Yes, on the cruise. Yep, and yep. then I got criticised for it because I wasn't here for a by-election, but that cruise was yep. booked. And um, so anyway, I wasn't here for the by-election. No. 
But this one I'm saying, Melissa, is that um, you get criticised and you have to book these holidays. It was over a Christmas period of break. Mm. You think you'd have it. Um, so it, it's look, it, it's a tough it's a tough one. People felt that he should have been in the country for yeah. it, but he wasn't. Um, so, but there's never a good time to take holidays in politics. There's always something happening. That's the problem. All right, next call. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for doing that, and thank you for the call. I got Daryl Kelly. Hi, Daryl. We know Daryl. Yes, I know Daryl. Yeah, the Daryl. The Daryl. Hi, Daryl. Hello. How are you going? Who's that? Are you in hospital? Yes. No, I was in hospital. I, I had a small um, cancer thing removed from my bladder. Oh, you okay, mate? Yeah, mate. I, they, it... they said I, I was very lucky. I was very lucky that I that I noticed that I. I know there was some blood. I'm 77. I know there was a little bit of blood in the urine. I said, bloody hell, 77 before I realised I'm transgender and I've got my period. <laughs> You're a funny bugger. You're a funny bugger. Well, yeah. I've, I've known Daryl for what? You, you came and brought about 1996, Daryl, didn't you? Well, this man's I, worked I you up, supportive. I found you that for the day after you, you were disendorsed by John Howard, mate. And yeah. I've loved you every day since. You've not let me down for one day in oh. all that time. Oh, you, you got me, mate. Yeah. I've got to come back in about 12 months. For, and I said to the doctor, October will suit me. The election will be on and I'll be there handing out all the votes for Pauline. <laughs> Oh, well, you've, be been you've been true blue, and listen, I'm glad you've had the operation. Everything's worked out fine for you. Listen, you take care. We're actually going to count down now. It's less than um, three, less minutes. three minutes. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. we've actually... I'm glad uh, I got the talk to you. Look, James is doing a fantastic job. Good on you, James. Thanks, I mate. I dig up you all the way. Pauline, yeah. you know, nobody will play me any other way. Look, I just rang up because I had that one night in hospital, and uh, the bloody television up there uh, on the wall, they wanted $10 for the television for one night. The hospital television is ripping people off, ripping agree, people off when they're the most vulnerable. Yeah. And I got onto that 40 years ago. Yeah. 40 years ago, I complained about it, and they're still doing it. Okay, I so you've got to pay for Pay wow. for TV in hospitals. I didn't know that. Still, I remember that was an old thing. I remember that. Daryl, we'll look into that. That's a really good point. I reckon yeah. that's like charging 30 cents for tomato sauce. That's just a con job. Really? Yeah. Well, $10 a night. That's a grand television set. You can buy it new for $150. I agree, mate. Yeah. Rising electricity costs. That's what it is. I know. Daryl, right. next time you're in hospital, I'll bring an iPad to use. Thanks for the call, mate. This has been a very interesting night. Yeah, it has. Um, it's, it's no different to when we go out onto the streets. You get stopped yeah. everywhere. People just have a good conversation with you. Well, I just want to take the time the now to, to thank everyone for spending the time with us tonight. We've got less than a minute, so it's counted down now to Happy New Year. Mm. We've had a – it's been very interesting. Um, I'm glad you raised the issue and, and about doing this, first time ever. Hmm. Um, we possibly will do it again, probably not for six hours. A lot of people probably have had enough of listening to us. But 
all the concerns that people raised and genuine concerns, family law, big issue out there, and uh, just the general support that people have given us and appreciate the hard work that we've put in for them. Well, you're the driving factor, and if you weren't here, so, none of us would be either. So it's really no, good. It's much appreciated. And uh, we have 15 seconds and counting. I just want to thank all the staff as well yeah, who gave thank up their night. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks, Rob. You're very welcome. Thanks, Alex. I know I'll give you a hard time. It's only because I know really you. Good. And Richard, thank Lovely you. To be with Three, you. two, one, no, and. No, no, yeah, it's nine. Eight. Happy no, it New isn't. Year, everybody. It is not. Yeah, that's a delayed version on the screen oh, over there. Oh, it is. I'm looking at the delayed it. version. Hi, oh, <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> Guess what? I'm out of here. I hope you, I hope you enjoyed the night, and I hope um, you've been better informed what uh, I've told you, my thoughts, my views, my opinions, and uh, all the best. I do wish you all the best for a great I've got year. one more for oh, you, though. I do want this taken. Who? Is it Richard? It's Richard. Hello, Richard. You're all right, mate. You're our very lucky last caller tonight. And your dad's in hospital. No, actually, um, this is a situation that goes back to 2014. By the way, um, lovely to talk to you finally, Miss Hanson. I've um, come and seen you a couple of times, but I've never actually had the guts to stay alive. Yeah. Um, my father actually passed away in 2014. Um, oh, I'm sorry. My mate. situation was um, I went to these, I, I didn't know what was going on. My um, my father's injury power of attorney was a Qantas airline pilot. And um, I don't know if John Gass is out there. G'day, mate, how are you? But um, I didn't get any information about my father's condition and I was worried about him. I took off from Brisbane to the Sunshine Coast to the newly formed um, Sunshine Coast University Hospital. Yep. And when I got there, I was informed that that was on palliative care. Um, the situation three years earlier was that my mother was on palliative care and she was dead two hours later. So I, I fell apart and I didn't want Dad to see me all upset. So I took off from the hospital and I went to the service station and I took off in a bit of a hurry from the service station, as you can imagine, after talking to my brother and saying, mate, you need to get here. And I was put out by the police. And I was charged with the Class 1 hooning offence with no other offences other than one speeding ticket five years earlier. This is five years later. I'm still dealing with it after being found not guilty. My car was impounded for 90 days. I was yeah. able to the vote for over two hours. I have all the evidence to prove this. And I keep getting dragged through this hell. I'm still in it. I don't know what to do. All right. <laughs> Richard, we've got your phone number here. Um, let me follow this up um, with you, okay? Off here. I've, e I've emailed Labor, I've emailed Anastasia yeah. Palaszczuk, tits on a bullshit. I've emailed the Liberals, I've emailed everybody. The Triple C came back with a letter from the police saying that there's insufficient evidence. Right, okay. I Let's. Yeah, we'll pick it, this up off air, mate. I think um, this could be a, a fairly long conversation. I think it's worth uh, following up in person. Let's see, let's see what, okay, let's, don't give up hope, it's a new year, it's 2020 now, okay, you've um, contacted me, let me see what I can do, I can't work miracles and I don't promise people stuff that I can't do, what I will do is I will do what I can to have a look into this for you, 
All right. I and do so appreciate that. that. I've actually already some peace yeah. in your life. This is not good enough. That's been five years. You've having to deal with it. Let me see what my office can do and try and represent you and, and get some closure for you. Thank you, Captain. I do appreciate it. I've already sent you um, all the details as well. Yeah. All right, Charles. I'll follow it up with my staff. They've tried and deal with stuff in the office. They do a fantastic job. I know they follow up a lot of the stuff. I don't see every email that comes in by no means, but important oh, things no, that do bring to my attention. All right, so let me follow it up. All right. Okay, that'd be great. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Richard. Listen, take Thanks care. Thanks for calling okay. in, mate. All right, guys. All right. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. You too. All right. Thank you, everybody. Right. Thanks for coming. It's been wonderful. Again, hope you enjoyed yourself. Drive have safe. A, have you. a great. You, yes, you've, you've got an hour ahead enjoy of you. Enjoy your 2020 mm, with right. your family and loved ones and your friends and, and be safe.